Hi, I'm Alex Anders. I'm the author of the Male Male Wolfshifter Romance audiobook you're about to listen to. The description of it is below, but allow me to tell you something about it. It is about Kendall, a shy, awkward college student who is ordinary in every way, except to wolfshifters, he has no scent. That's impossible. And he might never have learned that if he didn't wake up one morning with a hangover and a note pinned to his shirt. What does the pond at 2 p.m. mean? Going to the pond, he meets Nero, this 6'2", curly-haired, beautifully built, rippling muscle guy with the hottest southern accent he has ever heard. And the thing that happened at the party? They kissed. I'm sorry, I don't remember much from last night. Could you tell me something about yourself? Because you seem perfect. Sure, uh, I'm here on a football scholarship. Football? Nope, I'm sorry, mistakes were made. And then he spins around and walks off. And that would have been the end of it if Kendall's lack of scent and Nero's bad reaction to the rejection hadn't triggered his wolf, which led to bad decisions and him ending up in jail. And if Kendall weren't offered this prestigious opportunity that he would only get by counseling the college's star football player, who, unbeknownst to everyone, is into guys and is a wolf shifter whose wolf has gone wild because he's found someone with no scent. What will happen in this steamy male-male wolf shifter romance with a ton of paranormal twists that I know you'll love? But before you listen to the story, I need to tell you that there's a version of this audiobook with world-class narration that exists on Audible. And if you live in the United States or the UK and you don't already have an Audible account, then you can click on the links in my description, sign up for a free trial, and get this audiobook for free. However, if you are ineligible for the free trial because of where you live or because you already have an Audible account, then you can click on the Join button, becoming a member of this YouTube channel. When you do, you'll get access to the premium narration version of the story and access to every audiobook already uploaded to the membership program. And I write a lot of audiobooks. So if you want to learn more about it, you can click on the link above me. Otherwise, enjoy the story. Is Rejected Mate by Alex McCanders Preface Nero I left my dorm room needing to get out. My wolf wasn't used to being caged like this. Ever since I had arrived at university, it felt like I was spending all of my time in boxes. At the same time, I couldn't just let my wolf out. The campus was swarming with fragile, unpredictable humans. It wasn't like I had never spent time around them. Where I grew up there were a lot of them. Everyone got along real well. The difference is that they knew about shifters. If someone suddenly turned into a wolf, no one ended up dead. Wolves didn't spook easily. But if you see one and immediately think, kill or be killed, it will smell it as soon as you have the thought. There's no surviving a wolf attack if it thinks it's fighting for its life. So living where I am I have to lock away my wolf. The only times I can let him out are the Sundays when my brother Cage comes to campus. That's when he, his boyfriend, my roommate and I head to the woods shift and let our wolves run. The next time we're doing that is tomorrow and my wolf knows it. The reason I'm out wandering the campus now is because he's restless thinking about it. 
When he gets like this, I also get the feeling he's looking for something. But that's just a guess. A lot of what I know about being a shifter is a guess. I didn't have an alpha to teach me about this stuff when I started shifting. I didn't even have a mother. But from what I've heard, wolves are curious. If you let them, they'll take you 100 miles in one direction just to see what's over the next hill. That was probably what was going on now, but I had my doubts. The first time I visited this campus was for my brother's graduation. It was then that I saw someone. I don't know why, but I couldn't stop staring at him. By the time I could leave my seat to look for him, he was gone. The weird thing was that he didn't leave a scent to follow. Everything left sense. It was like he was a ghost. At least to my wolf. I think my wolf has been looking for him ever since. I can't blame him. I can't stop thinking about him either. It wasn't like he was beautiful in the obvious ways or anything. He was actually a little awkward and boyish looking. But staring at him as he watched the ceremony from the edge of the trees, I wanted him. After he disappeared, I regretted not going to him the moment I saw him. I needed to know everything about him. I was hoping he was a student here. It was one of the reasons I was looking forward to attending. But it's a large campus with a lot of students and he doesn't have a cent. So either he's not here or he is and I can't find him. Either way, I've tried to let him go. Clearly I haven't because here I am still thinking about him. I'm pretty sure it's added to my wolf's restlessness. And lately, even letting him take control on the football field hasn't helped. I'm running out of things I can do. So on nights like tonight when he wants to roam the campus, I let him. I don't want to think about what would happen if I didn't. There's only so long a wolf will remain caged before it forces its way out. When that happens, let's just say that no one is safe. Like he often does when he's in this mood tonight, my wolf has led me to another party. As much as like to avoid people, he craves being around others. It's fine. I can play along. I've had a lot of practice wearing masks. Tonight's performance might be easier because the party my wolf has led me to is at one of the sports fraternities. There are two on campus. One is mostly for football players. This one is a mixture of the three major sports. There are guys from my team in it. Hopefully that will make tonight less of a pain in my ass. Nero. Dude. You came, Dan said when I entered and saw him. Dan was an offensive tackle and one of my brother's friends. I got the impression that Cage asked him to look after me. Dan was cool and all, but he and my brother were friends before Cage shifted for the first time. Dan doesn't know shifters exist. So what good is he to me? I was just getting some air. I didn't know they were throwing a party tonight, I told him slipping on my human mask. What are you talking about? I told you about this after practice. I swear it's like you don't listen to a word I say. You think I've been hit in the head too many times or something? Dan made a face like a zombie and then smiled. I'm just joking. Come on. Let's get you a drink. Had Dan mentioned the party to me? Was that why we were here? Had my wolf remembered it, even though I hadn't? I couldn't understand how my wolf and I could be so different. I was perfectly happy being alone. Hell I preferred it. But every chance my wolf got, he was out searching for a pack. With a drink in hand I left Dan and crossed the rooms. Everyone looked like they were having a good time. I wondering if they were, or if they were just pretending like I was. Knowing I had to be there as long as my wolf wanted to be, I compromised and exited into the backyard. Finding a porch, I leaned onto the wooden railing. Scanning the crowd I froze. 
I couldn't believe it. It was him, the boy from graduation. He was standing 30 feet in front of me. As heat washed across my face, my wolf went wild. I stared at him. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. What was I supposed to do now? Chapter 1 Kendall How many times have you put something into your mouth and thought, this does not taste good? Am I supposed to swallow it? And then you do, and you regret it. But seconds later, you forget how much you hated it and put more of it in your mouth? Well, that was me last night and I'm paying the price for it this morning. How can anyone drink whiskey? It tastes like dirt and it's like swallowing lava. I should have just held it in my mouth and spit it out when no one was looking. No one really cares if you swallow, right? They just care that you're there making the effort. Okay, that's it for me. I know that it's a cliché for people to wake up with a hangover and claim that they will never drink again. But I'm really not going to. I will never drink again. Not wine, not whiskey, not even a cider. I'm done with drinking. And while I'm at it, I need to reconsider my relationship with loud noises and the sun. Can you quit that please? I said to my roommate Corey, before groaning and rolling over, feeling awful. I was putting on my pants, Corey replied confused. And can you do it quietly? How many ways are there to put on your pants? I groaned. I don't feel well. Do you want me to get you a glass of water or something? I'm gonna go get breakfast. Do you want me to bring you back a bagel? I thought about a bagel with cream cheese and lox and almost threw up. What was Corey trying to do, kill me? Our dorm room wasn't very big, was he trying to get it all to himself? I moaned in reply and crawled into a ball. Corey remained quiet for a moment and then sat on the edge of my bed and pushed his fingers through my hair, scratching my scalp. It felt so good it almost made me forget that he had a girlfriend. Aside from how loudly he put on pants, he was a very sweet guy. He was the type of guy the first wished I could date if every gay guy didn't see me as quirky and sexless, or as their brother. I take it you had a good time last night. I don't remember, I admitted. Did you black out? Yeah, I told him burying my face in my pillow. Wow that's rough, he said rubbing my head a little harder. The man had magic hands. If I were a dog my leg would be going wild right now. Girlfriend or not, if he wanted to crawl into bed and wrap his arms around me, I wouldn't have objected. He wouldn't do that though. Because besides being annoyingly straight, he was the purest guy the first knew. No matter how innocent, he would probably think of it as cheating. The man was just a good guy. I would probably spend the rest of my life looking for a gay guy like him. Can I ask you a question? Corey asked seriously. If I will marry you. If you're going to keep rubbing my head like that, the answer is yes. Corey chuckled. I'll keep that in mind but that's not the question. Ooh, I groaned disappointedly. I'm wondering why you have a piece of paper pinned to your shirt. What? Corey moved his magic fingers from my scalp and tugged at something hanging from my t-shirt. It was the one I was wearing when I headed out the night before. And until the moment my memories went dark, the pinned paper hadn't been there. I rolled over to get a better look at it. Tilting it upwards, I saw words on it. It's written upside down, I told him as the whiskey's remains sloshed around in my brain. Corey chuckled again. Let me get that for you. He released the safety pin and stared at the note. Willow Pond at 2 p.m. What does that mean? What did that mean? I knew Willow Pond. It was my favorite spot on campus. It was where I went when I needed a moment to think. 
But what about at 2 p.m.? I was rolling over to ask Corey if he had read it correctly, when an image suddenly flashed into my mind. It was of a boy of indistinguishable size and shape, and he was leaning into me. Oh God! I kissed a boy. I said shooting upright. Apparently, it was a little too quickly, because with it came everything I consumed the night before. If our dorm room wasn't so close to the bathroom, I would never have made it. But when I returned from the porcelain god, I felt like a tiger on the hunt. That lasted about 30 seconds before I was reminded that the sun was the devil, and I had to crawl back under my sheets. I wasn't exactly one of those popular gays who had a different guy in their bed every weekend. I would love to explain it by saying I was saving myself for marriage, but that wasn't it. Guys just weren't into me. In high school, I could blame it on being the only out guy there. But why was it the same in college? East Tennessee University even had an LGBTQIA club. I was a member of it for my first two years here. Since during that time no one had asked me out, I decided to take a break from it this year. What's a boy got to do to get some lip-on-lip -lip action? Apparently, it's to get blackout drunk where I can't remember what it felt like or who it was with. Great. Are you okay? My roommate asked, looking at me concerned. He was going to make some lush a great husband one day. I think I kissed a boy. I heard. Who? I don't know. How could you not know? Because unlike you, some of us make poor decisions and do things with complete strangers they don't remember, I explained. I make bad decisions sometimes. Sure you do, mister, I've practically been married since I was 17. You probably don't even know what a bad decision is. I'm not perfect. Yeah, right. Whatever. So, do you think the guy you kissed is the same guy who wrote this? I sat up. I do now. So, this is like an invitation? To meet at 2 p.m. at my favorite spot. Yeah, Corey said with building excitement. That's kind of romantic. It is, isn't it? Do you remember anything about the guy? He said with way more interest than any straight guy should have. I searched my memory. All I can remember is someone leaning into me. That's it. What about the angle? Leaning forward. Bending down? He was bending down. And he was big. I remember that. Big like actually big. Or just bigger than you. Hey, we're the same size, I reminded Corey. I wasn't making a judgment. I was trying to get a reference. I think he was big. Like, I think I remember him having large hands. Large hands, Corey said suggestively. What? I said with a blush. I'm just saying. Corey smiled. On top of everything else great about him, he was also the perfect gay best friend when I needed him to be. I knew it didn't mean anything, and it was him being supportive. But it did allow my fantasies to run wild every so often. Okay, innuendo, hold your horses. We don't know anything about him. For all we know, he could be big because he was a statue my drunk ass was doing inappropriate things to. But would a statue write a note telling you to meet him at Willow Pond at 2? I thought about that. Corey was right. Whoever wrote the note was human. The guy they first kissed was made of flesh and blood. Did this mean that I had met someone I liked who liked me back? Were miracles real? Kelly and I are going hiking, so I have to go grab breakfast. But you're meeting him, right? You mean the stranger who could be arranging the place to murder me? No, I mean the guy who kissed you under the stars and left you a trail to find him again. 
Do you see what I mean about Cory being too good to be straight? Cory got up and grabbed his keys and wallet. Kendall, as much as I've listened to you complain about not having anyone, there's no way you can't go. This could be the guy you spend the rest of your life with. Yeah, because he kills me and dumps my body in the pond. Cory laughed. Okay. Do what you need to do. But if I come back tonight and you haven't met this guy, I will be very disappointed in you. Yes, Dad. Good boy, son, he said before kneeling on my bed and kissing my hair. Ah. What did I say about Cory being perfect? There was no way that his girlfriend knew how great he was. Enough about the guy leaving to meet his girlfriend, and who I will never have. It was time to think about whoever it was that safety pinned the note to me. I had to admit that it was at least a little romantic. Did he realize that I wouldn't remember the night and want to make sure that we would see each other again? That had to be it, right? Not that he didn't want to put his number in my phone for the police to find. Or maybe it was both. Slowly feeling my strength return, I searched my pocket for my phone. When I didn't find it, I searched my nightstand. It wasn't there either. Did I get so drunk I lost my phone? Crap. It was $800 and I'm still paying for it. I am seriously never drinking again. It's a good thing that apart from my parents, the only other person on it was the guy that I first lived with. Thank God for being unpopular. Needing to get something into my stomach, I eventually made my way to the cafeteria and filled my tray. I didn't know what would stay down, so I got a little bit of everything. Looking up for my food, the guy that first recognized from class caught my eye and waved me to join his group. I waved him off knowing I couldn't carry on a conversation in my state. Besides, I wanted to see what I could remember before 2 p.m. If I didn't know what he looked like, how was I going to find him when I got there? How did I know he wasn't staring at me right now? I looked up and scanned the room. There were a lot of people. Most of them were engaged in conversation or staring down at their plate. The only one who wasn't was staring back at me. After a moment of eye contact, he came over. Hey Kendall, did you get my text about study group? Did you want to join? He asked awkwardly. I knew him. It was the guy from psychology class who was always staring at me. I couldn't figure out what his deal was. Was there always something on my face or was he just looking at the guy behind me? I think I lost my phone, I said before wiping my mouth reflexively. Seriously? That sucks. Tell me about it. Did you need my number again? I don't have anything to put it in. Right, he said seeming disappointed. Anyway, we're meeting on Thursday at Commons. It would be great if you could come. I think I have something on Thursday but maybe, I told him not wanting to go. Oh, okay. Just let me know. He smiled and returned to his table. I had to wonder about him. The guy was always asking me to join him for one thing or another. How many social events did he organize? Finishing my pancakes, I felt human enough to return to my room and get ready for the day. Sunday was a quiet day at the dorms. Most people were usually shaking off the effects of their Saturday night. Taking a shower, I couldn't help but imagine who it was who had pinned the note to my shirt. What if Corey was right and it was the love of my life? The odds of it being him was low, but it didn't mean it couldn't happen. The thought of it made me tingle with excitement. What would it be like to crawl into a guy's arms and fall asleep? What would it be like to have a boyfriend or to have sex? I didn't know about any of that stuff. All I knew was that no matter who this guy ended up being, 
I was going to do everything I could not to screw this up. I was tired of being alone. I wanted to know what love felt like. With our meeting time approaching and the butterflies swarming in my stomach, I found the nicest t-shirt I had and matched it to the same shade of black pants. Wrapping a studded leather bracelet around my wrist, I stood in front of the mirror and stared. This guy was sure to be disappointed when he saw me in the light of day, but this was the best I could do. Brushing my unruly curls off of my forehead, they fell back. Yeah, this was as good as it was going to get for me. It would have to be enough. Unable to put it off any longer, I left my room and headed to Willow Pond. I could barely breathe I was so nervous. What would happen if I couldn't recognize him? What if he saw me, realized he had made a huge mistake, and then left me standing there waiting? The thought was almost enough to make me turn around, but I didn't. I continued step by step until the pond came into view. The place was practically empty. The only one there was a guy who stood along the shoreline staring at the ducks. Could that be him? It couldn't be. I could only see his back, but from it, I could tell that he was way out of my league. Imagine shoulders broad enough to carry the world and arms strong enough to crush it in his hands. His golden hair glistened as the reflection from the pond bounced off of it. The sight of him threatened to take my breath away. When he turned and our eyes met, it did. It was him, the guy from last night. I would have recognized him anywhere. All of my memories came rushing back. Drunk off my ass, I had walked up to him at the party and had told him that he was the most gorgeous guy that I first had ever seen. I was expecting him to punch me or something. Instead, he asked me my name and we talked for the rest of the night. Mostly I kept telling him how hot he was and tried to kiss him while he fought me off and blushed. Oh crap, I had forgotten about that. I had made a complete fool of myself. He had only kissed me because I wouldn't leave him alone until he did. But then he wrote something on a piece of paper and told me that it was for tomorrow and that if I was still interested then, I should meet him here. I think he had acted the way he had to be a gentleman. He had to have seen how drunk I was and didn't want to take advantage of me. But how could someone be that hot and thoughtful? There was clearly something wrong with him. Kendall. You came, he said smiling through a rural Tennessee accent. Oh God, he remembered my name. What was his? Of course, I said stepping within an arm's length of him. How could I not? You don't remember my name, do you? He joked. I do. It's um. My thoughts tumbled desperately. That's okay. You were pretty drunk last night. I'm just glad you came. The note helped. It was pinned to me. He laughed. Yeah, I didn't want you to lose it, like your phone. So I did lose my phone. That's what you told me. Crap. I was kind of hoping you had it. Why would I have it, he asked still smiling. I was just hoping. So, are you gonna make me ask you your name? Oh. It's Nero. Kendall. I remember. Right. I have to be honest. I don't remember much from last night. The only things I do came to me about 60 seconds ago. Sorry. That's okay. What do you want to know? I remember everything. I thought for a second. Um, did we kiss? Nero laughed. Yeah, we kissed. Was it good? It was for me. And I was kissing you, so it was probably good for me too. Nero blushed. What did you tell me about yourself that I might have forgotten? I don't think I told you much of anything. Why not? You didn't ask. But I asked you a lot about yourself. 
I know that you're from Nashville. Born and raised, I confirmed. I know that you're a junior. True. And I know that you're the cutest guy I've ever seen. But you didn't have to tell me that. My cheeks burned hearing his words. It clearly wasn't true, but to hear him say it sent a pulse through me that settled in my sex making me hard. You're pretty hot too, I told him knowing I was beat red. Thanks. Since you know so much about me, I guess I should ask about you. Okay. Shoot. Where are you from? It's a small town about two hours from here. And what year are you? I'm a freshman. I took a few years off after high school. What's your major? Right now. Football, he said with a laugh. Football. I said feeling the air release from our bubble. Yeah. I'm here on a scholarship. So right now I'm eating and breathing it. I stared at Nero not hearing another word after he said football. A pain shot to the pit of my stomach until I was forced to cut him off. No. I'm sorry, no. I can't do this. Football. Hell no. I said stepping away and pointing my finger. I stared at him again as the shock washed across his beautiful face. Why did he have to be a football player? Fuick. I shouted in utter frustration before storming off and not looking back. Chapter 2 Nero What just happened? One minute, I'm talking to the boy I hadn't been able to get out of my head for months. Things were going well. Everything felt right in the world. Then out of nowhere he yelled at me and told me to fuck off. What just happened? I shouted at Kendall as he walked away. He didn't turn around or reply. My wolf wanted to chase him down and force him to tell me. It took everything in me to fight the urge. Did he take off because I told him I played football? Why? Playing football was the most normal thing about me. I shifted into a wolf and sometimes did horrible things. Even the people who hated me loved me when I stepped onto the football field. Hell, even my mother loved me when I was out there. For so many years my mother had been missing from my life. Not because she had abandoned me like my father. But because she had disappeared into her own world. The town doctor who was also a phi, couldn't tell if it was magical or if she had just gone nuts. And the only time she would rejoin this world would be to cheer for me under Friday night lights. Football had been one of the ways I and my newly discovered brother Cage bonded. Football is what is paying for my escape to the outside world. Football not my wolf has given me everything good in my life. But the first guy who makes my heart ache just looking at him hates me for having anything to do with it. Why can't I catch a fucking break? Standing where Kendall had left me my thoughts spun. My wolf was going hog shit wild. It wanted me to shift so bad that my skin ripped. I couldn't let it though. In the middle of campus with so many people around, the best that could happen would be that someone would see me. The worst was that it left a trail of bodies showing just how much Kendall's rejection had hurt. And it wasn't just that Kendall had practically spit in my face. It was everything. Living in the outside world was hard. The building pressure from having to suppress my wolf in my past was getting to me. On top of that, it took more than I thought to stand out on the field. I had assumed that being a shifter would be enough. I was naturally stronger and faster than humans. But it turns out that it wasn't by that much. I had to work as hard as everyone else to keep up, and even harder if I wanted to keep my scholarship. Nothing about being here was going like I thought it would. Finding Kendall last night had been the first time I thought things might be okay. Being with him made me believe that I could escape my past, and maybe have a future. 
despite what my wolf wanted me to do, I had been as nice and considerate as I knew how to be with him. I really didn't want to screw things up. Being around him made me think I had the same chance at happiness I watched everyone else have. And all of that vanished when he pointed his finger at me and yelled, Hell no. That hurt. It ripped my guts out. My wolf's deafening howl threatened to bring me to my knees. I knew what would happen if I let it though. I had to fight him. Starting to walk, I left the pond and headed to the street. It was the one that cut through campus. But instead of heading to my cramped dorm, I jogged in the opposite direction. I needed to get away. I needed to breathe. My jog quickly turned into a run. As I did my mind swirled. Thoughts of Kendall shifted to the last 21 years of my life. I had had to fight for everything. No one had given me anything. Not even my mother. While she was catatonic, I went to work. Someone had to make sure we had a place to sleep and food to eat. By 14 years old, the only person I could rely on was myself. Most of the time I wore clothes that were a size too small. I couldn't afford anything else. And when the first kid at school pointed it out, I whooped his ass for bringing it up. No one made fun of me for it after that. I went from doing errands that could have gotten me killed at 14, to betting on myself in wolf fights at 20. I had always done whatever it took to survive. If Cage hadn't found me and told me we were brothers, I would probably still be doing it. Instead, he introduced me to his college football coach, arranged for my scholarship, and rescued me from that world. Yet even with how far I've come, the guy they first fell for still thinks I'm too hard to love. That had to be why my mother chose to vanish into her own world, and why I grew up without a father. I was too hard to love. I was a wolf rejected by my pack, and that was all I was ever gonna be. Thinking that, everything became too much. My head throbbed and a painful agony ripped through me. I felt like I was going to explode. I needed to release it. But instead of shifting like every fiber of my being wanted me to, I locked my eyes on the next parked car in front of me and let go, kicking the door as hard as I could the metal bent on impact. It wasn't enough. I needed to hear a crash. So bawling my fist, I pounded on the passenger window. It wouldn't give in so I slammed harder. Eventually, the glass exploded into a thousand pieces. As loud as it was, that still wasn't enough. Kicking the back door I dented that. About to climb on the hood and put my foot through the windshield, something stopped me. It was a siren. It woke me up as if I had been lost in a bad dream. Clearing my head, I stared at what I had done. I had demolished the car. This was bad. I had lost control of myself, and this was the result. Get on the ground. Someone yelled behind me. I said get on the ground. I had just ruined everything. I was about to lose my scholarship and my only shot at life. If I were a smarter person, maybe I would have let out my wolf and run. I didn't. I had done this. I had been the one to mess up everything good that I had going on, no one else. And I wasn't going to fight my self-inflicted destruction. Not getting onto my knees fast enough someone shoved me from behind. I fell landing on the broken glass. Before I could get off it someone was pulling my wrist together and slapping on cuffs. They were tight enough to cut into my skin. Again I felt my wolf surface but I pushed him down. You have the right to remain silent, he began. I didn't have to listen to the rest. I was familiar with it. I was going to jail. Since I couldn't afford bail, they were going to hold me for two to three days until I went up before the judge. From there I would be sentenced. And unlike when I was underaged, this crime would follow me for the rest of my life. 
I had done this to myself. And to be honest, I always knew it was a matter of time before I screwed things up out here. I followed the cops' instructions without resistance. In the backseat of the squad car, I let my mind wander. I thought about all of the things that had gotten me here. I thought about the first time I saw Kendall. At Cage's graduation, our eyes had met. He was the cutest guy the first had ever seen. Dressed in all black, he had a bit of an edge to him. His mess of brown curls highlighted his angular features. And completing his I-don't-give-a-fuck look with delicate round-rimmed glasses, I knew that there was more to him than he let on. There was more to me than I let on. And it wasn't just that I was a wolf shifter. Even my kind dismissed me as the thug who hosted wolf fights. The person they saw was the one ready to take someone out for looking at me funny. What can I say? I had a short fuse even for a wolf. But that hadn't always been me. There was a time when all I wanted was for someone to hold me and tell me that everything was going to be alright. He was still in there somewhere. And when I saw Kendall for the first time looking as vulnerable as he was, I desperately wanted to do that for him. Maybe no one would ever do that for me, but I could be his rescuer. I wanted to protect him. I wanted to give Kendall the love I could never have. But the moment I was given an opening, I fucked things up by being myself. At the station, I answered all of their questions and was escorted to my cell. There were two other people there. One looked drunk off his ass and the other, well he looked like me, a thug whose time had run out. I wasn't in the mood for talking and neither were they. This wasn't my first time in jail so knowing I would be there for a while, I got comfortable. It was to my surprise when a cop appeared on the other side of the bars and said my name. Nero Roman? That's me. You made bail. Let's go. I got up sure he had made a mistake. But if they were going to let me out on a filing error, I was okay with that. Walking back to the sea of desks, I scanned the room spotting someone I didn't expect to see. Quinn was my brother's boyfriend and he was looking pretty freaked out. Considering Quinn's father had more money than God and he grew up sheltered from the realities of shifter life, there was no wonder being in a police station made him look like he was about to pee himself. The only question was what he was doing here. I hadn't used my one phone call. I couldn't think of anyone who would help me. When I got within arm's length, Quinn threw his arms around me. His embrace was genuine and tight. Jesus Nero, what happened? What are you doing here? And why didn't you call me? I was about to answer when someone else I knew walked through the doors, my roommate Titus. He was a wolf shifter I knew from back home. He had been inspired to attend East Tennessee University by the same two people I had, Quinn and my brother. He approached and threw his arms around me too. What the hell is going on man? And why did we have to hear you were here from some guy at campus security? It's nothing, I told them. I just did a little damage to a car. A little damage? Quinn asked pulling away. They said you smashed in a window and a couple of doors. Like I said, a little damage, I said with the hint of a smile. Why? Quinn begged, his cutely nerdy face narrowing. I thought about Kendall and how he had told me to go to hell. I don't want to talk about it. You guys got a ride out of here. Yeah, I'm driving, Titus told me pushing his fingers through his shaggy coffee-colored hair. I'm parked out front. Let's go. The three of us headed to Titus's truck and drove back to campus in silence. Where am I headed? Titus asked as we turned onto campus lane. Am I dropping everyone off or are we headed to Quinn's place for our usual Sunday run? I was about to ask him to take me to our dorm when Quinn cut me off. My place. 
Cage is driving down and he's going to want to hear about all of this. It may as well be before we blow off some steam with a shift. You didn't tell Cage, did you? I asked Quinn feeling a pain in my chest about it. He was the first person I called after Titus told me. I looked at Titus pissed. Look man, campus security told me you had destroyed one of their cars and was in jail. Who else was I supposed to call? He was the only one who would know how to get you a lawyer. You called a lawyer? I asked Quinn. I didn't have to. Cage called the school and was able to smooth things out. He still has a lot of goodwill from winning them those national championships. So all I had to do was put up your bail and get you out. So I'm not gonna lose my scholarship? I didn't say that. But I'm sure Cage will tell you everything you need to know about it. Seriously Nero, what were you thinking? I didn't reply. So we're headed to Quinn's place? I looked out the window resigned. Yeah. Cool. Lou told me he didn't have a date tonight, he's gonna be there too, Titus said with a smile. Both Quinn and I looked at him. What? He and I are friends. I know neither of you has much experience with having friends, but trust me, hanging out is a thing people do. I turned to Quinn. We were both thinking the same thing. The two of them spent a lot of time together. I knew that being friends with a guy, human or not, didn't mean anything. And Titus would be considered very friendly no matter what he was. But. It sure seemed that they were into each other. Unfortunately, Titus was a shifter and Lou was human so things between them would probably never work out. Even back home where wolves fi and humans lived together, we tended to stick to our own kind. But what did I know? And who am I to talk? I fell for Kendall, and he was probably as human as Lou. Hell, I was the last person who should be talking about what works and what doesn't in relationships. Parking in front of Quinn's fancy dorm room, we headed up and were greeted by Lou. You brought the criminal, he said staring at me. What did it end up being? Armed robbery? A B&E? How do you know what a B&E is? Titus asked. I watch Law and Order. I know things. Quinn interjected. I don't think Nero wants to talk about it. So. It was a classic smash and grab wasn't it? Look, don't think because you have this whole bad boy wolf shifter thing going on you're going to get me to fall in love with you. I like nice guys. I opened my mouth to reply. Okay fine we can go out. But if you get me pregnant after a drunken night of lovemaking, I'm having the baby and I'm not raising him alone. I looked at Lou stunned and then laughed. We all did. I'm serious mister. I'm not raising Nero Jr. by myself. Okay, I promise, I told him suddenly feeling better about things. Titus spoke up. Now that we got that settled, how does everyone feel about a game of Wavelength until Cage gets here? Wavelength was our go-to Sunday night game as we waited for Cage. Pairing up, Titus grabbed Lou of course and I partnered with Quinn. Playing a couple of rounds, things were good. Then Cage arrived. My brother was pissed. I couldn't blame him. Why the hell did you smash up a campus security car? It was a campus security car? I asked. You didn't know. It wasn't like I was targeting anybody. I was just mad. Would you have preferred that I shift and kill a bunch of people instead? Cage froze and stared at me. He had shifted for the first a lot later than most wolves, and that was less than a year ago. And although his wolf was the most powerful I had ever fought, he didn't pretend to know everything there was to being a shifter. So when he spoke again, he was a lot calmer. What were you mad about? 
Nothing, I said really not wanting to talk about it. Don't want to say, huh? Well, you're gonna have to talk about it. The school's willing to let you pay for it instead of pressing charges. I don't have the money. You're the one who destroyed it. You're going to be the one to pay for it. I could lend you it, Quinn volunteered. I don't need your money, I snapped. Watch it, Nero. He's just trying to help. I don't need his help. I don't need anyone's help. Considering he was the one who bailed you out of jail, that doesn't quite seem true, does it? I shut up knowing Cage was right. As soon as I stopped talking so did Cage. With a lot more sympathy in his eyes, he approached me and put his arms around my shoulder. Nero, you have a temper and you're gonna have to get control of it. I'm trying. And yet my boyfriend had to bail you out of jail today. I don't know what to say, I admitted. Cage stared at me. I guess he didn't know what to say either. I'll think of something. I'll talk to the school and see what we can come up with. Don't worry, we'll get this straightened out. I'm here for you, man. I'm not going anywhere. None of us are, Titus added. Yeah, Quinn agreed. I looked at the guys around me and wiped a tear from my eyes. Maybe everything would be alright. Maybe I wasn't as alone as I thought. Should we go for a run? Cage asked, turning to the other shifters. They nodded. Who's driving with me? Titus asked, glancing back at Lou and giving him a smile goodbye. Titus and I followed Cage and Quinn as they snaked through the narrow county roads. Thirty minutes out of town we parked our trucks and looked around. This is good with everybody? Cage asked, checking in with us. We all agreed and then undressed. It was a cold night. Luckily the heat from shifting warmed me up. When we were all wolves, Cage's wolf turned to mine. Usually my wolf took off as soon as it was released, and everyone had to race to catch up. This time he wasn't so quick to escape. It was like he felt bad about what I had gone through and was yielding control. He wasn't giving the reins back to me. But he was handing them to Cage's wolf. And as soon as he knew he had them, Cage's wolf took off leading us on a wild run in the moonlight. Chapter 3 Kendall Ah. I screamed popping awake. I looked around. I'm in my bed and it's morning. Corey is sitting up staring at me. He looks startled. It was just a dream, I tell myself. That's all it was. Evan Carter. Corey asks me, slowly relaxing. Evan Carter, I admit. Evan Carter, my roommate said, making me feel a little better. I lay back down and tried to calm myself. I couldn't tell if the nightmares were getting worse, but they weren't getting better. Evan Carter was the football player who made my high school years hell starting my freshman year. There was something about me he couldn't stand. I always assumed it was because I was the only out gay kid there. But if I were honest with myself, it wasn't like I tried to fit in. I experimented with the color of my hair, wearing makeup, and the type of clothing I wore. Perhaps wearing a dress to school was a little too far. It wasn't like I was fighting to bring down the patriarchy, or anything. It was just that I had always felt different from everyone else, and I was trying to figure out who I was. FYI, I'm not a guy who wears dresses or makeup. And it isn't because Evan Carter would bully me to an inch of my life when I did. It just isn't my thing. But there had to be some point when the football meatheads couldn't take any more. Because from a certain point forward, they would shove me every time they passed me in the hallways. I could be eating lunch or sitting quietly in class and my head would jerk forward followed by the sting from their open palm. 
they would shove my head into desks, locker doors, and even toilets. The worst part was I could never see them coming. It got to the point where my entire school day would be spent searching rooms for them. When I spotted one, I had to make myself as invisible as possible. If they saw me, they could attack or not. It was always random. But when they decided that today was my hell day, I wasn't safe anywhere. And if it wasn't the physical abuse, it was the constant teasing. I know there's nothing wrong with the word sissy, and a lot of guys wear it as a badge of honor. But if I hear it one more time, I think I'm gonna crack. I wouldn't give in though. I refused to let their closed-mindedness control my life. I would cry as I got dressed in the morning knowing that what I was putting on would bring about another hell day. I got to the point where I didn't even want to wear it. But I did it anyway, because? I don't know. I guess I refused to act like everyone else when I didn't feel like everyone else. But who knows anymore? Whatever the reason, I wore what I wore and I barely had the will to live by the time high school was done. And during the first few weeks at university, I couldn't be happier. I thought that being a hundred miles away would put what had happened behind me. But that was when the nightmare started. Granted, they were always there. But now they sharpened and focused around one person, Evan Carter. He was the leader of the bunch. I still believe that if it wasn't for that idiot, the rest of them would have left me alone. He was probably a closet case who wished he had the courage to do what I had. Who knows? But what I'm sure of is that in high school, I lost the battles and the war. Not only was I the only one getting his ass kicked on a regular basis, he owned real estate in my head years later. It was such bullshit. The really sucky part was that until last night, the nightmares seemed like they were beginning to fade. I used to have them up to a couple of times a week. Corey knows all about that. The number of times I had woken him up screaming, it's a wonder he's still willing to be my roommate. It had been two weeks since my screaming fest before last night. I'm pretty sure I know what triggered it. I had kissed a football player. The thought almost made me throw up. Sure, Nero was nothing like Evan Carter or any of his asshole friends but still. Football players have made my life a hellish nightmare of epic proportions since I was 14 years old. They threatened my will to live. I wake up screaming and dripping in sweat because of them. I didn't want to suck on a football player's face now. You going to class? Corey asked me, not having left his bed. Oh. I exclaimed remembering my early Monday morning class. My professor had to be a sadist. Who scheduled a core class at 8 a.m. on a Monday? It's ridiculous. But if I wanted to become a clinical psychologist, I needed to major in psychology and I had to take it. I scrambled out of bed and quickly got dressed. Getting ready, I loaded my backpack and hurried out. I walked into class late, but tardiness was graded on a curve at 8 a.m. Today you will be filling out the TEQ, the Toronto Empathy Questionnaire. Not only will it lead us into our discussion on empathy, it will tell you wannabe therapists out there whether you are right for the job, my professor said, suddenly grabbing my attention. I very much wanted to be a therapist. It was the only thing I had wanted since I was 12. I had read a Psychology 101 textbook cover to cover when I was 15 years old because I was so interested in it. I needed to do well on this test. When the paper was slipped in front of me, I saw that it wasn't very long. The questions were also fairly basic. I put my name on it and began. When someone is excited, I tend to be excited too, never, sometimes or always. Easy. Always, of course. Other people's misfortunes do not disturb me a great deal, never, sometimes or always. Again, easy. 
Never, usually. I mean, if it were a normal person, who I assume this question is referring to, I never feel good about someone else's misfortune. But let's say Evan Carter gets hit by a bus. I'm not suggesting that he die, necessarily. I'm just talking about him feeling a fraction of the pain he put me through for four years. The question can't be referring to situations like that, could it? Or did it? Was the questionnaire trying to dig out your darkest thoughts? Was my lack of empathy for a psychopath who tortured me, what will make me a bad therapist? I stared at the question paralyzed. I couldn't get past it. I couldn't believe that after everything he put me through, the echo of it could prevent me from being good at the only thing I had ever wanted. Please hand your papers forward, my professor said snapping me out of my trance. I'm not done, I told the grabby girl who took my paper from me and passed the stack along. She shrugged barely acknowledging my struggle. I knew for sure that that ice queen would make a horrible therapist. But what about me? Was empathy really that important? I didn't have to wait long to get an answer to that question. Two days later, my professor asked me to see him before I left. At the beginning of the semester, I asked you all what your goals were for the class, Professor Nandan began. Yes? And I said that I wanted to become a therapist because I do. He looked at me confused. Right? Which makes me wonder why you would do this on a questionnaire designed to determine your level of empathy, he said, before placing my sheet on the desk between us. I know, I didn't finish it. You didn't. But that's not what I'm talking about, he said placing his finger next to the doodle I had drawn in the top right corner of the paper. Looking at it again, I realized that it was less of a doodle and more of a sketch. I was known to draw on things when I was bored, and they weren't always happy pictures. This one was decidedly not happy and had a message that was hard to miss. You drew a football player hanging from a noose in the corner of an empathy questionnaire. Is there something you would like to talk about, Mr. Sears? My mouth dropped open as I looked up at the rounded-faced man in front of me. There was no question what had inspired this. Evan Carter. Okay, I can explain, I began not knowing what I would say next. Go on, he urged patiently. Was I going to lie? Tell him the truth. This was feeling like a no-win scenario. I might have an issue with football players. You don't say, he said sarcastically. And I might have woken up from a bad dream about one of them right before coming to class. Did you want to talk about that dream? Not really. It was a pretty standard nightmare. Lots of chasing. Lots of running. You know, the usual. And then you came here and drew this, on an empathy questionnaire. It would seem, I said with an uncomfortable smile. Professor Nandan leaned back in his chair and stared at me. I couldn't tell what he was thinking, but I couldn't imagine it was anything good. The way we deal with childhood trauma is unique to each of us, he began. Some of us choose to avoid it. But the most effective strategy for having a healthy, happy life is to deal with issues head-on. You're suggesting I should see a therapist about it. It wouldn't hurt. But what the research shows is that the most effective way to gain empathy for a group is to humanize them. I don't think football players aren't human. They're just the worst ones who ever existed. My professor looked at me strangely. Right. But you do accept that not everyone who shares a trait is the same. Not every football player is alike. Just like how not every student who dresses in all black and studded bracelets are alike. We are all unique individuals. What are you suggesting? I asked feeling a knot tighten in my chest. I'm suggesting you get to know a football player. 
I think if you see their individuality, it might go a long way to helping whatever negative feelings you have towards them. It might even help your dreams. And how do you suppose I get to know a football player? Interestingly enough, there is a program I've been trying to put together for a few years. It's kind of a mentorship thing. Upper-class students are matched with freshmen who are having a hard time adjusting to university life to act as someone they can lean on. Considering your goal is to become a therapist, this might be up your alley. That sounds great. But I'm guessing what you're not saying is that I would be mentoring a football player. There's one that has gotten into a little hot water for his behavior. And instead of expelling him from school and the football program, the university thought that something like this would be helpful. I stared at my professor. Worst idea ever. Not the whole thing. The mentorship part sounded pretty cool. But the part about me being locked in a room with one of those pig-throwing psychopaths was insanity. Was he looking to get me killed? As soon as the door was closed and we were alone, this guy would dislocate his jaw and swallow me whole. Having devoured me, he would most likely slither his way to Washington, D.C. growing in size until, with his tail wrapped around the Washington Monument, he would eat the president turning the United States into a demonic dictatorship, or was I overreacting? Yes, I said before it registered in my brain. I'll do it. You will. Apparently. Are you sure? No. But yes. Look, I want to be a good therapist someday. Hell, I don't just want to be good. I want to be great. I want to help people. I want kids to not have to go through what I did growing up. And if that means confronting my issue with a certain group of demonic soulsuckers, I will. Professor Nandan looked at me questioningly. I'm kidding, mostly. No, I'm kidding. I can do this. And you're right. Confronting my issue head-on is the best way to handle this. Then I'll set it up. Thank you for this. If this works out with you and him, it could lead to a lot of people receiving help for years to come, he said with a smile. In other words, no pressure. He laughed. No pressure. Just be you. It's not about you being able to provide him with any answers. It's about being there for him and lending him your ear when he needs it. I could do that. You'll do great, he said before promising to email me the details and sending me off. It was a good thing that no one actually needed sleep to maintain their sanity. If they did, I would have been in a whole lot of trouble. Because lying in bed in the dark, all I could think about was everything Evan Carter and his teammates did to me since I was old enough to pee straight. I didn't know what I was thinking when I agreed to do this. Me mentoring a football player was a bad idea, a very bad idea. That wouldn't stop me from going through with it though. Who was I to reject a bad idea? Walking to the agreed-upon meeting spot, I was sweating through my clothes. I was having a full-on panic attack. We were meeting in the Serpent's Den, the football team's practice facility. But at least my professor was going to be there with me. You ready for this? He asked me as excitedly as I was terrified. No, but I'm here. So let's do it. Professor Nandan put his arm around my shoulder and led me into the room. The beast sat with his back to me. The funny thing was that I recognized his back. It was unmistakable. And when he turned around and I got a glimpse of his to die for cheekbones, I thought this was a cruel joke. You? I asked stunned. Do you two know each other? My professor asked. We stared at one another. I didn't know how to respond. We've met, Nero replied. I'm hoping that's good, my professor suggested. 
Nero looked at me again. Yeah, he confirmed, allowing my professor to breathe. Then perhaps I don't need to introduce you to. But Nero Roman, this is Kendall Sears. Kendall, Nero is a very promising football star. I don't know about all of that, Nero quickly interjected. I've seen you play. You're very good, the older man gushed. Thanks, Nero said looking away bashfully. And Kendall here is one of my most promising students. I am, I confirmed. Probably his best. I have no idea why I said that. But it broke the tension. At least for those two. I don't know about all of that, my professor joked. But he's very good. You should be in good hands with him. Should I leave you two to get to know each other? I don't see why not, Nero said looking at me like I hadn't spit in his face and kicked dirt on him as I walked away the last time I saw him. Very good. Then I'm off, the glowing man said before leaving us alone and closing the door behind him. We both stared at each other. It would have been the worst thing in the world if he wasn't so goddamn hot. Seriously, how could someone be that good looking? The guy oozed sex. I considered what he looked like naked. So, what do you want to talk about? He asked me smiling. God did he have a great smile. I thought I was sweating before. Now I was practically standing in a puddle. Are you hot in here? I asked. I mean IT. Is IT hot in here? Do you want to get out of here? Let's get out of here. I need some fresh air. I can't breathe in here. Are you okay? He asked concerned. I just need to take a walk. Can we take a walk? Whatever you want, he said dripping with small town southern charm. We left the practice facility and walked back to campus in silence. Halfway there, I realized I wasn't going to be able to walk away from this, so I headed to a bench and sat down. Nero sat next to me. I could smell him. He smelled like leather and musk. The scent made my D hard. What was I doing getting hard for a football player? How did you know? How did I know what? I asked still not looking at him. That this was my favorite spot. I don't remember telling you that the night we met. This is your favorite spot. I asked finally turning towards him. Yeah. I stop here every day after practice. Practice is always a lot you know. Everything can be a lot. So this is the bench I sit on to get my thoughts right. I looked around. I hadn't spent much time on this corner of the campus during my years here. But it was a beautiful spot. There were more trees here than any other part. And with the colored fall leaves blanketing the ground, the scene looked like a postcard. What is it that gets to be a lot? I asked suddenly feeling calmer. Nero's smile disappeared. You name it. Practice. Classes. Adjusting to stuff. Having feelings I probably shouldn't have. I stared at Nero wondering what those feelings were. Can I ask you something? What's that? Are you gay? Nero shifted uncomfortably. I don't think he was prepared for the question. You don't have to tell me if you don't want to. It's not that I don't want to tell you. It's that you don't know. I don't know a lot of things about myself yet. Is that bad? What does good or bad mean? Well one is something that's good. And the other is something that's bad, he explained with a serious look. I turned to him. He dropped the seriousness and we both laughed. Oh that explains it. I never saw it in that way before, I joked. You're welcome, he said playing along. I meant, what is a moment of uncertainty in the grand scheme of things? It's been longer than a moment. 
It's been since puberty, if we're gonna put a date on it. And who did you have feelings for before that? Mostly girls. Then you're probably bisexual, I told him. But I've had very strong feelings for guys. Especially recently. It doesn't matter. Bisexuality is defined as the ability to have a romantic or sexual attraction to more than one gender, not necessarily at the same time or in the same amount. So, if you had a genuine crush on a girl when you were 12, and I mean strong feelings, then you've proven that your brain is wired in such a way that you can have those feelings. There's no need for you to have another crush to qualify it. Then I would guess that would make me bisexual. Wow. I've wondered about that my whole life and you just answered it for me, he said amazed. So what about you? What about me what? Are you bisexual? He asked shyly. Oh god no. Do I look like an animal? Nero stared at me shocked. I let my statement hang out there as long as I could and then laughed. I'm kidding. Not about being bisexual. I'm gay. But I would be fine with it if I was. Nero relaxed and laughed. Hey, maybe you are bi. Maybe you just haven't met the right girl yet. Yeah, that girl better come with a D, because that's pretty essential to my fantasies. That could happen, Nero pointed out. True. But still, there's something about a guy that draws me to them. It's hard to explain. No, I get it. There's something about them, Nero said looking at me and making me hard again. God was he sexy. Anyhow, enough about my non-existent love life. Maybe you could tell me what landed you here. Here. You know, having to hang out with me. Luck. I laughed. I'm serious. Me too, he said with a bucket of charm. No come on. I'm supposed to be here to help you. My professor said that you had an incident. Nero looked down and dropped the charm. Yeah, I had a run-in with a car. What do you mean? Nero hesitated and looked at me. Sometimes I need a release. When I do, I don't always make the best decisions. So, when you say you had a run-in with a car, I might have taken out some frustration on it. Oh. I dented a couple of the doors, mashed a window. Why? Nero stared at me for a moment and then looked away. There are just times when I don't feel like myself and things can get away from me. Have you always been like this? More so recently. But yeah. For all of his charm, there was no mistaking what I saw. He wasn't a monster. He was a guy in a lot of pain. My heart broke for him. Things can get away from me too sometimes. Yeah. He said looking back at me with a sudden light in his eyes. How do you mean? I mean like when I said what I said to you. Oh, he said disappointed. Oh, he repeated this time looking down and getting lost in the memory. There was no mistaking the pain it triggered. I know you will never guess this, but I have a thing against football players. Nero smiled. I might have picked up on that. Why? As comfortable as I was starting to feel around him, I wasn't yet ready to go there. How about we not talk about me? Then what should we talk about? What's going well for you right now? So far today's going pretty well, he said finding his charm. Come on. It is. And I guess you can say football's going well. What does that mean? Have you been catching a lot of passes or something? Yeah, I play running back which means it's my job to catch passes and run down the field. I've been doing it a lot. Sounds great, I said mustering as much enthusiasm as I could. You have no idea what that means, do you?
No, I do. Catching. Passing. The field is that big green thing with the stripes, right? Nero laughed. He had a nice laugh. Yes. That's the field. I have an idea. You want to get to know me, right? For professional purposes, I made clear not wanting to lead him on. He tried to hide his disappointment. It shouldn't have, but him being disappointed about that gave me a charge. Right, for professional purposes. Then you should start by coming to watch a game. All of my fears about football players came rushing back. I don't know. You should. I can get you tickets. You can bring someone, maybe your boyfriend. Nero asked hesitantly. Wasn't my drunk ass trying to kiss you a couple of nights ago? I remember something like that, he said feeling good about himself. And what makes you think I would have a boyfriend? I don't know. Maybe you have an open relationship or something. Guys do that sometimes, don't they? This guy doesn't, I said firmly. Good. Neither do I, I mean not that it matters. Not that it matters, I confirmed. So, will you go? I could seat you next to my brother and his boyfriend. Your brother has a boyfriend? I asked surprised. Yeah. He's pretty cool too. Who? Your brother or his boyfriend? Both, actually. And my brother used to play football here, so he could explain everything you need to know about the game. So, your brother is an ex-football player who has a boyfriend. We football players come in all types, Nero said with a smile. I guess, I said still trying to wrap my mind around that. So, are you coming? I thought about it, for a second. Before I could decide I heard myself say, yes. My mouth had a mind of its own lately. That's awesome. He said with delight. His excitement was genuine. I liked bringing him joy. It felt good to know I had. So, although I wasn't sure about it, I was gonna go watch a football game. Who was I becoming? What would spending time with Nero turn me into? Chapter 4 Nero If I knew that smashing up a car would get me to spend time with Kendall, I would have a long time ago. Staring into his eyes while still not being able to smell him did something to me and my wolf. It set our brain on fire. My wolf usually found things it couldn't figure out disturbing, but around him he was excited. The only thoughts I had were of kissing this mysterious guy. I wanted to slide my fingers into the hair behind his ear, pull him to me and press my lips on his. Hey, did you end up finding your phone? No. I had to get a new one. That sucks. Yeah. I'll have to give you my number, so you have something to put in it. Kendall looked at me with a suspicious smile. I can text you the details of Saturday's game. He stared at me adorably and then gave in. Sure. Standing in front of him exchanging numbers, I thought about all of the things I could do to him instead of saying goodbye. There were so many things I wanted to ask him. I didn't do or say any of them. Staring at him my heart raced. My wolf and I felt alive when we were with him. It was like the weight of our past was lifted. Deciding to wrap my arms around him and never let him go, he stuck out his hand. It was good meeting you. Again, he told me professionally. Oh. Yeah. It was good seeing you, I told him before shaking his hand and walking away still tingling from talking to him. After a few steps I couldn't help but look back so I peeked over my shoulder. I caught his gaze. He was looking back too. A rush of heat washed through me. When he quickly turned around I did the same. He clearly wanted to keep things professional. 
I could respect that, though my wolf and I definitely didn't want to. I wanted to do things to him that I barely dreamed of doing with another guy, much less one that seemed so human. Before seeing Kendall at Cage's graduation, all I imagined was hooking up with them. Even grabbing something to eat with them felt like too much. I could never imagine wanting to get to know one. But I wanted to kiss Kendall. I wanted to strip him down and push my hand over his naked flesh. I wanted his D in my mouth. I wanted to taste his. I wanted to roll him over and remove all the distance that separated us by pushing my member into his tight ass. I wanted to hear the noises he would make as I entered him. Thinking about it, I immediately became hard. It happened a lot when I thought about Kendall. I didn't know how I was going to keep my head in Saturday's game knowing he was going to be there. One thing for sure was that I needed to have the best game of my life. I needed Kendall to see me on that field and realize that he didn't want to keep things professional. Once he did, I was going to pull him into my arms and everything would be perfect. Heading back to my room to relieve myself of the tension that had built up, I entered and was surprised to find it full of people. Cage Quinn, what are you doing here? The two looked over at Titus. I'll give you three some space, Titus said quickly heading for the door. Still feeling charged for my time with Kendall, I had to hide the bulge stretching across the front of my pants. Hey bro, do you have a second to talk? Yeah what's up, I agreed getting nervous. You guys aren't about to tell me you're breaking up are you? Both of them looked at me shocked. God number. Things have never been better between us. Why would you go there? I don't know. Things have been going so well lately that I figured something would screw things up. Things have been going well. Didn't you smash up a car less than a week ago? Yeah but things have gotten better. That's good, Gage told me before looking over at his silent boyfriend. So things have been going well with us too. In fact, Quinn and I were thinking about taking things to the next level. We'd like to move in together. I thought about what he said. The only reason I was able to attend school was that after graduation, he moved in and looked after our mother. For the last eight years that had been my job. But Cage, who was working as the football coach for the local high school, was living with her in our mobile home. It was the arrangement that made my new life possible. I looked at Quinn. You want to move into the mobile home? Not exactly, Quinn said looking at Cage to explain. Quinn was thinking about buying a house. That way he doesn't have to stay in Dr. Sonia's bed and breakfast when he comes for the weekend. So, you want to move out of our place? Who's gonna take care of mama? Are you expecting me to come back and do it? I asked feeling a clench in my chest. I was enjoying my new life, especially now that Kendall was in it. I wasn't ready to give it all up. No. That's not what we're trying to tell you, Cage explained. We're telling you that Quinn is thinking about buying a house where we could all live. Mama would have a room. You would too. I could even get something with four bedrooms so that we could have somewhere for guests to sleep. I'm sure my father would want to visit at some point. We're going to need enough space for him too. So, you're just gonna buy a four-bedroom house so you two have somewhere to hook up every other weekend. Must be nice. I didn't mean to be a prick to Quinn about how rich he was. But as a guy who had to do some fucking awful things to survive over the years, it was a tough pill to swallow. Don't be an asshole, Nero. He's offering us somewhere to live rent-free. Aren't you tired of living in a place with no privacy? I mean, how did you even have girls over when you were growing up? The walls are paper thin. I didn't have girls over, I told him not mentioning the main reason I hadn't. 
As much as I was into girls, the feelings I had had for boys had always messed with my head enough to force me to keep my distance from them. I'm sure I could have been with one if I wanted. There were plenty of girls who made that clear. And the fact that I didn't act on any of those opportunities just added to my anger. I couldn't get myself to be with girls. I couldn't get myself to be with guys. My mother was lost in her own world. I didn't see a way I would ever be loved. That really fucked me up. Well, if you have a bedroom with a real door, maybe you could. I was about to reply when something hit me. My eyes bounced between the both of them. Wait. Where do you plan on buying the house? The two looked at each other again, telling me why they had decided to tell me this in person. Cage looked down not able to look me in the eyes. The only area you can find a place that size is in town. You mean under Dr. Tom's magical barrier? It's not that bad. I work under it every day. You went to school under it. Yeah. Before I shifted for the first time. After I started shifting, being under it made me feel like I couldn't breathe. Come on Nero. It's not that bad. Not that bad. Says the guy who's been a shifter for what a minute. There's no breathing under that thing. There's no smelling. That's completely different. Yeah, whatever. Look, Quinn has been shifting from the day he was born and he's okay with it. You get used to it, Quinn confirmed. It's really not that bad. I didn't know what else to say to them. Dr. Tom, the town's most powerful phi, had put a protective spell over the town to shield our scent from everything else out there, and it had a side effect that only affected shifters. It dampened our heightened sense of smell. Our mobile home was outside of the barrier. Its location was chosen by my mother long before I started shifting. But once I did, having to go under it every day for my shitty job was like choosing to go blind. And it truly pissed off my wolf. Look Nero, it's not like we like the idea of living under the spell either. Then why would you even consider it? Because on top of needing more space, we want to be a part of the community. We don't want to live like lone wolves. We want to have some say on what's going on in our town. And if we do, maybe we can get Dr. Tom to take it down. I stared at the two of them. It was clear that they had made up their minds. They were going to do this no matter how I felt about it. A part of me wanted to argue with them for the rest of the night, but there was something important I needed to talk to them about. You guys coming to my game on Saturday? Cage flinched at my change of topic. Of course. The person they assigned me for that anger management program they put me in is gonna be there too. He doesn't know much about football. Do you think you could, you know, explain things to him? I just don't want him to be bored to death. I want him to have a good time. No worries. We got you. How's the program going by the way? I was a little nervous about it. But it might work out. I said thinking of Kendall. You seem happier, Cage pointed out. After he said that, I realized I was smiling. Maybe. We'll make sure he has a good time, Cage agreed. What's his name? Kendall. As soon as I said it, I saw them take a deep breath. There were certain things that were hard to hide from wolves. Okay, yeah. We got you, Cage said with a smile. Don't worry about a thing, Quinn agreed. I wondered what they would think when they took the same breath around Kendall and found nothing at all. It was one of the reasons I wanted him to go to my game. Quinn was the smartest person I knew. If anyone, I knew that my brother's genius boyfriend could help me figure out what was going on with him and what he was. 
Texting Kendall about his ticket, he replied with a simple, thank you. I was hoping for a little more. If he was still into me, wouldn't he have at least wished me luck on the game? I remembered what he said to me the night of the party. Drunk Kendall had made clear that he wanted me. The same was true when we met up on Sunday before he found out I played football. But maybe that was no longer true. That motivated me even more to have the game of my life. I had to win him over. The only thing anyone ever liked about me was what I did on that field. I was going to get Kendall to like me. Thinking I would be distracted entering the stadium for the game, I was wrong. I had never been more focused in my life. Titus, who was a bench warmer on the team, tried to talk to me. When I ignored him, he got the message and made sure I had my space. Staring as our defensive team started the game, everything slowed down. I could see where everyone would move before they got there. So when I took the field with the offense, I looked into the quarterback's eyes. Immediately, he understood. Chapter 5 Kendall Entering the stadium had to be the most out-of-body experience of my life. I was walking into the lion's den willingly. I couldn't tell you if I was doing it for professional purposes. Or if I was doing it because I would get to see the guy that I first was crushing on again. Neither changed how shaky I felt crossing the halls looking for my seat. Everything about the place triggered me. I seriously didn't want to be here. I would have turned around and walked out if it wasn't for the hot guy they first had come to see. Did I say hot? I meant the troubled guy who needed my help. I needed to remember what I was to him. I might not be his official therapist, but he needed to know that he could trust me. I couldn't cross that line. Remembering that, I pushed aside my hesitation and pulled myself together. Finding my section, I waded into the sea of seats. This was not like my high school stadium. It was huge. It had to seat 20,000 people. It was overwhelming. All I wanted to do was find my seat and pretend I was someplace else. Are you Kendall? A friendly guy said in an East Coast accent as I sat down. I looked at him and then the hulking guy beside him. The big guy had to be Nero's brother. They didn't look that much alike, but they were both the hottest guys I could imagine. The guy who had greeted me was good looking too, but he would better be described as cute. He was about my size with the same hairless face. I wouldn't exactly describe him as nerdy. But he was definitely someone I wouldn't expect to be at a football game. I'm him. And you're. I pointed at him and blanked on his name. Quinn. This is my boyfriend Cage. Nero's brother. That's me, he said with a charming smile that disappeared as quickly as it came. Suddenly he was staring at me blankly. I wasn't sure what had happened. I turned to Quinn hoping for an explanation. Oh, he responded startled. I was about to ask what was going on when Quinn caught himself and continued. Yes. Nero told us to make sure you have a good time. Did he? I asked, wondering if their unusual reactions were caused by what else he had told them. He definitely did. So, have you ever been to an East Tennessee game before? I've never been to any type of game before, I said hesitantly. Oh. Neither had I until I met Cage. They're fun, he said as if their weird moment hadn't happened. You just have to get into the spirit of it. It helps to have someone to cheer for, he said peeling his eyes off of me and turning to the field. Okay. We're East Tennessee so we're in blue. That's us over there. And Nero is. Quinn searched the field for him. When he mentioned Nero's name, my heart skipped a beat. I swallowed. 
There he is, he said with a smile. I turned and found him. He was one of the guys going to the center of the field. Do you know the premise of the game? I know nothing, I told Quinn. Simply put, they're trying to get the ball through the end zone which is past that line there. So here you go, they are setting up a play and... Quinn stopped talking when someone handed the ball to Nero. With it, a guy from the other team dove towards him. Nero spun shaking the guy off of him and then sprinted towards the end zone. The other team chased him. Each time Nero would dance around them or spin by them. The crowd stood as he got close to the line. I stood with them. And when Nero dove into the air to escape the last person attacking him, he crossed the line. The crowd exploded. I didn't care about football, but not even I could escape being swept away as 20,000 people roared. Does that always happen? I asked, leaning over to Quinn. No, it never does. He ran 90 yards for a touchdown on the first play. I guess he has his head in the game, Nero's brother confirmed. I wonder what inspired that. He said looking at Quinn. Both of them then turned to me. I knew what they were implying, but I wasn't going to acknowledge it. At the same time, the thought that I had anything to do with what Nero had just done sent my body awash in tingles. Everyone says that Nero is really good, I said prodding them for more. His brother replied looking proud. It's early in the season but so far he leads the division in yards run. That's good. I asked Quinn hoping for a translation. He's doing it as a freshman. With stats like that, he could probably go pro if he wanted. That's if he can keep his head on straight, Cage added. You're supposed to be helping him with that, aren't you? How's that going? They both looked at me. He ran 90 yards on the first play of the game. You tell me, I said suddenly caring whether they wanted Nero and me to be together. Cage laughed. Yeah, maybe you'll be good for him. Nero could use a few more good things in his life. I didn't know what that meant, but I made a mental note to find out. I had to admit that watching the game wasn't as terrible as I thought it would be. As I understood it, Nero scored three more touchdowns, which was very good. And Quinn turned out to be someone I could really relate to. He was a great guy. Both of my hosts were. I couldn't get myself to warm up to an ex-football player entirely. But the fact that he was with someone like Quinn, who had to have gone through what I had in high school, made me think that he wasn't all bad. Maybe not every football player was a complete jerk. We're going to meet up with Nero and grab something to eat. Would you like to join us? Quinn asked. I hesitated. There was no question that I wanted to see Nero. If nothing else, I wanted to congratulate him on the game. But wouldn't the professional thing be for me to go? I didn't want to make Nero think that something could happen between us. As good as that was starting to sound, it couldn't. Join us, Quinn insisted. I'm sure he would love to see you. Okay, I said without thinking. Great, Quinn said with a smile. So, you're from Tennessee? Quinn asked as we made our way through the stadium. Nashville. And you? New York. Oh wow. What was that like? Quinn exchanged a knowing look with Cage. Unique. How so? Quinn exchanged a long look with Cage as if he were asking him what to do. It's up to you, Cage said empathetically. Quinn shifted his eyes to the ground. Did I ask something I wasn't supposed to? Neither of them answered. When someone finally spoke, it was Cage. Maybe you should. Should what? I asked confused for the second time by their reactions. Have you ever heard of the guy who could turn into a wolf? Quinn asked me. 
I thought for a second. I had. For a few years when I was a kid, I was obsessed with him. As different as I felt from everyone else, I used to imagine that I was like him. I was about to tell Quinn that when I suddenly realized who I was talking to. My head almost exploded. You, was all I could say. Me, he replied softly. Thoughts flashed through my mind so quickly I couldn't hold one long enough to share it. Are you okay? Quinn asked with sadness in his eyes. I'm good yeah. I'm just a little. I said falling silent again. Are you freaked out? Should I have not told you? You, was all I could get out before I rushed to him, threw my arms around him and hugged him as tight as I could. It took me a moment to realize that he wasn't hugging me back. I let him go and backed away. Sorry. It's just that I read every story about you growing up. My parents couldn't get me to stop talking about you. They kept saying the whole thing was fake and that your father made it up to explain how your mother died. But I knew it was true. My body stiffened when I realized that I could finally get the answer to the question I had wondered about for so long. But looking at how normal he was, I began to think that my parents might have been right. Quinn couldn't turn into a wolf, could he? Were the stories about you true? I asked hesitantly. Would you believe me if I told you they were? Quinn asked sadly. I would, I said solemnly. Quinn looked back at Cage one more time before taking a deep breath and saying, they're true. I was speechless. I believed him. I had always believed him. Believing in him was one of the things people made fun of me for. But here he was standing in front of me, telling me it was all real. Can you share with me what it was like? What exactly? Growing up like that. All of it, I said imaging what he had had to endure. Whatever teasing I lived through had to be a fraction of what the world heaped on him. It was hard, he began. Quinn next explained his complicated childhood. He told me how he had been made to feel like a freak by everyone around him. Those who believed his story saw him as a carnival sideshow and his father as a mad scientist who had tried to play God. And those who didn't believe treated him like a liar who had helped his father get away with murder. That was the closest he got to talking about his mother. As I remembered the story, Quinn couldn't control when he turned into a wolf and as an infant his wolf had killed his mother. There was no way I was going to ask him about that. Doesn't any of this stuff freak you out? Quinn asked when he was done. Not at all. It makes me feel like I'm not alone, I said with gratitude. Are you a shifter as well? He asked hesitantly. I looked at him surprised and then laughed. I wish. I'd give anything to have a reason why my life was so shitty. But no, I'm just a freak show of the normal variety. Not that you're a freak show, I backpedaled realizing how it sounded. That's okay, I am, Quinn said with a smile. Our conversation ended when Nero exited one of the hallways and joined us. Another guy followed him. As soon as Nero spotted me, our eyes locked. You made it. Of course, I said trying to pull myself out of my amazed stupor. I'm glad. I hope these two didn't bore you, Nero said pointing at Quinn and his brother. Ah, not even close to it, I said with a chuckle. I'm Titus, the friendly guy behind Nero said, offering me his hand. I'm Kendall. And how do you know our star here? I'm um, I looked at Nero not sure what I should say. He's a friend, he said staring into my eyes again. The silence drew out. Okay, Titus said grabbing everyone's attention. Is anyone else starved? Riding the pine can build up quite the appetite. I looked at him confused and then turned to Quinn who had been my football translator before again becoming my obsession. 
Riding the pine. It's what they call it when you're on the team, but you don't get to play in the game. Oh. Yep. Not everyone gets to play as a freshman like old Nero, here. Then again, not everyone can play like him either. Titus grabbed Nero's shoulders and shook him. Nero lowered his head and blushed. I would never have guessed Nero was humble. So, is Lu joining us? Titus asked the group. Quinn replied. No. He has a date. Ha, huh, Titus said looking a little disappointed. I looked at Quinn. Lu's my roommate. Something told me that there was more to the story than that. I wasn't about to ask. As the group walked to a nearby pizza place, Nero fell back and walked with me. How did you like the game? He asked me with a proud smile. You were impressive. I could see why everyone says you're so good. It was my best game of the season. I finally felt like I had something to play for. Yeah, Quinn told me that you have a chance at going pro. Nero laughed. Yeah, that's what I mean. I guess that wasn't what he meant. And guessing what he actually meant made me hard. Did Cage and Quinn make you feel comfortable? They did. Quinn's really cool. He's like a regular guy. If you think he's a regular guy, then you two didn't talk enough, he said with a laugh. No. Right. He's about as far from regular as you can get. He told me how he can change, I said vaguely in case he didn't know. He told you that, he asked before his eyes bounced up at him. Yeah. But I read everything about him growing up. So it was more like he told me who he was. And you're not freaked out by it? Nero asked hesitantly. Why does everyone think I would be freaked out by it? So, someone being able to turn into a wolf is normal for you? I mean, it's not like I could have grown up around people like him. He's the only one of his kind, right? Right, he said in the most inexplicable way. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the game. The game? I asked surprised by his sudden change of topic. I did. Does that mean you've gotten over whatever you have against football players? I looked at Nero, amazed by everything I had learned about him today. Not only was he an incredible football player, but he was friends with the coolest person on the planet. I'm starting to, I said with a smile. So what you're saying is thank you Nero for opening my eyes. For they were closed before and now you have changed my life forever. I laughed. He wasn't wrong. But I was pretty sure that it wasn't for the reason he thought. I'll let you believe that, I said before leaving him and rejoining Quinn. I really liked Quinn. And it wasn't just because he was at the center of every one of my childhood fantasies. I had liked him before knowing who he was. The crazy part was that before I got all fanboy on him, he seemed to like me too. Although this was my third year here, the closest thing I had to a friend was Corey, my roommate. Corey was sweet, but he fit so comfortably into society's expectations that his life had been easy. That made him hard to relate to. Quinn was an outcast like me. At the pizza place, I sat next to Quinn and continued talking to him. Every so often, I would look up at Nero and catch him staring back. Each time I caught him, I felt a rush. The feelings I had when I saw him at the pond were back. But that didn't change that it was my job to help him not get into his pants. Talking about getting into his pants, when we were walking to the pizza place, I had glanced down below his belt. The bulge that stretched across the front of him was impressive. It was almost enough to make me forget everything, strip him naked and ride him like a bull. Almost. When the bill came, Quinn grabbed it and no one made a gesture to pay. I offered to pay my share but he brushed me aside. You can get the next one, he told me. 
Hopefully we can hang out again. Yeah, definitely, I said elated. I wasn't sure if he was talking about the whole group or just the two of us. Either way, I wanted to. Did you have fun today? Nero asked, having walked me back to my dorm. I did. Your friends are pretty cool. They liked you. And I think you made a love connection with Quinn. I laughed. Yeah, too bad he's taken. Nero smiled. I guess you'll have to settle for whoever's left. Bummer, I said teasingly. Bummer? Staring into his eyes, I recognized this moment. I might not have had any experience with guys or relationships, but standing in front of my dorm's front door, I knew that this was when the guy went in for the kiss. I wanted him to. But as soon as he leaned towards me, I stepped away and offered him my hand. Anyway, thanks for giving me a glimpse into your world. It was life-changing. Nero asked quickly shaking off whatever disappointment my gesture created. Yes, life-changing, I conceded. If I wasn't going to kiss him, the least I could do was make him feel good about himself. Thought so, he said cockily. He stretched out his arms. Hug. I hesitated, but only for a moment. Slipping my arms around him, I held him tightly. When he did the same, I didn't want him to let me go. Even after he loosened his grip, it took me a moment to reciprocate. I was losing my resistance toward Nero and falling for him hard. The only question remaining was what I was going to do about it. Chapter 6 Nero From the moment I released Kendall from my arms, I couldn't stop thinking about him. I had learned something while playing with him watching me. It was that I could release my wolf without him taking control. It was like he was standing next to me instead of being shoved down. I liked it. And the intensity it brought followed me into my next practice. Keep up the hard work Roman, coach said as I puked in a bucket after wind sprints. Thanks coach. Getting his acknowledgement felt good, but not as good as receiving one of Kendall's texts. I was trying not to text him too much. I didn't have much experience with this but my gut told me I should play it cool. But what the hell did I know other than it was crazy that I was choosing to go through this alone? A year ago, my brother had met the love of his life. I wasn't sure why I hadn't talked to him about how I felt about Kendall. Though being a wolf shifter, there was no way he didn't already know I was head over heels for him. Could you drive Quinn up this weekend? We have a house we want you to take a look at, Cage texted. I stared at the text not sure how to respond. I was happy to drive Quinn up, and it would give me an excuse to see Mama. That wasn't the problem. It was the part about the house. Their plan made sense. There was no use in Quinn paying to stay at Dr. Sonia's bed and breakfast if he could buy something as easily. And Lord knows it would be good to have a little privacy when I came to visit. You couldn't fart in the old place without everyone knowing about it. But they were looking for a place within Dr. Tom's protective barrier that robbed wolves of their sense of smell. More than that, as run down as it was, the old place was home. It was mine. Actually, it wasn't. We paid too much to rent the shithole. But I don't know, it was my home. It was somewhere no one could take from me, except the landlord who had threatened to kick us out a lot over the years. I didn't know why I gave a shit about that crap hole, at all. But I did. And the thought of losing it made me feel uneasy. It's not that I didn't trust Quinn's hospitality. Hell at this point, Quinn felt as much like family as Cage did. I have never been a part of a pack, but what the three of us had was feeling close to it. So I guess what made me hesitate was being that dependent on someone else. I had had to take care of myself for a long time. 
when you only have yourself to rely on, there's only one person who could let you down. Sitting on my bed in my dorm, the door opened. Hey, Cage said he texted you. Did you get it? Titus asked before tossing his backpack to the foot of his bed. I got it. I've been busy. I haven't gotten the chance to reply. I could feel Titus staring at me as I stared at the ceiling lost in thought. I can see that. Genius at work, he joked. Did you hear that Dr. Sonya's organizing a pack run? A pack run? Yeah. Her son Callie shifted for the first time and now she's Team Wolf. She thinks the wolf shifters in town don't have a real pack. Humans, I said with a chuckle. I don't know. I think it's a good thing. Cage is on board. He's helping organize it. That's because he wants to be Alpha. Would that be such a bad thing? Titus asked as he grabbed a cup of noodles and heated it in the microwave. So what's up with you and Lou? I asked preferring to change the topic. What do you mean? He asked casually. I mean do you like him or? Of course I like him. We're friends. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is that you two spend a lot of time together. Is there a reason for that? Titus turned to me as if caught in a lie. What reason do you need more than we're friends? He's a fun guy. I don't have to tell you that. I guess not. So what's the deal with you and Kendall? I looked at Titus, not having expected the question. It was clear why he had asked it though. Titus was there on Sunday. It wasn't like I was hiding the way I felt about Kendall. We're friends and he's a fun guy. You've met him. I don't have to tell you that. Titus stared at me and then barked a laugh. He knew what I was saying. If he wasn't going to be truthful with me about the way he felt about Lou, why should I share my feelings for Kendall? Right, Titus conceded. Don't forget to text your brother back, he reminded me before collecting his soup and leaving the room. I took out my phone and typed sure. Great. I'll see you then, he immediately replied. I still wasn't sure about them getting a house under the barrier, but I started to realize that there were other things I had to talk to him about. I had already put it off too long. Picking up Quinn after getting back from my away game, we made the two-hour trek home. He and I were never that chatty when we drove together, but he was quieter than usual. I was at least expecting him to mention Kendall and his lack of scent. Hadn't he noticed it? Why hadn't he said anything about it? Are you coming by our place or should I drop you at Dr. Sonya's? I asked breaking the silence. Cage said we should meet at your place. I wanted to say hi to your mom. We'll head to Dr. Sonya's later. I paused remembering something. By the way, have you made any progress on that thing you were looking into? You mean about who you're and Cage's father is? Yeah. Cage had been kidnapped from the hospital as a baby and had spent his life living with the guy who snatched him thinking his mother had died in childbirth. But then Cage met Quinn and all hell broke loose. In a few weeks, Quinn had figured out that the man who raised Cage was a dragon shifter and not his biological father, and had found us. Quinn was able to figure out the two of us were brothers based on nothing. The guy was super smart. And since my mother never told me who my father is, who it turns out is also Cage's father, I asked Quinn to look into it. I knew he had been working on it, but he hadn't given me an update in a while. What I've learned is that it probably isn't anyone in town. Seriously? Yeah. Why? Did you suspect someone? I thought so. Well I could be wrong. But I've been talking to your mother about it. 
she's been doing a lot better lately. And she certainly isn't willing to say much, but she gave me the impression that she moved to town after she got pregnant with you. I'm thinking that if it was someone here, she would have been living here before she got pregnant with Cage. So, you're not basing it on any of your science why stuff? I can't just ask every guy in town to take a paternity test. Not every guy. And you didn't need a test to know I was Cage's brother. That's different. You guys have the same rare genetic traits. Besides, I've been keeping my eyes open for that. So far your mother is the only one I've found who has them. So again it's down to getting my mother to spill the beans and she's not talking. I'm afraid she's not. And maybe that's a good thing. Why would my growing up not knowing who my dad is be a good thing? At least Cage had that guy. He might have been a dragon shifter piece of shit for doing what he did, but he was there. Mama was all I had. When she lost her marbles, I had no one. How could that be better? Quinn stayed quiet for a while before answering. Nero, I think there's something going on that you might not want to know about. After talking to your mother, I'm starting to think that it might be better left in the past. What do you mean? Do you know something you aren't saying? No. I've told you everything I know. But have you ever wondered what set your mother on her downward spiral? Yeah. Of course. It was when Cage was snatched and the hospital lied and said that he had died. She knew it wasn't true. That's what she says and that's possible. But you said she didn't get bad until you were much older. So how was she able to hold it together for so long? And what finally sent her over the edge? It wasn't like one thing. It was gradual. I watched it. Yeah but maybe you weren't watching what you thought you were. Maybe there was something else going on. So you're saying something triggered her checking out on things? Like a spell? That's my guess. And my other guess is that you might not want to know why it was cast. I thought about that for a while. You tell Cage any of this? Cage hasn't asked about it. So you're only gonna bring it up if he asks? Probably. Which is why I had to ask you about it. Yeah, Quinn said with a serious look on his face. Don't you think Cage would want to know this? Maybe. Maybe not. He's found you and a mother after living his life without a family. For him that's enough, at least for now. Are you saying that finding Cage and having a brother should be enough for me? I'm not suggesting anything. But I'll ask you, isn't your life pretty good right now? It's not bad, I admitted. Then why would you want to kick the hornet's nest? I looked at Quinn and fell into silence. The guy was smart and had made some good points. But growing up as he did with a dad who made him the center of his world, he couldn't imagine what it was like growing up without one. He meant well with his advice. But to answer his question, sometimes you kick the hornet's nest because it's in the way of you living your life. It was clear that Quinn wasn't going any further with his investigation. That left me where I was when I started. My mother was still the only person who had the answers, and she wasn't talking. What was she hiding? And could it be something I didn't want to know? I continued to think about it as we entered town and headed towards the trailer park. The closer we got, the more my thoughts shifted to the other thing I had to talk about this weekend. My jaw clenched as it whipped through my mind. I didn't know if I was ready to discuss this, but Cage and Quinn's lives were moving forward. It was time that mine did too. Pulling up to my place, I saw Cage's truck parked out front. Going inside, we found him and Mama on the couch in front of the TV. When she didn't turn around to look, I stared at my mother. What was she keeping from me? 
What could be so bad about my birth? And after a lifetime of asking, how could I get her to tell me now? Dinner's ready if you're hungry, Cage said turning to greet his boyfriend with a kiss. Sitting around the kitchen table, for the first time I realized how small it was. With four people, the plates could barely fit at the same time. As the smallest person, Quinn was tucked in the corner. There was no wonder he wanted to buy a house. Dealing with all of this had to be a nightmare for him. When are you planning on showing me the place? I asked Cage. Cage looked at Quinn and Mama. That was when I realized that he might not have told our mother yet. It's a nice house, Mama said to my surprise. Oh. So I'm the only one who hasn't seen it. You haven't been around, Cage explained. That's because I have games on Saturday and classes during the week. We know. We're not saying anything about it. Just that's why you haven't seen it. I looked at the three people in front of me. Everyone's lives were moving forward. And they were doing it without me. So when am I gonna see it? Tomorrow morning. Miss Roberts said she can open it up at nine. Why so early? It's a Sunday. Don't you people sleep in anymore? She said she has to be at the salon by 10 for appointments. People get their hair done on a Sunday. I asked having lived here my whole life and never realizing it. Church. Bingo. Get-togethers. It makes sense, Cage explained. I guess. I looked at the three people I cared most about, wondering if this was the time. It wasn't. I was going to let Cage and Quinn show me their house first. That was the better plan. After Cage and Quinn took care of the dishes, they headed off to Quinn's bed and breakfast. I joined Mama on the couch. Her mental state had been night and day since Cage had entered our lives. It made me wonder if her life would have been better if I was the one who had been snatched, instead of my perfect older brother. You good, Mama? I asked putting my hand on hers. I've been feeling good, son. In fact, I've been meaning to tell you, I've been thinking about looking for a job. Her words stunned me speechless. Seven years ago, it was her unwillingness to hold a job that made me have to support us. I was a kid doing things that no kid should have to do. Now she was telling me that she was ready to get back to work. What the hell was going on? What inspired this, Mama? I've been feeling better. Having Cage back has made all of the difference in the world. Don't you love having your brother back? I do. He's good for you, Mama. He's good for all of us. Yeah, he is, I said wondering if her improvement also had to do with her secret. One thing became clear as I lay awake that night. No matter what had sent her spiraling years ago or what had brought her back, my mama no longer needed me. No one did. I could probably take off tomorrow without them noticing I was gone. That was a tough pill to swallow but it was true. Despite how tired my body was from the hits I had taken during Saturday's game, I didn't fall asleep until after 4 a.m. That meant that I wasn't awake by 9 o'clock. It was a phone call at 9.15 that woke me. I didn't need to ask why Cage was calling. So I just picked it up and said. I'm leaving now. Where am I going? I texted you the address. I looked at my screen. Got it. Be there in 10. I recognized the address. Being a small town there weren't many really nice neighborhoods. The house I was headed to was in one of them. The house closest to it was owned by Dr. Tom and his husband Glenn, the owner of the local general store. They were both powerful phase and their house was where the protective barrier spell was cast. That meant that the area around them was where a shifter's sense of smell would be the worst. Great. 
Pulling up to it, I turned out to be right. My wolf was not happy. But it wasn't like I couldn't smell anything. Things just smelled like they did before my first shift. At least I had a lifetime before my enhanced senses. How could Quinn stand this considering he had his wolf senses his whole life? Was he simply willing to put up with it because the house was impressive? Because it was certainly that. The place was two-story with a huge veranda and an equally large yard. The ceiling of the veranda was shiny cedar. As were the floors in the giant kitchen and dining room. Actually, there were two dining rooms, as well as two living rooms, even though Quinn called one a family room. There was also a three-car garage. On top of that, there was marble and chandeliers everywhere. The bathroom attached to the master bedroom had a clawfoot tub in it. And where there weren't the nicest hardwood floors I had ever seen, there was brand new carpet. This had to be the most incredible house I had ever been in. I had thought Dr. Tom's house was fancy, but there was no comparison. This place had to cost half a million dollars. The rent for our mobile home was $300 a month. You can just buy this place? I asked Quinn. I mean my father will help me with the down payment. But I've been working for him this semester. While taking classes. Yeah. And because of the nature of the project he pays me pretty well. I'm lucky. Must be nice, I told him still floored by what I was seeing. Yeah Nero, nice for us because we're the ones who are going to get to live here, Cage said giving me a look as he grabbed Quinn and kissed his head. Yeah, I said half-heartedly. Listen, there's something I've been meaning to talk to you guys about. Cage let go of his boyfriend and both moved in front of me. What's up? Cage asked. So, you guys know that I've been playing well. We know. Your game last Saturday was insane. Yeah. Yesterday wasn't that good but it was close, I informed them. That's fantastic. I'm proud of you bro. Yeah me too, Quinn said enthusiastically. Thanks. But you know how after someone has a few good games, people start talking about you going pro. Cage chuckled. I remember it well. That started happening to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm considering it. You mean this year? Cage asked surprised. Why not? I'll be 21 by draft time. That's the same age as most people going into the draft. Cage looked at me concerned. You get that running backs aren't what NFL teams are looking for right now, right? And more important than that, playing professional football isn't like playing in college. Professional players are paid to get under a running back's skin. What if you lost control during a game or on the plane after a tiring road trip? Bad things can happen. You think I haven't considered that? I was the one sitting in the jail cell. Not you. But if I ever wanted a chance to start over, this would be it. I have to strike while the iron's hot. I guess, Cage said not as excited for me as I hoped he would be. And I get that you had the chance to go number one in the draft but chose us instead. Hey, I didn't go pro because I was injured. You don't have to bullshit me. I know you were feeling better in time to make it. And even if it wasn't last year's draft, you could have made it this year. But I didn't want that. Yeah, you wanted to be with us. I did. And now I'm choosing to go pro instead of doing what you did, I said lowering my head. Cage put his arm around me and squeezed my shoulder. Nero, I made the decision that was best for me. I needed this. What's more I wanted this. But because I chose this for myself doesn't mean you have to. The world is big. You should explore it. I can hold down the fort. 
I'm here so you don't have to be, Cage said with a smile. You hear me? I felt a tear on my cheek that I quickly wiped away. I hear you. Good. Cage let me go and rejoined Quinn. I watched them get comfortable in each other's arms. There's probably something else I should tell you now that we're talking about stuff. What's that? My brother asked. I ah, uh, I think I want what you have. Cage twisted his head confused. What I have? You know Quinn, I said vulnerably. Bro Quinn's taken, he said with a smile. You know what I mean. Actually, I don't. Come on, I said not wanting to explain myself. You need to say the words, Cage told me no longer hiding what he knew. My chest hurt looking at the two caring faces staring back. Taking a deep breath I gathered myself. This was it. I was going to say it out loud. I like guys. I think I've always liked guys. I might like girls too but it doesn't feel the same with them. It never has. Also, I might have found my fated mate. It's early but I think he could be the one. Kendall? Cage offered. Yeah. What is he? Quinn asked bluntly. I was hoping you might know, I said with a smile. He has no scent. How is that possible? Quinn continued. I don't know. But that's gotta mean he's not human, right? Not necessarily. He could be under a protection spell. But I told him who I was and he seemed okay with it. He was more than okay with it, I corrected. He liked you so much that if you weren't with Cage, I'd be jealous, I joked. Have you told him that you're a wolf shifter too? Cage asked. No. Why not? I haven't had a good opportunity. I first had to deal with him hating football players, I said with a chuckle. Why does he hate football players? Quinn asked. I asked him and he wouldn't talk about it. He can be pretty closed off. It doesn't exactly put me in a sharing mood. Then maybe you should ask him again, Cage suggested. Some people need a little encouragement to talk about things, Quinn added. Cage looked at Quinn. Says the guy with no filter. Yes. There were things about me that I wouldn't have told you if it wasn't for Lou. So I owe all of my happiness to Lou. I'm hoping I can take a little credit for it too, Quinn said with a smile. Baby, I give you credit for making my life everything I've ever dreamed of. I can honestly say that I wouldn't be the man I am or have anything I do without you. Oh. Quinn said tilting his head back and kissing his love. Let's take the house. I want to live here with you, Cage Rucker. Cage looked up at me. What do you say? Should we take the house? I looked at the couple I wanted to be. You should take it, I said with a heavy heart. I knew I shouldn't think this way, but it felt like the end of everything I had loved. Them buying this house knowing how much I hated being under the protection spell was their way of saying they wanted me out of their lives. I had to make things work with Kendall. If I didn't, I was going to be left with nothing and no one. Miss Roberts, the realtor, was as excited as Cage and Quinn were that they were going to take the place. She promised to draw up the paperwork saying that we would be able to move in in about a week. Quinn thought it was fast. I had no clue about these things. Deciding to spend the day with them, I tagged along when they headed back to Dr. Sonia's bed and breakfast. I had only been there once before and I hadn't passed the doorway. This place was very nice as well. It was starting to feel like everyone had more than I did. It wasn't the first time I had thought that. But seeing how other people lived, it had never been clearer. Oh good, you recruited another shifter, 
Dr. Sonia said with her usual high energy. I was hoping we could add someone who grew up here to the brain trust, she said squeezing my arms in delight. Seating us in the living room, Dr. Sonia asked where we thought the shifters should gather for the run and then left to get snacks. Her son walked downstairs saw us and immediately headed to the door. How are you getting out of helping plan this? I asked recognizing him from high school. Callie was a freshman when I was a senior. He was also second string on the football team. I remembered him not being much for talking. That hadn't seemed to change. Ignoring my question he said, you just started at East Tennessee right? Yeah. You thinking about going? He looked back at Quinn. I was thinking about it. You're a senior right? Yeah. You still a kicker. He made a 60-yard field goal in a game last week, Cage said proudly. Jesus. That's insane. You could be a walk-on as a freshman with a foot like that. He could get a D1 scholarship with a foot like that, Cage confirmed. East Tennessee would be lucky to get him. Callie turned red as we talked. Well if you need me to put in a word with the coach, let me know, I told him. Mr. Rucker said he would take care of it for me. Mr. Rucker? I asked confused. Me, Cage said annoyed. I laughed. Right? Mr. Rucker. Well I'm sure you're in good hands. He got me my scholarship. And now they're lucky they have you. Don't screw things up. I need my credibility intact for this one, Cage joked. Oh shit. You're screwed, I said turning to Callie. Callie looked at Cage scared. He's kidding. Nero, tell him you're kidding. I'm kidding, sort of. Callie looked at me not sure what to think. Callie, do I hear you in there? Callie looked towards the kitchen and quickly slipped out the door. Dr. Sonia entered the room and looked around. You just missed him, I told her. He mentioned something about football. It was technically true. Dr. Sonia looked at Cage. Cage shrugged. Well he left more fun for us, she concluded with a smile. It turned out that organizing a wolf run was a lot more work than I would have guessed. When the three of us did it on Sunday nights, Cage showed up, we drove up to woods, we found somewhere to pull over and we did it. No one needed a human for that. But apparently, you do the same thing with every shifter in town and you're slapped with a mind-numbing amount of politics. Dr. Sonia needed to be there to give the non-shifter perspective, which was, in short, the humans and Phi were gonna be terrified. She confirmed what I always thought which was that a lot of people in town were scared of us. Sure, they acted friendly when we were around them. But they never forgot that we could shift at will and kill them. We should make the humans and Phi a part of this somehow? Cage suggested. A part of a wolf run? I asked, thinking it was a ridiculous idea. No. I think that's a good idea, Dr. Sonia confirmed. But how? The last thing we want is for one of them to end up getting eaten or something, she joked. I didn't think it was funny. As far as I could tell, neither did Cage or Quinn. We'll give it some thought, Cage said bringing things to an end. But I can pass along that non-shifters are going to be invited, right? The doctor asked. For sure, Cage confirmed. We'll just have to figure out how. Free from Dr. Sonia's organizing clutches, the three of us considered doing a daytime run but decided against it. We could talk on a hike and the trails surrounding the town were world class. We found one outside the protective spell's borders and headed to it. Walking amongst the trees with all of my senses again intact calmed my tense wolf. You really think it's a good idea to involve non-shifters in a wolf run? I asked Cage knowing he could now answer honestly. 
I'm not suggesting they run with us or anything. But you heard her, they're scared of us. How do we expect to live together as equals if they're terrified that we could shift at any moment and eat them? It's not our job to convince them of anything, I made clear. It shouldn't be. But if we don't do, how will they know? It's not like wolf attacks haven't happened. You can't blame every wolf for something one wolf did, I reminded him. Do we blame every human for the crappy things humans have done? No. So why should it be different for us? You're right. We don't have to do anything. We could keep things the way they are. And we could remain wolves without a pack living under a Fi's protection spell. I froze. Wait, you think Dr. Tom's protection spell has something to do with why the wolves in this town never formed a pack? Cage tightened his lips and looked at Quinn. No, you don't think it. Your genius boyfriend does, I realized. I've asked Dr. Tom about it, Quinn said. It's a spell to keep everyone safe. And if you're scared of wolves, why wouldn't it include the threat of wolves working as a pack? I spit, realizing all of my darkest thoughts about Dr. Tom might be true. He was also the one who knew that Cage was alive and kept it from Mama. He's been manipulating us this whole time. We don't know that, Quinn corrected. We know he knew about Cage, I pointed out. He did. But we don't know if the spell was designed to keep the wolves apart. It's just a possibility, Quinn said. And whether or not it's true, the solution is for the wolves in town to gather for a run, and for the Fays and humans to not feel like their lives are in danger when they do, Cage explained. I couldn't argue against that. Cage was right. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad if Cage was our alpha. And maybe they weren't moving to a house under the protective spell to push me away. Considering that, my thoughts turned to Kendall. I pulled out my phone to check my texts. Looking for a message from Kendall? Cage asked, changing the topic. I didn't answer. And not finding one, I stuffed my phone back into my pocket. After a moment of silence, Cage spoke again. This time with more empathy. He'll text. I saw the way he was looking at you after the game. He's into you too. Drop it, Cage. Despite my reaction, I appreciated what he said. Every time Kendall took an extended time to reply, I wondered if things between us were over. He had already told me to go to hell once. Should I expect him to do it again? Cage and Quinn had been right. I had to figure out the thing he had against football players. He was helping me deal with my shit. As a football player, maybe there was something I could do to help him. Not returning to Dr. Sonya's with the others, I headed home and waited for Cage to deliver Quinn. Driving back, Quinn and I talked about Kendall. He suggested that we invite him to our next game night before a run. He thought it would be the perfect opportunity to tell him I was a wolf shifter. It wasn't a bad idea. But I felt like I needed alone time with him before we did it. When are we doing our next session? I texted him when he didn't reply to what I thought was a funny meme. If you want we can talk over lunch tomorrow. What about over dinner at Commons? I asked referring to the cafeteria connected to the popular study space. It was a little more intimate. After our rapid-fire exchange, Kendall didn't respond for an hour. When he did he wrote, sure. What time? My wolf couldn't have been happier. Thanks to it seeing him was all I could think about for the rest of the night. Going extra hard in practice to burn off my excess energy, I was exhausted by the time dinner rolled around. I could barely lift my arms. What's up with you? Kendall asked me after looking me up and down. Hard practice. Oh. So, what have you been up to? 
I wanted to say that he would have known if he had replied to my text, but I didn't. I took Quinn home on Saturday. He and Cage wanted to show me the house they're buying together. They're buying a house? How is it? It's the nicest house I've ever been in. Really? Wow. I could show you at some point. The realtor said they could move in in a week. Oh. Yeah, Kendall said unenthusiastically. Okay. I gotta know. What is it that you have against football players? I don't have anything against them. Says the guy who told me to eat shit and die as soon as I mentioned that I was one. I didn't tell you to eat shit and die. You may as well have. I could tell that was what you were thinking. Kendall didn't reply. If this is gonna work, you know, whatever it is that we're doing here, you're gonna have to let me in a little as well. I can't be the only one spilling my guts out. That's not the way therapy works, Kendall insisted. Well this ain't therapy. If that's what this was, I wouldn't have agreed to do it, I said meaning it. I could tell he knew I was being serious. He was slow to reply. Fair enough. I guess I have a small chip on my shoulder when it comes to football players. Small. Okay fine. I have a giant boulder. I have the Grand Canyon on my shoulder. You happy? Actually no. Why do you have such a big problem with them? I asked a little heartbroken. Because they made my life hell. To this day I still wake up drowning in sweat after dreaming about what happened to me. What happened to you? Just a lot of little things. Walking in the halls they would push me or knock my books out of my hand. They would say things about me liking guys. They would depants me. They would pull down your pants? Yeah. A lot. And I never knew when it would happen. I could be walking to class or talking to someone and one of them would grab my pants and there it went. They didn't even care what they pulled down. Once I was in the doorway about to enter class and someone yanked everything down. I ended up standing there with my D out. I mean not too many people saw but it was still humiliating you know. So yeah I have a problem with football players. Get it now. Listening to Kendall tell me what happened I got blackout mad. My wolf was so furious I thought it would rip out of me. The rage that bubbled within us was beyond anything I thought I could control, yet I had to have looked as calm as hell because he asked me if I had heard him. I heard you. Would you like an apology? You don't have to apologize, Kendall said looking down. Not from me. From them. I'm not gonna get an apology from them. I didn't ask if you were gonna get one. I asked if you wanted one, I said as prickles rippled under my skin threatening to make me shift. I mean I guess. Then let's get you one. What? Do you know where any of them live? I mean, I know where all of them live. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I didn't. I closed my eyes absorbing what he said. He couldn't sleep at night if he didn't know where they were. That was insane. There was no way in hell I was going to let them get away with doing that to him. There was no way. Then we're going. I got up trying to be as calm as I could. Kendall didn't move. I looked back at him. I can't tell if you're serious or not. I mean you look serious deadly serious. But. He looked at me again. You know it's a three hour drive to Nashville right? Two hours and forty five minutes. I know I told him. Wait how do you know that? Kendall are you coming with me or not? Because one way or another I'm gonna get you that apology. 
but I would prefer you be there to hear it. I don't know. Kendall, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Let's go. As soon as I said it, a smile crept across his face. Okay, he agreed. Then without another word he followed me to my truck, and we were off. Navigating to the highway, neither of us spoke. Broiling, I didn't want to speak. I felt like I did when I was driving to one of my wolf fights. I would let everything that had pissed me off in life float to the surface, and I would sit with it. By the time I arrived, I would be ready to rip people's heads off. That's what I felt now. Where? I asked Kendall when the highway offered an off-ramp. Stay on 40, he replied until we approached the Nashville city limits. Get off here, he said directing me onto 155 and then into a neighborhood called Porter Heights. Kendall's eyes bounced from house to house. It was a nice neighborhood. There were a lot of two-story brick homes on large properties. It had long ago become dark so I couldn't tell much else about the place, but I was ready for whatever was going to happen next. What's his name? I asked Kendall, who was now crackling with anticipation. Evan Carter, he said scanning every home as we slowly drove around. There. Park there. We pulled up in front of one of the few one-story homes and parked across the street from it. Kendall stared at it wide-eyed. He lives with his father. His father's a piece of shit too. But his father's truck isn't there. That means that Evan is the only one home. I looked at the barely lit house. There was a small light on in the living room, and a flickering light in one of the bedrooms. I immediately had a plan. I never thought that my messed up childhood would ever come in handy, but it was about to. Follow me. And be casual, I told Kendall before getting out of my truck and walking to the house. I was surprised to see how willing Kendall was to go along with things. I was calm because of how many times I had done this. I didn't know what was fueling Kendall. Maybe it was vengeance. I would understand that. You gonna break down the door? He whispered as we approached. No. There's a better way. Walking up the driveway whose only light was from nearby homes, I looked around to see if anyone was watching and then stepped onto the lawn and circled the house. There weren't many trees so anyone staring out their window would see us. That wasn't a problem as long as we were quick. Don't touch anything. Nothing I whispered. I looked back to get his confirmation. He looked like he was about to throw up. I had no idea what was going through his mind. I partially expected him to call it off. He didn't. He wanted this as much as I wanted to do this for him. Approaching the back door and examining it, I looked at Kendall one last time. Are you sure this is the right place? I'm sure, he replied shaking. Taking out the gloves I kept in the truck and had stuffed in my pocket, I also pulled out my jimmy. It looked like something you would use to smooth paint or scrape the ice off of your windshield, but was much better at prying open locked doors. Dogs? I asked feeling the tumble slide back. I don't think so. He never had one. When the latch became free and all that was left was to enter the darkness, I turned to Kendall one last time. Ready? He paused. Forcing a shallow breath he shook his head. This was it. Pushing open the door, I felt like I did every time I stepped onto the field. My heartbeats echoed in my ears. Everyone one of my senses was alert. That was when I smelled it. A wolf lived here. The guy who had terrorized Kendall for years was a shifter. Immediately my wolf sprung to the surface ready to take control. I held him back but kept him close. I scanned the dimly lit cluttered space. Following the smell of pot, 
I crossed the living room to the bedroom door with the light pouring out from under it. Indicating for Kendall to hold back, I stared at the closed door then put my ear on it. I couldn't hear anything. What was he doing in there? It would make all of the difference. Had he heard us? Was his wolf staring at the door waiting for us enter? There was only one way to find out. Nothing beat the element of surprise. So quietly grabbing the knob and crouching ready to shift if I had to, I turned it, burst in and then froze at what I saw. His wolf wasn't waiting for me. He wasn't even getting high playing a video game. He was watching porn with headphones on and his hard D in his hand. I couldn't have planned it better if I tried. Seeing the movement in his periphery, he turned to find me. Stunned he stopped jerking. What are you? was all he said before I rushed him, grabbed his t-shirt and shook him like a rag doll. He couldn't figure out what was going on. Letting go of his member, the first thing he tried to do was pull his pants up. I found that hilarious. Rewarding his stupidity, I slapped him around. I made sure to hit him hard, though I'm sure it wasn't nearly as hard as Kendall had gotten over the years. What man? What the F? He babbled about to shit himself. Sure that he was properly terrified. I stopped and pulled his face inches from mine. You piece of shit, you're gonna pay for what you did, I growled, wanting to crush his skull like a melon. Who are you? I don't know you, man. You got the wrong person. This was it. I had his attention. It was time. Come in, I said loud enough for Kendall to hear. I had to give Kendall credit. When he stepped into the doorway, he entered like he wasn't scared shitless, which he had to be. Everything about him had told me that he wouldn't be able to do this. Turned out I was wrong. Kendall? What are you doing here? He asked confused. Don't talk to me like we're friends you piece of shit. Kendall demanded. I was so proud of him. What are you talking about? We are friends. Tell him you know me. We're friends, Evan insisted. Friends? You think we were friends? You made my life hell for years. For years. You and your goon squad made me feel like crap every day of my life. The things you did to me. This guy's belief that everything was going to be alright slowly faded. Things were beginning to click for him. I was happy about that because that was going to make what I had to do next a lot easier. What I did to you. They were just jokes. We were just having a little fun. I swear, Evan said as his eyes bounced between the both of us. Constantly hitting me on the back of my head when you would walk by. Bumping me into lockers. Sticking my head in a toilet. Kendall said with building anger. You came to school wearing makeup. What did you think we were gonna do? There was shit in the toilet. You pushed my face into a toilet full of shit, and then you laughed about it. It was a joke. Already on the edge, I couldn't hear anymore. I lost it. Turning him to face me, I made sure he was looking into my eyes before I pulled back my fist and let it fly. He didn't try to stop me, or he didn't think to. And feeling the rage flow out of me, I beat him until my fists hurt. I was out of breath when I let him go. He dropped onto the bed battered. I had made a mess of him, but it wasn't anything he wouldn't recover from. I knew how far to take things. I'd seen worse in the ring. Now I said between pants, you're gonna apologize. I'm sorry, he said looking at me like he was about to cry. Not to me you stupid piece of shit. To him. He was scared to take his eyes off of me, but eventually he looked Kendall in the eyes. I'm sorry, he mumbled. I didn't hear you, I growled. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kendall. For what? I asked. For making your life hell. For being an asshole to you. For everything. I'm sorry for everything. I'm sorry, man. I'm just sorry, he said before bursting into tears. I backed off of the asshole, deciding that he got the point. I looked back at Kendall. I was amazed that nothing he saw had fazed him. The man was stone cold. What do you think? Do you think he meant it? Or should I beat the crap out of him some more? I meant it. I swear I meant it. That's good enough, Kendall said relenting. Are you sure? Because I don't mind. No please don't. Please don't, Evan begged. No. I think I'm good. Well if you change your mind just let me know. I'll come back and we can do this to him again. I turned to the guy in the bed. Do you hear me? I could come back here at any moment for any reason, and you'll never be able to see me coming. Maybe I'll wait till you're asleep. Maybe I'll snatch you when you're going to your dealer. Or maybe I'll send someone else. It might be anyone around you. It could be any time. And if you tell anyone who did this to you or why? I said with a laugh. This is gonna be our little secret. You hear me? I hear you. Our little secret. Good boy, I said tapping him on the cheek. When he flinched I knew my job was complete. After you I told Kendall directing him out. I stepped back and looked at the guy on the bed one last time. And pull up your pants. Your D is out. I looked down at it and laughed. That was when I exited, closed the door behind me, and then ran through the living room. Let's go, I said dropping my casual attitude. Hearing my urgency, Kendall jogged behind me. Reaching the front door I was about to release the locks when I heard a familiar sound. Perhaps we would have made it outside if I had kept going. But I knew what those sounds meant. Although the guy might have accepted that he had gotten his ass whooped, his wolf did not. Readying myself to shift, I pushed Kendall behind me. What was that, he whispered. I could hear his heart pounding as I lost myself to my wolf. And as the bedroom door burst open and a snarling wolf shot out, I threw myself into a roll, shifting and shedding my clothes as I did. It was the fastest I had ever turned, and as a full wolf I sprung into the air catching the other wolf off guard and locking my teeth around his throat. That would have been it if we didn't both hit the ground with a thud. The impact released my hold on him. Free, he came at me snarling and nipping anything he could get a hold of. With him on top of me, he had the advantage. But I had had to fight to survive, and he was a kid from the suburbs. Quickly the tides turned. Scratching and clawing I got him off of me. Once I had, my wolf took its revenge. I might have shown him mercy but my wolf didn't. It ripped at fur leaving the other wolf covered in blood. And when my wolf took hold of its throat this time, I knew that it would be to the death. It took everything I had to wrestle back control from the killer that hid inside of me. When I did I shifted back exhausted and half out of my mind. I knew that this was when I would be vulnerable. I might have made a fatal mistake. If the wolf was out to kill me, this was the moment it could. It didn't. Knowing I was showing it mercy, it crawled away from me. Very quickly it shifted back to the guy the first had beaten. You're one of us. The guy said surprised. Then you know about how he smells. You know he's different. You know he's not right. I'm nothing like you, I growled. And if I ever smell you anywhere near him, I'll let my wolf kill you. You hear me? He didn't answer. Did you hear me? I said in a rumbling tone that even surprised me. 
he lowered his head averting his eyes. I hear you. I'll do what you say. Good. Let's go Kendall, I said looking back and finding him staring at the two of us with his mouth hanging open. I gathered my clothes. Putting on my shirt and pants gave him a moment to process. Kendall, I said gently pulling him out of his stupor. That was all it took. Peeling his eyes off of the two of us, he unlocked the door and slipped past it. I did too. With my shoes and socks in my hands, we crossed the driveway and street. It was only when we were both in the truck that I knew we would be safe. Driving off neither of us said a word for miles. I couldn't tell what he was thinking. Had he seen anything like that before? He couldn't have. Not only did I beat some guy bloody, but I had shifted in front of him. This wasn't the way I wanted him to find out I was a wolf. He was never going to look at me the same again. I'm sorry, I told him. As soon as I said it, Kendall burst into tears. With his face buried in his hands he sobbed. I had really fucked up. Like always, I had taken things too far. I had lost control and had made everything ten times worse. Listen, you shouldn't have had to see that. I lost control. It's just that when you told me what he did to you, I got so mad. That was when Kendall sat up, crawled on top of me, and kissed me. My cheek, my chin, my lips. I was still driving. I wasn't sure what to do. Wait, I'm gonna pull over. That didn't stop him. Even as I maneuvered to the side of the freeway, he was turning my face towards his. I could barely see as I brought the truck to a stop. And once I did, I pulled back the emergency brake and then did what I had been dreaming of doing from the moment I saw him. Grabbing the back of his head, I pulled him onto my lap and pressed my lips against his. Parting them I slipped my tongue in. My mind raced. In search of his tongue I found it. They touched each other and danced. It was like nothing I had ever experienced. I was in heaven. Pushing my fingers through his hair, I couldn't get enough of him. I wanted to be part of him. I wanted to feel his skin on my fingertips. So sliding my free hand up his shirt I traced the lines of his back. Touching him made me hard. With him sitting on my crotch he felt it. Grinding his crotch onto my stomach I felt his D he was hard too. I sunk my fingertips into his back when I realized it. I wanted him. I was ready to take him. And when he reached beside me and reclined my seat, I knew I was about to have him. Pulling away from my lips he kissed the bottom of my chin and my neck. Tilting my head back I gave him room. Nipping my neck and sucking on my Adam's apple, he pulled up my t-shirt. It was enough for him to transfer from the dip in my neck to my bare chest. He was slowly working his way down my body, and when he reached down and grabbed my... Hi, it's the author. Spicy things are going on in the story right now, but it's not allowed on the platform you're listening to it on. But, as a reminder, if you're in the US or the UK and you've never had an Audible account, you can get this story with all the spicy bits included for free by clicking on the links in the description and signing up for a free trial on Audible. The Audible version of the books are narrated by some of the best narrators in the world, and sometimes me, the author. And hearing them read with the steamy stuff included is so, so satisfying. However, if you're not eligible for the free trial, you can get this audiobook with that premium narration by clicking on the join button and becoming a member of this YouTube channel. There are multiple tiers you can sign up for, and both will allow you to listen to the story with the steamy bits and without ads. 
But, so you know, it's the premium narration tier that includes the Audible version. And the great thing about getting the audiobook by becoming a member is that not only will it cost you less than buying this book on Audible, but you will get access to all of the premium narration versions, including those previously added and the new audiobooks added every month. And you can become a member no matter where in the world you live. So please, consider it. Otherwise, continue to enjoy the story. I never imagined being with a guy could feel this good. Holding Kendall, I knew I was home. I didn't want to be anywhere else but right here. I would have laid with him like that forever if he didn't then whisper in my ear. Chapter 7 Kendall Thank you, I whispered unsure what I was grateful for. Was it for what he had done to Evan? Was it for sharing that he was a wolf shifter? Was it for giving me the first and most incredible sexual experience of my life? At that moment, I didn't know and didn't care. I just knew that I was bathing in warm caramel, and I had never felt better in my life. But even though I didn't know why I said it, Nero thought he did. I'm glad you liked it, he said with a smile. I was willing to let him have his ego boost. After all, the blowjob was pretty great. I was torn whether or not I should ask him for another. Not at this moment, of course. Right now my brain felt like it was in a popcorn maker. Thoughts were bouncing around in my head faster than I could understand them. I would have chosen to stay in Nero's arms a lot longer if flashing red and blue lights hadn't lit up the truck. Shit it's the cops. Get back to your seat Kendall. We don't want to have to explain what we were just doing to a couple of good old boys. Knowing Nero was right, I pulled myself from under him and climbed into the passenger seat. He got back into his and returned his chair upright. Pull up your pants, Nero told me reminding me that my D was still out. As I said, a lot was going on in my head. I buttoned my pants and settled moments before a bright light filled the cabin. It was followed by a knock on the window, and Nero rolling it down. What are you two boys doing out here? The cop said from behind a glowing ball. Nero replied. Are we not supposed to pull over here? I'm sorry, officer. I was feeling a little tired, and I thought it was better to pull over than risk it. The cop bounced his light between the two of us, then around the inside of the truck. When he didn't find anything, he turned it back towards Nero. You boys been smoking anything? You know, that stuff's illegal in the state of Tennessee. Wouldn't dream of it, officer. Then why does your truck smell like weed? Does it? Nero turned to me. It must be on our clothes. We just left a friend. I don't want to get him in trouble, but we were in his room for a minute and there you go. I couldn't tell if the cop believed Nero. The good thing was that Nero was telling the truth. That must have come across because, after only a few more dirty looks, he said. There's a rest stop five miles up ahead. If you need to rest, you should do it there. It's dangerous to pull over on the side of the highway like this. And parked on the line like you are, you could cause an accident. Sorry about that. I didn't realize. We'll keep it moving from here on out. I just needed a minute to wake up. I'm better now. I can keep driving. Still not hinting whether or not he believed us, the officer nodded and said, Use the rest stops if you have to. Otherwise, you two have a good night, you hear. You too, officer. Thank you, Nero said as if he were the most polite person in the world. Thank you, I said as the officer walked away. When he was far enough out of sight, we laughed. It had been a crazy night. We both knew to get home before anything else happened. 
Just like the drive to Nashville, the drive back to campus was a quiet one. Probably for different reasons. Driving there, my mind swirled about whether Nero was serious and what it might feel like to watch Evan get what he deserved. Driving back, I couldn't stop thinking about seeing Nero turn into a wolf and then having his lips on me. And what did Evan mean when he talked about the way I smelled and it proving that I was different? Should I drop you off at your dorm? Nero asked as we approached campus. It's pretty late. I reckon. Maybe we could talk about things tomorrow. We could do that. Maybe we can grab dinner together again. You know, without the six-hour drive and other stuff. Without all of the other stuff. Because some of the stuff we did was pretty fun, Nero said blushing. I couldn't deny that. We should talk tomorrow, I said leaving it at that. Okay. Just let me know if I can do anything for you. I'm more than happy to lend a hand. Or a few other body parts. I asked blushing. Whatever you need, he said dropping me off in front of my building. Tomorrow. I asked not really wanting to leave. Tomorrow. I stared at him getting lost in his eyes. Perhaps I should have just opened my door and left but instead I leaned across the cabin, kissed him on the lips and then hurried out. I didn't look back. It was hard enough walking away from him. And when I say hard, I'm referring to my member. There was a lot of time between him making me and me getting out of his truck. I was more than ready for round two. Unfortunately, his spell on me only lasted a few minutes after I climbed into bed. It was past 2 a.m. so Corey was asleep. And it was way too dark and quiet for my mind not to return to what had inspired the night. Out of everything, the thing I could least believe was that I had watched Nero beat the crap out of Evan. As I thought about it, my body shivered. I don't know why, but as soon as that happened, I melted into a crying mess. Eventually crying myself to sleep, I was only awake for a minute before the tears began again. You okay? Corey asked startled by the sound of me wailing. I'm all right, I said through my sobbing. As hard as I've always been to live with, I never felt sorrier for Corey than I did now. At least previously, I could explain why I woke up screaming or chose not to leave my bed. Today, I couldn't even do that. I was crying. That was that. Of course, as the day continued, and the spontaneous bouts of bawling carried on, I got a better sense of why it was happening. These weren't tears of anger or frustration. They were from a soul-felt release. These tears were from all of the times I hadn't cried as a kid. For so long, I had thought that Evan Carter wouldn't get justice for the things he had done to me. I knew that an eye for an eye left everyone blind. But why was I supposed to be okay carrying around the terror and pain he inflicted on me, while he got away without consequences? Before last night, I didn't believe that fairness existed. Because it didn't, God couldn't exist and there was no way life could be trusted. We were just specks of nothing floating aimlessly in a void of emptiness. But that had changed. As brutal as it was, Nero had given me hope that everything might be alright. Helping others to have a better life would be worth it. What you put out to the world came back to you. I hadn't needed proof of this to want to be a therapist, but knowing there was justice in the world had changed my life. With every tearful outburst, my life felt a little lighter. Only then was I able to think about the other life-changing thing that had happened. I had watched Nero turn into a wolf. Perhaps the reason I wasn't still in bed having an existential crisis was that I had always believed people like him existed. I had never seen it with my own eyes, but I couldn't count the number of times I had imagined Quinn doing it when I was a kid. It was incredible. And, had Evan been one of them this entire time? 
Did it have something to do with why he hated me? I had talked about Quinn a lot back then. There was also no way I could forget what Evan said to Nero. He had said that the way I smelled proved that I was different. What did I smell like? How was I different? By the time I met Nero for dinner, I was dizzy with questions. You okay? Nero asked seeing my head was spinning. There are so many things I want to ask you. I figured. Shoot. I opened my mouth and nothing came out. It was like all of my thoughts had rushed to get out and had gotten stuck. Take a breath, Nero told me. I'm here. I'll answer any questions you have. What are you? I finally asked. I'm a wolf shifter. Is that what Quinn is? I'm not sure what Quinn is. I mean yeah, he's a wolf shifter too. But as far as I can tell, his father turned him into a shifter by fooling with his genes. I was born this way, and I didn't shift until I was 18. Is that normal? Shifting when you're 18. For most of us. But I've heard of it happening later. So, me being a shifter probably wasn't what Evan was talking about when he said I was different. Nero paused. Probably not. Then how am I different? You don't have a scent. I don't have a scent. Is that weird? Everyone has a scent. Doesn't matter how much you shower, to a wolf shifter it's always there. For you, there's nothing. It's like if you met someone and you couldn't hear them. They could clap. They could scream. And no matter what, nothing. That would be pretty disturbing, I realized. Yeah. Especially for wolves since they rely so much on their sense of smell. But for whatever reason, my wolf can't get enough of you. Okay, I don't know what that means. It means that I really like being around you. Because I'm different. Because you're you, he said with smile. Which is what? I don't know. Something magical. I looked at Nero confused. When you say magical, do you mean, oh that guy is magical? Or are you saying that I'm a witch or a demon or something? I'm not sure, he said with empathy. Okay. This is a lot. Nero reached across the table and placed his hand on mine. It made me feel better. How am I supposed to figure this out? I asked him. I've been thinking about that. And. Cage and Quinn just got the keys to their new place. They're gonna be moving my mother in this weekend. They need me to move my stuff. How would you feel about going up with me? I froze. Wait a minute. If you're a wolf shifter and Cage is your brother, does that mean he's one too? Nero looked hesitant to answer but did. Yeah, that's what it means. So you, Quinn, and your brother are all wolf shifters? Yep. Wow. And the people where you grew up? That's a little more complicated. What do you mean? I grew up in a mixed community. There are a lot of people like me. But there are also humans and fi. What's a fi? It's kind of like a fairy but real. There are people who have access to magic. There's one back home I can introduce you to. Cage is organizing something for this weekend that he'll be at. He'll have a better idea what's going on with you. And what I am? If you're anything at all. You could just be a human with a spell cast on you. A human with a spell cast on me? I feel like I've stepped into crazy town. You're handling it well, Nero said with a chuckle. I'm not sure I would if I were in your shoes. I'm glad that's how it looks, I said with a laugh. So, you grew up always knowing you're a wolf shifter. And you and Cage's parents are wolf shifters. 
Our mother is. I don't know about our father. Neither of us have ever met him. Is that a normal thing with shifters? I guess about as normal as in the human world. I laughed. In the human world? I don't think I'll ever get used to hearing that. There's a difference. I bet. Your childhood must have been unique. It was but for another reason. I'm my own special form of screwed up. How so? I didn't meet Cage until about a year ago. Up until then, I had to do a lot of things to survive. Like what? I used to host fight clubs for people like me. Oh. It wasn't by choice. I mean I chose to do it, but I also had a shitty busboy job. You were trying to find a way out? Yeah, he said, his brow furrowing with pain. Thank you for what you did last night, I told him hoping to make him feel better. I can't tell you how good it made me feel. Nero smiled. Me going down on you was that good, huh? He said looking proud of himself. I didn't want to burst his bubble. You're a miracle worker. Then maybe we should do that again. Maybe we should, I said thinking it wasn't a half bad idea. Want to get out of here? I didn't mean now, I said placing my hand on his arm. I liked touching him. Doing it filled me with a warmth that told me that everything was going to be alright. No, Nero. You did what you did for me last night, and I appreciate it. You're welcome, he said again referring to his blowjob. Not that. I'm talking about the other thing. Oh. Reminding him of it took a bit of the wind out of his sail. That? Yeah that, I confirmed. I'm just glad I could help you get what you deserved. Honestly, after the things you described, I don't think a beating and his apology is enough. It's enough. Besides, that wasn't the only thing that happened. You gave me my life back. I was stuck in that nightmarish loop, and it warped the way I saw everything. You straightened it out for me, while adding another wrinkle, I said with a chuckle. Nero's head dipped sheepishly. I'm just happy something I did helped. You're an amazing guy, Nero Roman. I'm pretty screwed up, he said with sadness returning to his eyes. You helped me. I think I might be able to help you if you let me. Instead of agreeing to let me, he asked. So, did you want to go home with me this weekend? I stared at him. It felt like such a loaded question. On top of talking to a fi about whether or not I was human, did he realize that he was also asking me to meet his mom? And what about the sleeping arrangements? Was he expecting us to have sex? Did I want to have sex with him? Was I ready to have sex? Um. It's okay if you don't want to, he said trying to hide his disappointment. I didn't say that. So you want to? I grunted torn. Can I think about it? Of course. Maybe we should grab something to eat. I'm feeling pretty hungry and the cafe is closing soon. We should do that, Nero said soberly. Once the topic changed, it never went back. After we were done eating, I got out of there by saying I had to get up early for a class. I told him I would give him an answer to his invitation in a few days, and I was going to. I just needed to figure out all of the things I could possibly be, everything about him and what he was, and where I wanted the rest of my life to go, first. No problem. Between jacking off to the memory of Nero sucking me in classes, the week flew by. As the weekend approached, I still hadn't come any closer to a decision. Because I hadn't, I was hiding from Nero. I didn't mind sending delayed responses to his texts. But I wasn't yet ready to see him. 
Thinking a change of scenery would help, I took a walk around campus. Nearing Commons, I decided to browse the bookstore within. It mostly sold textbooks, but occasionally they'd have something worth me buying to pretend I've read. Walking the aisles, I stopped with a jolt when I saw someone I recognized. Quinn was staring at the craft supplies with his back to me. I wondered if I should say hi, and decided it couldn't hurt. Quinn. Quinn turned around and stared at me with a confused look on his face. Kendall, I reminded. Yeah, he said awkwardly. As he continued to stare at me without saying anything, I began to think I made a mistake. We watched the football game together. We got pizza afterward. It was fun. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I know who you are. Cage says I have a tendency to stare without saying anything. I guess I keep expecting people to read my mind, he said with a chuckle. Can wolf shifters do that? Quinn laughed. No, they can't. It's just me being awkward. I chuckled. I know the feeling. You look like you have something on your mind. Yes, I do. Do you know what a moonshine festival is? Isn't it a pagan ritual type of thing? I guess. But I meant the other moonshine. Ah, yes. A Tennessee specialty. Moonshine, I mean. What about it? The town where Nero grew up is having their first annual moonshine festival. Oh, this is the thing that Cage is organizing. He told you about it. Well, he said that Cage was organizing something that, I looked around and lowered my voice. That a certain fire will be at. He told you that. Was he not supposed to? No, I guess telling you was fine. I paused and stared at Quinn. Do I smell weird to you? He told you that too, huh? Quinn confirmed. He said that wolf shifters can't smell me. We can't. And that it makes me magical in some way. It mostly likely does. He said that there might be someone there this weekend that might be able to tell me what I am. He probably means Dr. Tom. He's the leader of the Phi. He knows a lot about this stuff. He should be able to help. I see, I told him still not sure what I thought about all of this. So what brought you here making you look like you do? What? Confused? Lost? I chuckled. Yeah, that. If Nero told you about your thing, I guess I can tell you everything else. Cage is trying to establish a pack in town. But as not to exclude the Phi and humans living there, we're organizing it around a themed event. The Moonshine Festival. Full Moon. Wolves. I get it. Very clever. Actually, I hadn't thought about that. The town was established back in the day by Moonshine Runners. As I think about it, I wonder if the two are connected. Anyway, for the festival part of it, I volunteered to do something big. What did you do? I volunteered to be the mascot. I put my hand over my mouth. You didn't. I did. And I said I would make a costume. I stared at Quinn and then burst out laughing. Why on earth would you volunteer to do that? I don't know. I guess I feel guilty that my fame puts their community at risk. And since everyone's been so welcoming to Cage and me despite that, I wanted to do something to say thank you. And nothing says thank you for not being closed-minded pricks like dancing around in an oversized, uncomfortable costume all day while kids laugh and point. The town's not like that. It really is quite nice. In fact, the only problem we've ever had was with Nero, and now he's head over heels for someone who isn't a wolf shifter. He is. Who? I said feeling an unexpected rush of jealousy. You. Quinn stared at me blankly.
Wait, I said something I shouldn't have, didn't I? What part of that didn't you know, he said starting to panic. No, no. You didn't speak out of turn. I know that I would have shifted already, if I was one of you. And he's made his feelings towards me clear. I guess I just have a hard time believing that someone like him could be interested in someone like me. Oh. Yeah, I had the same feeling about Cage. I hope you don't mind me saying this, but they are two pretty hot brothers. No, I don't mind. It's hard to miss. So, does that mean that you're into Nero as well? I took a deep breath, unsure what to say. Who knows? I'm such a mess. But you, what are you planning on doing for your moonshine mascot outfit? I was thinking about making a mason jar. I mean, that's what they would drink moonshine out of back in the day, right? I winced. It's more what fancy restaurants serve drinks in to fake a down-home vibe. Is it? Your New York is showing, honey. Is it? Then what do I do? Quinn asked frantically. Why don't you just do a moonshine jug? What's that? I looked at Quinn stunned. What did they even teach you in high school? Math, he said dryly. I laughed. Touché. Well, now that you're in Tennessee, you're gonna have to go back and learn the fundamentals. I tried to explain what a moonshine jug looked like. By the time I got to the part about there being three X's on the front of it, he was lost. Why are there three X's on it? To tell people that they will die if they drink it. Moonshine's green alcohol. It'll burn your insides out. But people do drink it, don't they? He asked confused. Of course. What else are you gonna do with it? Make a car bomb? He asked Riley. I laughed hard. That's only after you've drunk it. Okay, so it's clear I need some help with this, he said defeated. I could help you. You could. Sure. I mean you clearly need help, and I've made enough wireframe dresses to fill a festival. Why would you make wireframe dresses? I went through a rebellious phase, I explained. I thought I could bring couture to Nashville. FYI, I didn't. Oh, do you want to be a fashion designer? No, a therapist. Which also makes sense, Quinn said considering it. I stared at him speechless. I didn't know if he was being funny on purpose or not, but the guy was hilarious. I really liked him. So, did you want my help creating your masterpiece? You don't know how much. And just so you know, a masterpiece would be great. But I'm aiming for not humiliating myself. Well, you'll be dressed as a moonshine jug at a small town festival. So Quinn that ship has sailed, I said sympathetically. It was Quinn's turn to laugh. With a project to take my mind off of Nero and whether I would join him this weekend, I led Quinn out of the bookstore. Since neither of us had cars, we walked to the nearest art supply store. Picking up framing wire, reams of cloth, paint and sewing supplies, we took a rideshare back to his dorm. The guy didn't live like the rest of us. He lived in the building jokingly referred to as Beverly Hills. Spreading everything out in his living room, I showed him a few pictures of what I was thinking of and got to work. It was fun. And it turned out to be a great way to pick his brain about Nero. So, what did you mean when you said that Nero was the only one who gave you and Cage a hard time? Nero wasn't always as in touch with what he wants as he is now. And things might have come out a little wonky. He was a closet case. Yeah. I guess. I thought about that a little more. He has a temper, doesn't he? Quinn's eyes flicked up to mine. He didn't need to say anything. The answer was clear. He's had a hard life. He's mentioned something about that. 
I think if Cage hadn't come along, his life might have led down a dark path. It's difficult growing up without either of your parents. I thought he said he grew up with his mother. He did. She was physically there. But in all of the important ways, he was alone. She had a rough go of things too. She's only now returning to her full self. Well. Yeah. So he might be a little angry and rough around the edges. But he was exactly how strong he needed to be to survive the world he was forced into. And the more I get to know him, the more I see how he uses his darker side. Nero is a protector. He looks after his pack. If you're on the outside, you better watch out. But if you're one of those he lets in, you are the safest you will ever be. I thought about what Quinn said throughout the rest of dinner. It made sense. Wasn't that what happened with Evan? Hadn't Nero done what he had to protect me? You should come check out the festival, Quinn said as we approached a stopping point for the night. You're doing all of this work. You at least need to see me humiliate myself in it. Cage and I just got a place. We have an extra bedroom if you want to stay over. Oh, Nero mentioned that you and Cage bought a house. Congratulations on that. Thanks. And we have plenty of room for guests. Nero had actually invited me up this weekend to meet the Phi you mentioned. Oh. Quinn said looking at me surprised. Did you say yes? I told him I had to think about it. You should do it, if you feel comfortable. I mean do whatever you'd like. You'd be very welcome if you do. Thanks, I said feeling tempted. Agreeing to come back the following day to help him finish his costume, I headed back to my place. I was pretty sure if Nero hadn't invited me first, I would have already accepted Quinn's invitation. It wasn't that I didn't want to find out what I was or spend time with Nero. I absolutely wanted both. And I wanted more of what we did in his truck. But that was the problem. There was a part of me that wouldn't forget that I was in his life to help him. I knew that some things were more important like figuring out what I am. But sex with Nero wasn't one of them. Do I have the strength to separate the two? And what if I let myself fall for him? There would be no coming back. How could I resist him? Not only was he as hot as sin, but I liked everything about him. Quinn was right. When I was with him, I felt safer than I had ever been in my life. That wasn't saying much considering the hell Evan and his asshole friends had put me through every day at school, but it meant a lot to me. Corey, I have a dilemma, I told him when I arrived home finding him still awake. Boy problems? He asked putting down the textbook he was reading. How did you know? Kendall, you've been glowing the last couple of days. I have. Did you not know? I thought about it. Despite how stressed I had been trying to figure out what I should do about Nero, I had been drunkenly happy. Maybe. At least you've seemed happier than you've been the two years I've known you. I guess. But I wouldn't describe it as boy problems. I just can't figure out what I should do. I paused. Wait, are you comfortable talking about this? Why wouldn't I be? Corey asked confused. I don't know how you straight boys work. Maybe this grosses you out or something. Kendall, we've been living together for years. Do you really think you talking about something that has made you happy could gross me out? What is it that you think of me? I don't know. I guess I just get freaked about this stuff sometimes. Fucking Evan Carter, he said waiting for me to follow it with my line. About that. What? So I might have gotten closure on the Evan Carter situation. Corey sat up giving me his full attention. How? 
Did I mention there's a boy? I don't understand. If I remember my behavioral psychology class, I might have had something called learned helplessness. It's when you give up because you've decided that there's nothing you can do to escape the bad situation you're in. If you put rats in a cage and electrify the bottom of it, eventually they learn they can't escape the shock so they stop trying. So when you only electrify the small section they're standing on, they won't move. They've learned they're helpless to escape their situation even though they're not. That might have been what had happened to me with Evan Carter. His constant bullying had taught me that I had no control over my life and that I was helpless to all the bad things that could happen. I was stuck in mud. The boy helped me out of it. How'd he do that? He beat the shit out of Evan Carter, I said worried what Corey would say. Oh. He leaned back and went silent. It's wrong, right? Well, it's not like he didn't have it coming. He did some shitty things to you. I haven't even told you the humiliating stuff. There's more. He asked stunned. Yeah. He was. I had to take a deep breath when the memories flooded my mind. It became harder to breathe when I remembered that he was a wolf shifter. He had been even more dangerous than I had imagined. He was the devil, I decided. And after this guy did what he did. I feel better. I don't feel scared all the time anymore. I feel like I can breathe for the first time in a long time. That's great. Yeah. But. But what? I don't know. Should I be worried? I mean, the reason I was assigned to him was because he's had some anger issues. He has a very dangerous side. Am I a fool to think that he won't eventually hurt me too? Corey thought about it. Do you feel like you're in danger? That's just it. I feel incredibly safe around him. I feel like if I'm with him, there's nothing that can hurt me because he will protect me. Well, that's pretty amazing. Who wouldn't want that? He said with more introspection than I would have expected. So I take it that being with your girlfriend doesn't make you feel safe. Corey looked up at me and laughed. Well my girlfriend is a girl who's smaller than me, so no. What does her being a girl have to do with it? You know, a guy is supposed to protect the girl he's with. That's probably what she's looking for from me. But there are other ways a person can make you feel safe, right? Like, maybe she makes you feel safe because you know that she will be there when you need her. Or maybe she makes you feel safe because you know she will always love you. Corey looked at me considering it for the first time. I guess. Wow. You're really good at this. He couldn't have said anything nicer. I blushed. Thank you. So does she make you feel safe in any of those ways? Maybe. I stared at him as his eyes saddened. But those aren't the ways you want to feel safe. Or maybe that you need to feel safe. Look, Kelly's a great girl. He said defensively. I didn't say she wasn't. And we weren't talking about me. We were talking about you. Don't try to change the topic. I guess I touched a nerve. You're right. We were talking about what I should do about Nero. So, my dilemma is that he's going home this weekend, and he invited me to go with him. He wants you to see where he grew up. That's a good thing, isn't it? There's a little more to it than that. There's someone there he wants me to meet. His mom. We would meet his mom, but there's a doctor he wants me to see. Are you feeling alright? Corey asked concerned. Yeah. I'm fine. Do I smell weird to you? Do you smell weird? Yeah. Nero said I smell differently. 
Not bad or anything. So the doctor is a herbologist or something? Yes. Exactly. And since Nero wasn't the only one to tell me that, I was thinking I should go. And while you're there, you'll meet everyone important to him. To me, that seems like he's taking things to the next level. Actually, I've already met a few of those people. I was just helping his brother's boyfriend put together a costume for a festival his town is hosting this weekend. It's their place we would be staying at. And Quinn invited me to come up for the weekend too. This all sounds fantastic. Does it? Yeah. The guy invited you to learn more about him. And because his brother's boyfriend also invited you, the pressure would be off from it being a date. By the way, his brother has a boyfriend. I smiled. I guess hot and gay runs in their family. Although I think they both might be bi. They're bisexual. Corey asked with more interest than I was willing to dive into right now. You should meet them. They're pretty cool, even though they're football players. They're football players. Yeah, I said with a smile. Kendall, I don't even know who you are anymore. I laughed. I'm not sure I do either. But I think you should go. I've known you for a while. I've never seen you this into something, much less someone. What if he's your chance at happiness? Wouldn't it be worth taking the risk, even if there might be a few complications? Chapter 8 Nero My wolf and I were going out of our minds waiting to hear what Kendall decided. I had invited him to come with me back home. It was to see Dr. Tom to help figure out what he was. But there was no escaping that everyone I ever knew was there. If he was with me, I knew I wouldn't be able to hide how much I liked him and they would see it. What would my mother say? She had no problem with Cage and Quinn, but she had been introduced to them as a package. If she wanted to have her son back, she was going to have to accept both of them. Now, I wonder if she likes Quinn more than me. But my mama's never met anyone I've been interested in. That was probably because I hadn't been into anyone in any real way, until Kendall. And Kendall wasn't a wolf shifter. He was a boy without a scent who dressed in all black and wore studded leather bracelets. He wouldn't exactly blend in when he's there. How would mama react? And what would everyone else I knew say? Wolf shifters weren't exactly the most enlightened people. Things could turn bad quickly. I knew I could shut anyone up who stepped out of line, but that didn't mean it wouldn't make me feel some sort of way. At the same time, I was helpless to Kendall. I could barely breathe when I was around him. All I could think about was holding him and pushing myself into him with my arms wrapped around his chest and my lips on his neck. I have never been more turned on by someone in my life. Even with that, I couldn't shake the feeling that being with him was just a dream. I was fucked up. Maybe too much for anybody. But meeting Kendall had made me hope that I was wrong. I was willing to risk everything to be with him. All I needed was for him to text me back and give me that chance. I was starting to think that Kendall was gonna ghost me, when a picture appeared in our text thread. It was of him and Quinn standing in front of what looked like a human-sized moonshine jug. Nothing about the picture made sense. I knew he and Quinn had hit it off. But when did they start hanging out together? And why was there a giant moonshine jug in Quinn's living room? How much of that moonshine did you two drink? I wrote back. Well we had to empty the bottle so. I was still very confused. Do you need someone to walk you home? Because I'm close. A picture was the next thing to appear. This time the two of them were pretending to be drunk as they drank out of the jug. They were clearly having a good time. 
You know that stuff will make you go blind, right? El Kajfoy, Al Kaya, he wrote back. I laughed. Seriously, do you need me to come over? I'm five minutes away. No. We're good. I just wanted to show you the costume we made for the Moonshine Festival this weekend. The Moonshine Festival. Quinn told me about it. You common, by the way. Quinn said they have a spare bedroom I could stay in. Reading that, my chest clenched. I had hoped he would want to sleep in my bed. There were a whole lot of things I wanted to do to him. They do. You should come. Those three dots danced on the screen for what felt like forever. Okay. Yes. I screamed causing Titus to look over. Get some good news? It wasn't bad, I told him unable to wipe the smile off my face. By the way, you going to any of the festival stuff that's going on this weekend? It sounds like a lot will be happening. I'll be there. I paused not sure how to bring this up. And ah, uh, you remember Kendall? From after the game? Yeah. He's coming too, I said nervously. Is he? That's great. I liked him. Maybe you can get Lou to come? I asked him. He has a date this weekend. He dates a lot, doesn't he? He does. I didn't realize there were so many gay guys at East Tennessee. There aren't. When he can't find one he converts them, Titus said with bite. That bother you? Why would it bother me? Titus asked playing dumb. I stared at him, wondering if I was going to keep dancing around what was going on between the two of them. Look, if you like him, I think you're gonna need to step up and tell him. I don't like him. I mean, I like him. We're good friends. But I don't like him like that. Huh. Well, I guess it's a good thing you don't. Because if you did, hearing he's going on yet another date might drive you up the wall. Imagine all of the things he does with these guys. Imagine them holding hands. Imagine them kissing. Then when they invite him back to their place. He's a virgin, Titus said cutting me off. What? Yeah. He said he dates a lot but he doesn't go any further than that. He wants to wait for the right guy. Was he looking at you when he said it? What do you mean if he was looking at me? He was talking to me. Of course he was. I stared at him, wondering how long he was going to play this game. Okay. Whatever. I just think if you feel something for someone, you need to tell them no matter how chicken shit you are. You tell Kendall that? He asked throwing it back in my face. I'm gonna tell him this weekend, I said coming out to the guy that I first was gonna see every single day. I guess it was official. There was no turning back now. Good for you, Titus said looking at me with admiration. That's awesome. He seemed really nice. I like you two together. Thanks, I told him filling with relief. Not having a game this weekend, Kendall and I made arrangements to meet at Quinn's room so the three of us could drive home together. So, neither of you thought about how to get it through the door when you were deciding how big it will be. I asked staring at the four-foot-wide jug costume. Kendall and Quinn looked at each other. It was the cutest thing ever. Okay. Here's what we're gonna do. Quinn, you're gonna take all the pictures you want with it looking as perfect as it does right now. And then? Quinn asked nervously. Then we're gonna get it through the door. Oh no. We put so much work into it, Quinn moaned. I haven't made anything like this before. Then maybe next time you two will make something smaller than the doorframe you need to get it through. 
Weren't you supposed to be a genius or something? I teased. Quinn's head drooped. I don't know why, but that might have taken things too far. I put my hand on his shoulder. Look. I got you. We both got you. Right, Kendall? Of course. We got you, Quinn. I just wanted Cage to see it at its best. And he will, in the pictures, I said teasing him again. Quinn's mood lightened, allowing him to laugh about it. I did the same. But when I looked over at Kendall, I caught him staring at me with a big grin. What? Nothing, he said before turning his attention to the costume. I didn't know what he was thinking, but I liked the way he looked thinking it. He really was the sexiest guy ever. Damn did I want to kiss him again. After taking more pictures than a tourist at Tennessee's biggest ball of yarn, Quinn put his camera away and we got to work. Having made it strong enough to trap a bobcat, the only way we could get it through the door was to bend it. When we got it to my truck and bent it back, it was more oval than round. It's a moonshine festival. If people are sober enough to notice it's a little off, then we got bigger issues, I told the sad Quinn. As much as I liked being alone with Kendall, having Quinn with us for the drive helped. The two of them got along like best friends. I was a little jealous. But just when I thought they forgot I was here, Kendall touched my thigh. I had never gotten hard so fast in my life. I turned to him, wondering what he was suggesting. He wasn't looking at me. It was like he just wanted to tell me that he hadn't forgotten about me. I was gonna take it, because I certainly hadn't forgotten about him. Kendall and I were introducing Quinn to Tennessee drinking songs when we crossed into the protective barrier. I was hoping Kendall would notice the change. He didn't. Whatever he was, he definitely wasn't a wolf shifter. It was too bad but there was no way it would affect how I felt about him. Is this your house? Kendall asked staring through the windshield as we pulled up to it. Yeah, Quinn replied bashfully. It's amazing. Thanks. Yep, there was no getting around it. The place was impressive. I wondered what Kendall would say when he saw where we were moving out of. I hadn't been embarrassed about my place growing up because I didn't have the time to be. I was too busy figuring out how to pay the rent. But I saw the neighborhood the kids from his school lived in. None of those homes were on wheels. Sure, none of the homes in our trailer park was either. But that was because no one there could afford them. Nero, after we get the costume inside you should show Kendall around. Kendall turned to me excitedly. Cool. Is Mama here? I asked Quinn wondering how stressful my night was going to be. We special ordered her bed. It's arriving tomorrow. She won't move in until then. I was relieved. It would give Kendall and me a night to get used to whatever was going on. Once we moved the costume into the garage and said hi to Cage, that was what we did. They told me that this would be my room, I said guiding him in and onto the bed. Nice. He said looking around at the empty space. We're getting my stuff tomorrow. But I'm not sure how much of it I want to bring with me. Maybe it's better to let most of it stay in the past. You can't beat a fresh start. Yeah. I stared into Kendall's soft chocolate eyes. It was like he was asking me to pull him into my arms and never let him go. But as soon as I slipped my hand on his, he stood up. So, where's the room I'll be staying in? He asked grabbing his backpack. I considered suggesting that he stay with me but changed my mind. I wanted him to feel comfortable here. And if he needed to sleep somewhere else to do that, I would give that to him. Next door. I'll show you. 
Allowing him to drop off his stuff, he told me that he would meet me downstairs and then close the door behind me. How could I not take that as a rejection? He may as well have said, don't let the doorknob hit you on the way out. I was starting to think this weekend wasn't gonna go like I hoped it would. Where's Kendall? Cage asked when I joined him and Quinn at the kitchen island. He's in his room. He said he'll be down soon. So how's it going between you two? Cage asked. I nodded my head and tightened my lips instead of answering. The truth was I didn't know. You guys got anything to drink? I asked checking the cabinets. First of all, it's, do we have anything to drink? My brother said referring to the three of us. And second of course, he said before pointing me to a lower cabinet. I opened it and stared at the sorry selection. You know this ain't gonna do, right? You want more? You go buy it, Cage joked. No. I'll stock it up, Quinn volunteered. Now why aren't you more like your boyfriend? Not all of us can be perfect, he said grabbing Quinn and kissing him. I don't know who you're talking about. But I know it's not me, Quinn protested. Of course it's you. It's always you, Cage said being so cute with Quinn that I wanted to puke. Where the hell is Kendall? I asked not able to take it anymore. As soon as I said it, Kendall walked in as if he was waiting at the door. There you are, I said not able to stop myself from smiling. Drink? My god yes, he said joining me and pointing out what he wanted. Once the drink started flowing, things between Kendall and me got less awkward. Sitting at the island as Cage made dinner, the conversation was non-stop and pretty great. When we were done, Kendall and I cleaned up and then joined my brothers in the living room. They had bought a second set of games for the house, and Kendall and I challenged Cage and Quinn to a game of wavelength. The object was to come up with a word that would get your teammate to turn a dial to a certain area without seeing it. It was basically testing which team was on the same wavelength. Cage and Quinn crushed it. But considering how well we did against the perfect couple, neither Kendall nor I felt bad. We're gonna head to bed. We have a lot to do tomorrow. After we move, we could use your help setting up for the festival. We're gonna see Dr. Tom tomorrow. But maybe after that, I told Cage still not sure how much I wanted to get involved with what they were doing. When they were gone, I turned to Kendall. God did he look sexy. So what about you? What do you want to do now? He stared at me for a moment and smiled. I think I'll head to bed too. You sure? I could think of a few other things, I said with a smile. I'm sure you could. Maybe next time slugger, he said before leaning over, kissing me on the lips and walking away. I barely knew what to do with myself for the rest of the night. Deciding to go to bed, I stared at the wall knowing he was on the other side of it. I tossed and turned restlessly before I took things into my own hands and relieved some of my stress. It was only then that I could think warm thoughts of Kendall and slowly drift to sleep. I woke up early the next morning, not being able to stay away from Kendall for very long. Lying in bed, I stared at the wall separating us. Was he awake staring back? If he was asleep, what was he dreaming of? With my wolf too excited to stay in bed, I pulled on a pair of shorts and left my room. His door was still closed. Convincing myself not to knock, I headed downstairs finding Cage and Quinn in the kitchen. Morning, Cage said as if he had been awake for hours. Morning. How did you sleep? Quinn asked. Was the bed comfortable? We debated about how soft it should be. Cage said you wouldn't care. He doesn't know how uncomfortable the bed back at the old place is, Cage told me. Yeah. Anything would be an upgrade from that, 
I agreed, trying not to take my brother's criticism personally. But it was all we could afford, you know. Hey, for a place that was being paid for by a 14-year-old, it's amazing. I still can't believe you were able to do it, Cage told me. But it's not just you anymore. We're all in this together. And now we have a new home. Yeah, I said half-heartedly. I knew Cage was trying to make me feel like this was my place too, and I appreciated it. But it wasn't. I didn't think it could ever be. Not only could I not be my full self living under the protective spell, but this house was too big of a leap from the place I could afford. You could fit the mobile home in it multiple times. It was too different from everything I've ever known. How could I not feel like a guest? Is Kendall still sleeping? Quinn asked. I guess. He took the guest bedroom. Oh. Cage was wondering if he should start making breakfast. Do you know whether he's a late sleeper? I wish I knew that type of information, I said hoping that I would know it soon. Okay. I'll give it a few minutes, and then get started. It'll take a while in either case. Maybe he'll be up by then. While you do that, I'm going to take a shower, Quinn said kissing Cage before he left. When Quinn was gone I looked at Cage. I tried to think of the last time the two of us were alone together. The only times I saw him nowadays was when he came to campus for our wolf runs, or when I drove Quinn up for the weekend. I loved Quinn, but I kind of miss spending time alone with my brother. How's work going? Good. I'm loving working with the kids. I keep trying to figure out when I can invite you to a game, but you either have practice or classes. Cage refilled his coffee cup and offered me some. Please. And things have been good with Mama? After he handed me a cup, he joined me at the island. Yeah. I mean you've seen her. She's even been talking about going back to work. She told me. It's amazing. Where was this woman when I was a kid? She was doing her best. Don't defend her. You weren't there. You don't know what it was like, I said. I wasn't upset, but there was no way I wanted to listen to him make excuses for her while only seeing her good side. Sorry. You ever wonder about our father, Cage? Of course. You know I do. Quinn tell you what he decided. What he decided? Yeah, I'd asked him to help me figure out who he was. And he told me that I might not want to know. What does that mean? I don't know. He's your boyfriend. Cage's gaze dipped as he thought about it. What if our father is someone really awful, Cage? Like, what if the reason Mama doesn't want to talk about it is because if we knew, it would explain why I'm so screwed up? I don't know, Nero. But do you think we need to know? I mean we have Mama. We have each other. Maybe that's enough. Quinn thought you'd say that. Did he? Yeah. But I don't know if it's enough for me. It's like a missing piece in my life. All I can ever think about is why our father wasn't around. Was it because he didn't know I existed? Would he want to know? Did he know and not care? And why was it that Mama refused to talk about it? What is so bad about me that she can't bring herself to say? Have you ever asked her? A new voice said from the kitchen doorway. I turned to find Kendall. How much had he heard? Oh hey. You're up. Yeah, I've been up for a bit. But I heard what you were saying to Cage. Sorry, there's a bit of an echo in here. The rest of the furniture should be delivered in a couple of days, Cage explained. You heard everything we were saying? I asked. 
Just the part at the end about you needing to know about your father. I lowered my head. I didn't have a problem telling Kendall stuff, which was amazing, considering. But admitting what I had to anyone other than someone in the same boat was pretty hard. I've been asking my mother about my father my entire life. She's never been wanting to say anything about it. Kendall entered the kitchen and stood within arm's reach. Did you tell her how important the information is to you? I looked at Cage not sure how to respond. I wasn't ready to tell Kendall that Mama had gone insane for a few years and hadn't given a shit what was important to me. I think she knew, I told him. She might have. But sometimes saying the words changes things. Maybe, I said thinking about the words I would use when I told him how I felt about him. It might help. And if you need any help with it, I could talk to her. I haven't met your mother yet, but sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger. I didn't think anything he said would work, but I thought it was sweet of him to offer. I took his forearm in my hand. His smooth skin glided under my slowly circling thumb. I appreciate you offering. But maybe you should meet my mother first. Kendall's confidence quickly vanished. Yeah. Of course. I didn't mean to. You didn't do anything wrong, I said cutting him off. It's just that our mother was dealing with stuff as I was growing up. So she wasn't much for talking. She's doing a lot better now. So maybe things are different. Hell maybe if I asked her again now she'd tell me. You never know, Kendall encouraged. You never know, I agreed. Cage spoke up. You know how I feel about this. But Kendall could be right. Sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger. I'd be more than happy to. I turned to Kendall. He looked like he really wanted to do this for me. If it comes up. But please Kendall don't push it. Of course. Only if the moment's right, he said with an excited smile. I stared at Kendall trying to figure out why something like this would make him happy. But it did. There was still a lot about him I didn't know. He was like a gift I couldn't wait to unwrap. I'll get started on breakfast, Cage said leaving the two of us. He was probably starting to feel uncomfortable. I was staring at Kendall pretty hard, and he was staring back at me just as much. God damn did I want to kiss him. And when he suddenly lifted his hand and rubbed a finger across my naked chest, I almost lost it. I leaned forward to reach his lips when he pulled away from me. What was he doing? You couldn't tease a wolf like that. You were gonna get bit. To make his point further, he joined Cage and offered to help him with breakfast. I didn't chase after him because my D was too hard. I couldn't get up. Instead, I watched him cross the kitchen collecting the ingredients as my brother whipped up a feast. Kendall was fitting right in. There was something sexy about that that made me want him even more. After eating way too many pancakes and bacon, Kendall joined me as I cleaned up. When we were done we all got dressed and got ready to do some packing. Cage and I drove separate trucks to our old place. The first thing I was going to have to do once I got there was introduce my mama to Kendall. It was freaking me out a little. Parking, I felt like I was getting ready to shift. My heart was pounding. There were no stopping things now. I didn't know what I was going to say. How was I even going to introduce Kendall? As much as I wanted him to be, he wasn't my mate much less my boyfriend. But just calling him a friend didn't seem right either. Kendall must have picked up on my anxiety because before we got out of the truck, he took my hand and squeezed it. You can do this, he told me. Do what? I don't know. Whatever it is that's got you so stressed. 
My mother doesn't know I'm into guys. I know that we aren't anything yet. We're something, he said cutting me off. What are we? We're friends. Just friends? Because the things I want to do to you aren't the things I want to do with someone who's just a friend. I waited, wondering if what I had admitted would freak him out. I expected him to tell me we were nothing at all. We're good friends, he said with a smile. You know I want us to be more, right? I really like you, Kendall. I've never liked someone so much. I stared at him. I had poured out my heart. Why wasn't he saying anything? I, he said fading off. I helped Mama pack most of her stuff yesterday, Cage said approaching my window. We'll donate most of the kitchen supplies to Goodwill. Mama's okay with it. But if there's anything with sentimental value, you should get it now. I didn't know if Cage had saved me from hearing Kendall tell me he wasn't interested or not, so I wasn't going to complain about his interruption. You got it bro, I said gazing into Kendall's eyes for a moment longer. You ready to meet my mama? For the first time Kendall looked nervous. Yeah. Catching up with Cage and Quinn as they entered, we poured into the space proving once again that our pack had outgrown the place. Hey mama, Cage and Quinn said with each of them kissing her. Mama, I want you to meet someone, I told her trying to breathe. She turned to me. Her eyes quickly jumped to Kendall. This is Kendall. He's, ah, he's someone very special to me, Mama. Mama looked at Kendall. Is this your mate? She asked, taking things further than I expected. No. But I'm hoping one day, I said not realizing how much I was putting Kendall on the spot. Mama got up and approached Kendall. It's very nice to meet you, Kendall she said before offering him a hug. That stunned me. She barely gave me hugs. I couldn't remember the last time she had given me one. I was beginning to realize that I didn't know who my mother was. For most of my life she had been the woman on the couch, mindlessly staring at the TV. Was this who she had been before whatever it was that had changed her? It's nice to meet you too, Kendall said hugging her back. Are you excited about moving? Mama let him go. Oh yes. Very excited. This place hasn't been so bad, has it, Mama? I asked, feeling a bit of a sting. This place has been our home. But it's time to put this part of our life behind us. We could all use a fresh start. Don't you think? She asked, wheezing my hand with a smile. Although I didn't answer her, I knew she wasn't wrong. It was time for all of us to move on. What did that mean in my case? How much of my future involved this town? If I declared for the draft, I could end up on a team on the other side of the country. Was I really gonna return here in the off-season? What here do you want me to pack? Kendall asked when we retreated to my room. I looked around at the space that was barely bigger than my bed. Anything that had meant something to me, I had brought with me to my dorm. I think I'm gonna throw it all out. Kendall turned to me surprised. Everything? Yeah. He looked around, pulled a yearbook from a shelf, and flipped through it. Even this stuff. Get rid of everything. Mama's right. It's time for a fresh start. I don't know why but Kendall rubbed my back and rested his head on my shoulder. I wasn't complaining. It felt nice. I wanted more of it. But I was pretty sure he was doing it because he thought the junk around me meant more to me than it did. What I saw when I looked around was the place I returned to the time I got my face bashed in after being caught stealing. Or the room where I cried my eyes out when my mother stopped speaking for a month. I had been terrified she would never speak again. They could burn this shit as far as I'm concerned, 
I told him grabbing a handful of crap and tossing it into a box. Once I decided that, packing took no time at all. Where's the pile for the dump? I asked pushing out four full boxes. All of it. Cage asked. Everything. Cage looked behind me at Kendall. I turned around in time to see Kendall shrug. I didn't know what to make of the two of them, but it rubbed me the wrong way. You guys need any help packing up the rest of this shit. We're getting through it okay, Cage explained. Was there any of this that you wanted to keep? No. I don't think my lucky spatula is in there, I told him feeling done with the place. If you don't need us anymore, I think we'll take off. I'm gonna show Kendall a bit of the town before I find Dr. Tom. Do you know if he's gonna be helping out? He didn't say. But as the unofficial leader of the Phi, I assume he'll be around at some point. He's been a bit prickly about this. I bet. Can't have anything challenging his power, I said remembering that he had known that Cage was alive and hadn't told me. Quinn are you gonna need help with the costume? Kendall asked. Not today. I'm good. You two have a good time. The town is beautiful this time of year. You'll love it Kendall, Quinn said with a smile. Hiking the falls was one of our first dates. And then you fell through the ice and we had to rush you to the doctor, Cage said with a laugh. Oh right. I forgot that. Whatever you do Kendall don't walk on the ice in someone's footsteps, Quinn said with a smile. Kendall looked at me confused. Are we going to be walking on ice? Don't pay attention to him. That was just a city boy learning a little backwoods lesson, I teased. We'll catch up with y'all later. I'll take these boxes to your truck. After Kendall and I carried the last of my old life out, we got into my truck and took off. So, where are you taking me to? How do you feel about hiking? Well, I'm wearing my hiking boots, he said with a smile. I looked at his feet and saw he was wearing his usual black Doc Martens. You been hiking before? I asked confused. Hiking? Peef. When have I not gone hiking? He said sarcastically. You've never been hiking, have you? In my defense, hiking gets you all sweaty. And? It gets you all sweaty. That's enough. I laughed. Well, there are places I want to show you, but it might require you to get sweaty to get there. So, you want me to get all hot and sweaty with you? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying, I said, loving his suggestion. We'll see tonight. Until then how about you show me this place you're excited about, he said with a flirtatious smile. You sure you could take it? The hike I mean. You'll just have to take it easy on me because it's my first time. I paused wondering what he was referring to. Wait you've never hiked before? Never. Have you? I grew up here so I've hiked a few times. But I've never hiked with someone like you before, I told him hoping we were still talking about the same thing. So if we hike together, it would be the first time for both of us? Yeah I guess. But I've thought about hiking with someone like you plenty. And you're the type of guy I'd like to hike with for the rest of my life. How would you know? We haven't even hiked for the first time yet. Because I've never wanted to hike with someone more. Kendall stared at me. I just want to be sure. We're both talking about sex right? I was. So you've never been with a guy before? No. But the thought of being with you, it keeps me up at night. Kendall slid closer to me on the bench seat and put his hand on my thigh. He looked at me for only a second and then returned his gaze ahead of us. I'd love to see whatever you want to show me, 
he said turning a shade of pink as he did. But in time he clarified. When you're ready. Thank you, he said moving his body against mine and getting comfortable. With him next to me, I was tempted to never stop driving. I loved the feeling of his touch. So did my wolf. Unable to resist, I wrapped my arm around him pulling him even closer. It made me hard. I wondered if he would start kissing me again. He didn't. But we drove together as if he were already my mate. I wasn't sure why he kept touching me like he liked me, yet would never say anything when I told him how much I liked him. Maybe he was hesitant. But he was gay. Why would he be the hesitant one, when I was the one who had to step off a cliff to be with him? I didn't know, but whatever I had to, I was willing to do it to be with him. And if that meant taking things slow, then I was good with that. Maybe good was the wrong word. But I would do it. Deciding that I wanted to show him more than just a beautiful hike, we drove out of town for 30 minutes. When we pulled over, it was at the edge of a lake. We're here. Kendall peeled himself off of my chest and sat up. Where are we? We are the furthest I'd ever been from home before I went to East Tennessee University. Kendall gave me a confused look and then scanned the lake more intensely. I was fine to stay in the truck and look at it from here, but he got out. Joining him, I could tell there was something on his mind. What is it? I asked guessing what he would say. This was the furthest you had ever been. Yep. Did you come here fishing? Nope. Then what brought you? He said moving in front of me. I looked at him and then stared at the lake. It had been a long time since the last time I was here. The memory of it made me uneasy, but I had always known it was something I would have to deal with. I know my mother seems fine now. But when I was a kid there was a time when she shut down. Oh no. I looked at Kendall. I appreciated his sympathy. Yeah. She stopped working. Eventually she stopped paying rent. When the rent collector would come sniffing around we would pretend we weren't at home. But one day he caught me and told me if we didn't pay by the end of the week, we would be out. I told mama but it was like she didn't hear me. It probably made her slip away even further. But knowing I was the one who would have to do something, at the end of the week I went to find him. I explained to him that I didn't have the money, but I was willing to do whatever I had to pay the rent. He looked me over and then told me he could give me a job to work off our debt. Desperate, I agreed. It turned out that our trailer park wasn't the only one he owned, and he hated having to collect the rent. He said that my job would be to collect the money people owed him, and I was supposed to get it no matter what. Kendall took my hand. Maybe he knew where my story was going. The first person he told me to collect on, I did what I was told. I ended up having to track down when the guy was home. When he was, I went over and banged on his door. I felt awful for doing it. I knew how this guy felt. But I screamed at him to give me what he owed the guy. The only thing he said was for me to go F myself. What was I supposed to do? I tried he wouldn't give it to me, so I went back and told my landlord what happened. When I was done he walked up looked down at me and slapped me across the face. He hit me so hard he knocked me to the ground. Oh no. Climbing on top of me he started punching me. I didn't know what was going on. I hadn't even been in a fight before. And he was a big guy. His rings were cutting into my face. When he was done he got off of me and said. You want your ass to be out on the street. You want your mama to start whoring herself to take care of you? Because I'll take it that way just as easy. 
I screamed F you. I kept screaming F you. Then you go back there and collect my rent, he said. And don't you come back here until you have it. You hear me? I knew what his beating was. It was a lesson. He was teaching me what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to collect the money or beat them senseless until I got it. I wasn't gonna do that. I couldn't. So instead of returning home, I ran. I thought if I could get far enough away, I wouldn't have to worry about anything anymore. So I kept running and running. I didn't know where I was going but eventually, I ended up here, looking out at that, I pointed at the lake. Why did you stop? Kendall asked. It was cold and I couldn't figure out how to get around it. I knew which direction I was heading in, but I didn't know how big the lake was. I ended up sleeping under a tree because I couldn't decide what to do next. When I woke up was when I considered what would happen to my mama if I kept going. She had nobody and could barely take care of herself. Maybe he would make her whore herself to keep living there. I imagined him sending men to where we lived and them doing things to her. I couldn't let that happen. I had to protect her from that. So what did you do? I went back. I didn't even go home. I walked right back to the man who owed the guy rent. This time I didn't knock, I broke the door in. Finding him hiding in the back room, I did what I had been taught to do. I beat on him until he gave me everything he had. Taking it, I told him when I would be back for the rest. When I gave it to the guy, he was impressed. And at the exact time I told the man I would be back, I went and collected the rest. My mother and I didn't have to pay rent after that. I just had to make sure that everyone else paid their rent, and I did. When I was done with my story, Kendall looked at me stunned. How old were you? 14. So it was before you became? I was just a scared kid. When I said it he burst into tears. He didn't say anything more. He just wrapped his arms around me and cried. I thought I could tell him this and let it go. I had needed to get the story off of my chest. It wasn't something I felt comfortable telling Cage and until now I didn't have anyone else. But I hadn't expected all of the tears. Hearing Kendall whimper made me consider why he was. I had never allowed myself to think it was a big deal, but there was no escaping it now. The man holding me was telling me how big of a deal it was. He was right. And the more I realized it, the less I could hold myself together. Listening to him cry, I slowly broke down. All of the pain I had been running from rushed to the surface. It was like a dam had broken. I couldn't turn off the waterworks. Eventually, the weight of it brought me to my knees. Still not saying anything, Kendall kept holding me. It just made me cry more. I didn't want to hurt all of those people, I tried to tell Kendall. You were just a kid, Kendall repeated. You had no other options. You were just protecting the person you loved. My heart burst realizing that Kendall understood. I didn't think anyone would forgive me for the horrible things I had done. But Kendall did. And for the first time, I felt that maybe I wasn't alone. It took a long time for either of us to stop crying. Once we did, we sat quietly for an hour. When my butt became sore, I thought about why Kendall had agreed to come home with me. He was here to talk to Dr. Tom. I wasn't sure I was in the mood to deal with him. Especially with the memories of what I went through fresh in my mind. But Kendall and I both needed to know what he was. So gathering my strength I cleared my throat. We should go back. We don't have to. We can stay here as long as you'd like. No we should. 
Besides, I think I'm losing feeling in my ass, I told him making a face. Kendall tried to resist and then laughed. I lost feeling in my butt 30 minutes ago. I don't think I can move my legs, he said humorously. Didn't you say something about hiking? You didn't warn me about sitting on the ground. I don't have nearly enough padding for that. Hey, I like your ass. Don't you be talking bad about it, I said with a smile. Then you can have it. I would much prefer to have yours. Don't you go tempting me like that unless you mean it. You know what I meant, he said with a smile. Yes, I do. That's why I was warning you. Kendall looked at me with playful frustration and fought his way to his feet. He was as shaky as a fawn walking for the first time. It was adorable. All right, come here, I told him picking him up and carrying him. That's okay. I got it. No, no. If you're gonna listen to my long story and sit there while I cry about it, the least I could do is carry you to the truck. Giving in, Kendall wrapped his arms around my neck and relaxed. If you insist. I do, I said looking into his big brown eyes. As I looked at him, he reached up and kissed me. It wasn't a long one, and when I tried to make it longer, he leaned back. Carrying him, I had no way of reconnecting with his lips. Placing him on the passenger side of the truck, he scooted away from me. I was starting to believe that he was teasing me on purpose. Driving back to town Kendall explained how much my experience had shaped my life. I think that's why you destroyed that car. You could have vented your frustration in a lot of ways. But at a young age you learned that violence was the solution to all of your problems. Isn't it though? Violence paid my rent. Not only that, it got me my football scholarship. And wasn't it my violent tendency that won you? Let's face it, violence is what gave me everything that means anything to me. He paused. I had him. At least, I thought I did. It's not your violence that got you your scholarship. I've seen you play. You've gotten what you have because you're good and you're fast. How many hours have you spent working on that? It was your hard work that got you that. Hard work and my wolf which is violent by nature. And what about you? Wasn't it what I did to that asshole that got you to think about me differently? He was quiet again. It's okay if it did. I'm used to it. But I don't want you to be. I don't want you to think that that's the way to solve your problems. You smashed up a car. Look where that got you. Smashing up that car got me sitting here now next to you, I said with a smile. I was very happy to have won this debate, but not as much as Kendall hated losing it. Kendall? Don't talk to me. Come on now. Don't be like that. You can't always win an argument. You think I care about winning an argument? It really seems like it from where I'm sitting, I said, unable to contain a smile. He looked at me frustrated. Well I don't. I don't. He yelled getting upset. Alright alright. No need to get away about it. You don't understand. If you think the way to solve every problem is with violence, what happens the day I become the problem you have to solve? Will you do to me what you did to Evan? What? No. Why would you even think that? Isn't that what you were saying? Weren't you saying you have a violent nature, and that violence got you everything important to you? My face went white hearing his words. I felt like throwing up. The only thing I could do was pull over and shut off the truck. I turned to him quickly and he flinched. He thought I was going to hit him or something. As soon as I realized it, I raced out of the truck and emptied my breakfast into the weeds. 
the retching didn't stop. Every time I thought it was done, I would picture him flinching away from me and I would dry heave again. Eventually, Kendall came over. Are you alright? I would never do anything like that to you, I told him in the middle of convulsions. Never. You gotta believe me. I wouldn't. Okay, I believe you, he said kneeling next to me and rubbing my back. I'm sorry I let you do what you did to Evan. I can see now that I wasn't helping you by letting you do it. I did it not you. You didn't let me do anything. I gave you his address. I practically drove you there and sicked you on him. It was just that I was so angry. So now you know how I felt, I said looking at him. When I act like I do, it's because I get so angry. But I know that one day you're not gonna find someone to beat me up, no matter what stupid thing I do. Just like there is nothing I would ever do to hurt you. But how do I know that? He asked sincerely. You're gonna have to trust me. For me trust is hard, he explained. It's not like guys like you have given me any reason to. And it's not like anyone in my life has given me a reason to trust them. But I'm willing to trust you. I don't know why but I am. I'm asking you to do the same. Chapter 9 Kendall I stared at the man in front of me. He was not who I thought he was. When I first met him. Well, I couldn't remember our first meeting. But when I saw him by the pond, all I could see was how gorgeous he was. He may as well have been a picture in a magazine. That's why it was so easy to dismiss him when I found out that he was a football player. When I was introduced to him as my client, or whatever he is, I saw him as a hot bad boy. When I saw him shift into a wolf, I saw him as the fulfillment of my childhood fantasies. But what did any of that even mean? Standing over him as he wiped the puke from his mouth, I realized that I didn't know who he was. Telling him that I was scared of him hurt him so much that he tossed his breakfast. Who was capable of such sensitivity? Built like a Greek statue, El assumed that he would be the strong one. And maybe he is, but it isn't in the way that I thought. Sure, he could pound a guy like Evan Carter to mush. And he could turn into the most magnificent animal I had ever seen. But he was also capable of trusting me, when every moment of his life had taught him to trust nobody. That was his true strength. In that way he was stronger than me. How could I not love that about him? How could I not love him for it? Oh shit. I love him for it. I'm in love with Nero, my football-playing wolfshifter client. What was I supposed to do now? I trust you, I told him. At least I'll try to. Nero, you're unlike anything I could have imagined. Thank you. He asked, looking at me confused. I don't know if it's a compliment as much as it is an admission that you aren't like anyone I've ever met. And because you're not, I have to consider you without weighing you down with my baggage. I don't know what that means. It means... I don't know what it means other than that I think you're special. And because you're smiling, I'm assuming you mean it in a good way, and not the way a teacher tells a parent that their kid is special. I laughed. No, I mean it in a very good way. You are pretty great, I said feeling my face get hot. Okay, I could work with that. I think you're pretty special as well. It's more in the parent-teacher way. But that could be good too. I hit him on the shoulder in jest and he laughed. Come on. No I'm kidding, he said getting up. I think you're pretty great too. He took my shoulders in his hands and looked into my eyes. Staring up at him, my heart thumped. I started to lose my breath. I had to swallow. I wanted him.
I wanted everything about him. I wanted him in me. I was about to lean forward and get it until he said, Um, I would kiss you right now. But I just spent the last little bit. He pointed at the remains of Cage's pancakes. Right. Maybe we should head back to town. Weren't we gonna talk to Dr. Tom? That's where I was going. And anywhere you are is where I wanna be, I said honestly. Nero smiled as much as I was. More than that, my D was hard. That wasn't that unusual, considering how often thinking of him made me take things into my own hands. But there was a reason I was still a virgin. I wasn't a complete idiot. I could tell there were guys who wanted to stick their junk in me. A few of them were even hot. But I never felt it with any of them. I felt it with Nero. Why was that? Could it be because he was the first guy that I first ever felt I could trust? With him still holding my shoulders, I placed my palms on his chest. I had just wanted to touch him, but once my hands were there, it was hard to miss his muscles. It felt amazing. Mesmerized by the feeling, I looked down and slowly explored the ripples. He stood taking it for a second until... Ah, unless you have something very specific in mind, you should probably stop that and we should go. I looked up unsure why he had said it. He pointed down at his pants. It took only a glance for everything to become clear. Nero was not only hard but the guy was huge. And when he flinched, it sent a pulse through me that made me weak in the knees. Yeah, we should go, I told him with a swallow. Driving back to town I couldn't help but touch him. It was all that I wanted to do anymore. With his arm around me as we drove, he told me stories about when he was growing up. I got the feeling that he was avoiding the horrible stuff. But what he told me gave me a clear picture. Since the age of 14, Nero had been living a double life. Not wanting people to know what was going on with his mother, he didn't tell anyone about his after-school job. He went to classes and football practice, and then once he got off, he became the rent collector. He talked about how much of an effect it had on him. When did you realize you liked guys? I asked him. If I look back on it, I probably always knew. But it became pretty clear after puberty. There were boys at school I couldn't stop thinking about. There were a few girls too, but it wasn't the same. I used to fantasize about jacking off with guys, even though there weren't really any of them, I thought about kissing. But there weren't too many girls either. So, have you been with any girls? I asked, unsure if I wanted to know the answer. A few. But you know how it is. You get drunk at a party after a game, and a girl throws herself at you. Before you know it, your D is in her and it's all over. Yeah, I don't think I know how that is, I said with a laugh. Have you ever been with a girl? I haven't been with anyone. Have you gotten close? I think the closest I've gotten is with you, I admitted shyly. Why is that? Only a blind man can't see how hot you are, Nero said with a blush. Thank you, I said feeling his compliment. I guess I never saw myself that way. Because of that asshole. Who? Evan. Was that his name? Nero asked getting mad thinking about him. Yeah. It could have been because of him and the rest of them. I don't know. I just know that I wasn't willing to make myself vulnerable like that before now. Before now. I looked up at Nero. Yeah. I could feel Nero's body heat through both of our shirts. His smell was all around me. Still staring up at him, I lost all of the resistance I had towards him and slipped my hand on. Hi, it's the author again. Yep, there are more spicy things happening in the story. 
Just as a reminder, if you're in the US or UK and have never had an Audible account, you can get the version of the audiobook with all the spicy bits and the premium narration on Audible for free with a free trial by using the links in the description of this video. And if you're not eligible for the free trial because of where you live, you can get access to the same version of the audiobook by clicking on the join button and becoming a member of this YouTube channel. As a member, you will not only get access to this audiobook, but every audiobook previously uploaded, and the cost of membership is less than the price of this book on Audible. By the way, the spicy bits are so, so worth it. Enjoy the story. As Nero loosened his grip on me, and I ran out of breath, I retreated and sat up. Nero looked like he had seen God. He was happy. I loved that. When our eyes met, he smiled. Thank you. He said before he touched my face. Your eyes are watering. I wonder why, I joked. Nero laughed, allowing his head to roll. Seriously, Kendall, where have you been my whole life? Waiting for you. He looked at me and then laughed. I couldn't tell if he was giddy or drunk. I'm falling in love with you, Kendall. And what you just did isn't helping. Did he say that he was falling in love with me? I wasn't ready to hear that. Sure, I was already in love with him, but if I admitted it, it would put us in a place I wasn't prepared for. Instead I reached up and kissed his cheek followed by his chin and Adam's apple. I didn't want him to think that I didn't love him. I did. It was just that it wasn't time yet. I wasn't sure why not or when it would be. But I wasn't going to tell him I love him sitting in his truck with his working its way down my throat. Oh. We're here. I exclaimed as I took my eyes off him to find parked cars and a field full of people. I thought you had pulled over to the side of the road again. Yeah, I was gonna tell you that. But then you stuck my D in your throat, and I lost the ability to speak. Do you think anyone saw us? I asked embarrassed. I parked back here hoping no one would. But even if they did, they would have only seen me. Besides, you don't know any of these people. I scanned the area. We were as far from the field as you could get. Even if they did see us, they probably couldn't make out what was going on. Relax. Like I said, no one here knows you. That doesn't mean I don't want to make a good first impression. Fair enough. But I've met you. There's no way for you to do anything else. I turned to him and smiled. You're very sweet. Now pull up your pants. I'm the only one who needs to be seeing that. So pushy. He joked before sitting up and returning his monster to its cave. Driving the truck closer, we parked and entered the field. Looking around, it felt like the day before a festival. Booths were being set up, and there were a lot of people around. Everyone was walking casually, except for one person. When she spotted Nero, she hurried over. Good you're here, the fair-skinned mid-fifties woman said in a slight Jamaican accent. Are you here to help set up? We came looking for Dr. Tom. Is he here? Instead of answering, Dr. Sonia turned to me. I don't think we've met. Dr. Sonia, she said offering me her hand with a smile. I peeked at Nero, wondering if there was anything I wasn't supposed to say. He still looked dazed from what we had just done in his truck. I'm Kendall. Did you come for the festival? She asked digging. I brought him here to talk to Dr. Tom. Is he? We don't know what he is. That's why we're here, Nero said cutting her off. Oh. Well, what you are is welcome. 
Will you be at the festivities tomorrow? Maybe, I said looking back at Nero. There will be cakes and pies. I will be bringing my Jamaican-style coconut tarts. It's really just a fun share-your-background event. I think someone is bringing haggis. Isn't that intestines? I asked feeling my insides tighten. Sheep innards I think, she explained. Whatever it is, there are a few meat eaters in town that I'm sure will like it, she said looking at Nero. Anyway, have you seen Dr. Tom? Nero asked changing the topic. Sure. I think he's helping Glenn set up his booth, she said gesturing toward a small stand across the field from us. Thanks. And if you have some time, we would love your help. A strapping guy like you, she said gripping Nero's bicep and squeezing. Maybe, Nero said before slipping out of her grip and leading me away. She seemed nice, I said trying to figure out the dynamic between the two of them. Is she? A shifter? No. She's human. And she lives here with everyone else? We don't bite, he said not looking at me. Oh too bad, I said grabbing his attention and making him smile. Was I flirting again? I didn't know what had come over me. It was like being with Nero brought out a side of me I didn't know existed. Dr. Tom, Nero called with more edge to his voice than I was expecting. A barrel-chested pot-bellied man with a speckled beard turned around. I didn't know what I was expecting, but he wasn't it. Nero had said that he was a phi. I pictured Tinkerbell. Instead he looked like a guy who ran a hardware store. Nero, he said with an icy tone. His eyes bounced toward me. It was like he sensed something. I have someone I want you to take a look at. Is he not feeling well? He asked in a Spanish accent. He feels fine. It's about what he is. The doctor's eyes snapped toward Nero. What is he? I don't know. Something. Nothing. All I know is that I can't smell him. None of the wolves can. It's like he doesn't exist. The brown-skinned man stepped toward me and stopped an arm's length away. He wasn't much taller than me, but he felt as intimidating as a giant. With his eyes staring into mine, I felt the impulse to look away. It was like he was searching my soul. It wasn't until he looked away that air returned to my lungs. You should bring him by my office, he told Nero. How about right now? Nero said with bite. I wasn't sure what was going on between the two. Nero was asking for a favor like he was owed it. And Dr. Tom was staring at him stone-faced and unimpressed. Neither man backed down until the doctor relented. Meet me there, he told Nero. I'll head over once I'm done here. And how long will that be? Nero growled. When I'm done, he replied growling back. Nero stared at the doctor a little longer, then turned and led me away. What was that about? I asked, having to jog to catch up with him. That's the asshole who knew my brother was alive and didn't tell me. My mouth dropped open. Speechless, I looked back at the man who had stolen so much from Nero. He seemed unaffected by their exchange. Or all Phi as unfeeling as him. We continued to cross the field when Nero spotted Cage. He was with someone I recognized from getting pizza after the football game. I wondered where Quinn was. Scanning the area, I didn't see him. Nero, you good? Cage asked as soon as we were close enough to speak. I could smell your anger from across the field. You could smell him? The other guy asked Cage. Yeah. Couldn't you? The guy looked at Nero, who was standing in front of him. I mean he smells a little different than usual. You can really smell that he's angry. Cage can do a lot of things the rest of us can't do, 
Nero said staring at his brother. Like getting every wolf in town to agree to come to this bullshit. The wolves see the benefit. Titus could have organized this if he had tried, Cage replied referring to the shaggy-haired guy next to him. As much I would like to think that's the case, Titus said, it's not. People listen to you. I'm not sure I could have refused to come if I tried, he said with a chuckle. It's not as big of a deal as you're making it out to be, Cage countered. That's because you don't feel it, Titus explained. The desire to listen to you is strong, Cage. Tell Quinn that, Cage joked. I can't even get my boyfriend to spend time with me. Is he around? I asked. No. They delivered our missing furniture this morning. He stayed behind to get started unpacking it. But back to you, Nero. What's going on? I just had a conversation with Dr. Tom. What did he say? Cage asked as his eyes met mine. You know him. He can't say now. We have to meet him back at his office. Cage's eyes left mine and focused on something behind Nero and me. Looks like he leaving now. Do you think we can trust anything he says? Nero asked suddenly creating a knot in my stomach. You can if what he finds is in his interest, Cage confirmed. And how would we know if he's not manipulating us? I know you two are pissed at him. And I would be too, if he had kept information like that from me. But he's not what you're making him out to be, Titus insisted. You mean he's not a fi who covered up Cage being stolen from the hospital by a dragon shifter, and then allowed me to believe that my mother was insane for not believing he was dead? Nero asked. You gotta look at things from his perspective. He was protecting the hospital. If that news got out, it would have shut it down sooner than they did. And after it did close down, he moved here and became the only doctor around for miles. What would we do if we didn't have him? Nero and Cage looked at each other. Nero wasn't giving an inch, and neither was Cage. Anyway, I guess we'll head over there and see what it is that he doesn't tell us this time, Nero said leading us away. I'll see you back at home, Cage replied before leaving with Titus. Do you really think Dr. Tom could lie about what I am? I asked, suddenly feeling uneasy about the whole thing. I don't know, Nero replied. I just know he's kept things from me before. I thought about that as we drove back to Quinn's neighborhood. The driveway we eventually turned into lead to another impressive house. Like Quinn's place, it was filled with small-town charm. More than that, there was something about it that made me feel at home. Are you ready for this? Nero asked as I stared through the windshield at it. Yeah, I said though I wasn't sure if I was. What would it mean if I found out that I was like Nero? There was no way I could forget seeing him shift into a wolf. And what would it mean for us if I found out I was something else? I could end up being something I've never heard of. Or maybe I was nothing at all. Would Nero feel the same way about me if I was just a human who didn't have sweat glands? Nero led me out of the truck and around the side of the house to what looked like a quaint guesthouse. We entered and as soon as we did, I felt it. I wasn't sure what it was but it was strong. Do you feel that? I asked whispering to Nero as we stood in the waiting room. My blood boiling? No. It's something I can't explain. It's like the feeling you have when the hairs on your arms stand up. I looked down at my arms. But they're not. Before Nero could reply, the man from the field opened a door and stepped out. You can come in, he said pointing at me. Nero, you can wait out here. My chest quickly clenched. Not a chance, Nero said stepping forward. You want me to examine him, you'll have to let me talk to him. You can ask him whatever you want in front of me. 
Dr. Tom tightened his lips and stared at Nero agitated. Again, he was the one to relent, not Nero. He turned to me. Do you mind if Nero joins us? I don't mind, I told him suddenly wondering what was going to happen. Then come, he said waving us both in and gesturing me toward the examining table. I sat on it while Nero stood next to me, and the doctor took the chair in front of us. So, you think you're different somehow? He asked crossing his arms in judgment. I don't know if I am, but I felt different my whole life. And your parents? What about them? Have they ever said anything to you about being anything other than human? The people who raised me? No. But I don't remember much about my biological parents. Nero jumped in. You didn't tell me you were adopted. Why would I? The people who raised me were my parents. I've never felt otherwise, I explained. Abilities are often passed down through genetics, the doctor explained. That's not always the case, but it is most of the time. What happened to your biological parents? They died. I'm sorry, Nero said with genuine sympathy. Thanks. But it was a long time ago. I don't even remember them. How'd they die? The doctor asked. They were avid campers. They left me with a family friend and went on a weekend trip. The ranger who found their bodies said that they went to sleep without making sure their fire was out. The fire spread while they were sleeping and burned everything around them including their tents. Oh man, Nero gasped. I swallowed thinking about it again. Your biological parents left you with a family friend to go camping, the doctor asked as if I was lying. That's what my parents told me. And they died in a fire. I nodded my head. What? Nero asked Dr. Tom. The doctor turned to me. There's no test I can give you that can tell you what you are. At least none that I know about. All I can do is help you understand anything magical you might experience. So you don't know what I am? I don't. What aren't you telling us? Nero insisted. Dr. Tom stared at Nero stone-faced before speaking again. There are creatures capable of setting fire to a campsite. You're talking about dragon shifters? Nero asked. I'm sorry. Did you say dragon shifters? I asked sure I hadn't heard him correctly. Are you saying there are people who turn into dragons? Nero turned to me. I've never seen one but Cage was raised by one. And you think a dragon shifter killed my parents? I asked the doctor. I'm only saying it's a possibility. But why? I asked as my head spun. Why would any parent leave their child with a family friend and go camping? That was something I had thought about a lot. Why would they, except? You think someone was after them, and they left me behind to keep me safe. Your guess is as good as mine, the doctor said. But a spell has been cast on you that masks your scent. That couldn't be done by anyone but a powerful phi. You think my biological parents are phi? I don't know. Maybe someone else cast the spell. Perhaps the people who raised you. Maybe you did it yourself, without realizing it. How do I get it off? You first need to ask yourself if you want it off. If it was cast, there had to be a reason for it. If your biological parents put it on you because someone dangerous was after them, removing it might alert them to your existence. It might put you and everyone around you in danger. I hesitated before asking my next question. And what if I put it on myself somehow? Then it would be up to you to remove it. How would I do that? By not needing it anymore. 
and if I did cast a spell on me, what would that make me? Whoever did this to you, whether it's you, your parents, or someone else entirely, they are a very powerful Fi. I sat with that for a while. I was still a baby when my biological parents died. I never knew them. The couple who raised me were who I knew as my parents until I was 12 years old. After that, I drifted from feeling lucky that my biological parents had left me behind, to being mad at them for leaving me. Thinking about it now, the one thing I was sure about was that the couple who raised me didn't do magic. They were the most normal southern parents I could imagine. It had to be my biological parents who had cast it, didn't it? But if they had done it and Dr. Tom said that magical abilities were passed down genetically, did that mean that I was like them? If it was my biological parents who did it, didn't that mean that I'm a Phi too? I asked hesitantly. Not necessarily, Dr. Tom said. It is the ability to access magic that makes a person Phi, not what their parents can do. So I could still be completely normal. It's possible. How do I know for sure? I think the spell that's on you is doing more than just dampening your scent. It's cutting you off from whatever potential you have. Can you take it off of him? Nero asked. I wish I could. Sure you do, Nero said not believing him for a second. Nero, you seem to think I don't have your interest or the interest of this town at heart. You really think keeping my brother from me was in my best interest? The doctor pointed at me. His parents were avid campers who burned to death. Do you really think there's a chance they hadn't put their campfire out? There are things out there that want us dead. All of us. What I did I did for you, your mother, and everyone you know and love. Right, just like how you put a spell on the town that only affects wolves and has prevented the shifters here from forming a pack. That has nothing to do with my spell, the doctor said allowing his emotionless mask to slip. Really? Then why do you think it is that there has never been a pack here? Because shifter alphas aren't made. They're born. Yeah, someone can claim to be the leader of a pack. But they will never have a true alpha's power. The ability to make wolf shifters do what they say. Nero said realizing it. Yes. Cage. He's a born alpha. I think he is. And by some coincidence he was kidnapped and you hid his existence. Dr. Tom straightened up and slipped his stone-faced mask back on. I couldn't have known. Of course. Because how would a powerful Phi like you be able to tell something like that? Even though someone else clearly could. You don't know that that was why he was taken. Right? It's all just a coincidence. Kendall, I think we should go. I wasn't sure if I wanted to. I knew I would have more questions even if they weren't coming to mind. But Nero needed to get out of here, and I wanted to be where he was. Thank you, I told the doctor before following Nero out. Outside and headed to the truck, Nero said. Well that was a bunch of horse shit. Sorry I wasted your time. You didn't, I said shocked he would think that. Right, he said grabbing the truck's door handle and getting in. I hurried to the passenger side and joined him. Seriously Nero, that was very helpful. How? He didn't tell you anything that we didn't know when we got here. Maybe you knew it, but I didn't. Nero, everything about this world is new to me. Someone cast a spell on me, and a dragon shifter might have killed my biological parents because they were Phi. I can barely process it all, I admitted. After a lifetime of feeling different from everyone around me, I might be supernatural. I might be able to do magic. Just the idea of it blows my mind. And you were the one who helped me realize it, 
I said suddenly seeing him in a new light. As soon as I did, I shut up. I thought I was falling for him before, but it didn't compare to what I felt for him now. Cage reached across the bench seat for my hand. I pulled it away before he could touch it. I wasn't sure why I had done it but I had. He leaned back disappointed. I'm sorry, I told him. That's okay, he said slowly withdrawing. No, I didn't mean it like that. I just need a moment to wrap my head around everything. I understand. Sometimes I forget that not everyone grew up knowing the things I did. This is probably a lot for you. It's not a typical Saturday, I said forcing a smile. Right. Did you want to head back to the house? We're close. I need to walk. Is there anywhere we could go where I could just think? I did promise you a hike, he suggested sweetly. And I am wearing my hiking boots. Nero chuckled, remembering our previous conversation. Right. I know the perfect place. Nero wasn't wrong. The hike he chose was the most beautiful place I could have imagined. The only sounds were that of the wind rustling leaves and eventually the sound of waterfalls. Last year it was frozen by now, he told me. Despite how long it took us to get there, I wasn't yet ready to speak. So instead we stood staring at it. Nero put his arm around me and pulled me to him. Pressed against him I felt safe. My world had just flipped upside down. But with him by my side everything felt upright. Eventually leaving there, we did another hike. By the time we were headed back to the truck, the sun was setting. It was only then that I slid across the bench seat and buried myself in his embrace. His scent was intoxicating. I never wanted him to let me go. Pulling up to the house, we parked. Following Nero inside, I was about to following him upstairs when he stopped me. Can you give me a few minutes? I stopped unsure what was going on. Was he upset about something? I had been lost in thought all day and had assumed that Nero was giving me space. But he was as quiet as I had been. Had what the doctor said about Cage affected him in some way I was missing? Of course, I told him disappointed that he wanted to be apart while I still wanted his arms around me. After watching Nero ascend the stairs, I joined Quinn, Cage and his mother at the kitchen island. Hey! How did it go? Quinn asked me cheerfully. It was an interesting day. Where's Nero? Washing off the interesting day I'm guessing. Quinn laughed. Something to drink. Absolutely. By the way, should I worry about him? Cage replied. Did he go silent and ask for space? Yeah. Cage shrugged. Just give him a few minutes. I'm sure he'll be down when he's ready. Meanwhile, I'll start dinner. The cider I was handed made it a lot easier to relax. As the alcohol kicked in, I joined in on the conversation. After everything Nero told me today about his mother, I saw her differently. It was hard not to see his upbringing as abusive. She was clearly going through a mental health crisis with no one to help her. It was an unfortunate situation for everyone involved. But I couldn't help but take Nero's side. Despite that, I tried to be as friendly as I could and make the best impression I could on her. She was still the mother of the guy they first was in love with. No matter how I felt about her, she would never stop being that. Nero said that you're thinking about going back to work. Do you have any idea what you would want to do? I don't know. Whatever's available. I told you mama, you don't have to take just anything. I can take care of you. If you want to work, find something you'd enjoy doing, Cage insisted. That's not the way it is around here, Cage. 
This isn't New York. You take the work you can find. No one's mistaking this for New York, Mama. Quinn. Not me, he joked. See. And all I'm saying is that you don't have to go find something that will make you unhappy. You can take your time. Figure out what you want to do. When you have, go do that. She shook her head as if trying to get used to the idea. That's not the way it worked in my day. We get that. But you have two sons now. I've got three sons, she said looking at Quinn. Thanks, Mama, Quinn said. Which reminds me, when are you two going to make things official? Quinn and Cage looked at each other. In time, Cage said with a smile. It's wonderful seeing how much you accept Cage and Quinn being together. I'm not sure my parents would be so accepting. Your family would have a problem with us. Nero said joining us in the living room. He wasn't wearing a shirt. It looked like he had just gotten out of the shower. As drool-worthy as he looked, I hadn't missed that Nero had referred to us as if we were already a couple. My parents, or at least the people who raised me, have criticized every choice I've ever made. They did everything they could to make me as boring as they were. I think that's what started me pushing people's limits. If they wanted something to criticize, I would give it to them. And the more they or anyone resisted, the harder I pushed. How did that work out for you? Nero asked. I got my ass kicked every day. But what else was a boy as pretty as me supposed to do in Nashville? I said flipping my head pretending to have long hair. Everyone laughed except for Nero. I had said what I had to be funny. I guess it wasn't once you knew the details. Dinner's ready, Cage said sending us to the dining room table. With the drinks flowing everyone's mood improved. Even Nero's. Sitting next to me, I spent the whole night thinking about his hand on my thigh. Initially I thought it was sweet, but the longer it was there, the more it aroused me. After a while I was just eating to compensate for what I couldn't put in my mouth. Following dinner with a rousing game of Scrabble, Quinn was wiping the floor with us without trying. After he put down an eight-letter word that more closely resembled Roman numerals, I questioned him about it. If you want to challenge it you can, Quinn offered. Don't do it, Cage joked. He's memorized the Scrabble dictionary. If he puts it down believe me, it's there. You memorize the dictionary? I asked stunned. I mean, not the whole dictionary. It's more about learning the words that help you place the hard-to-play letters. There are only a few dozen of them. And by a few dozen, he means about 500, Cage explained. Seriously? I asked amazed. Quinn shrugged. I looked over at Nero who said, You can challenge him, but I've learned my lesson. We all have. But be our guest, Cage explained. Yeah, Kendall. Be our guest, Quinn said with a cocky smile. Wait, are you doing smack talk? Nero teased. Has Quinn started doing smack talk? Quinn blushed. Okay. I give up. If Nero tells me to trust you, I will. I'm not getting anywhere near whatever you all have going on, I said playfully. Smart move, Nero said gripping my shoulder and kissing me on the head. I hadn't expected him to kiss me. As soon as he did, I scanned the room. Everyone was watching. I didn't know how to feel about it. But it did feel good seeing how comfortable he was showing affection towards me. It filled a hole in my life that I didn't know I had. When everyone's gaze returned to their tiles, I looked at them all again. I was sitting playing Scrabble with a group of wolf shifters, after finding out that I might be as magical as they were. After feeling alone for so long, how had this become my life? I had to fight back tears thinking about it. And it was all thanks to Nero.
I turned to him and watched his naked chest ripple as he moved. He was the most beautiful man I had ever seen. I had never wanted anyone more in my life. So when the game ended and everyone else headed to bed, I found his hand with mine and lost myself in his eyes. Did you want another drink? Nero asked. I'm good. I'm still feeling the last one. But thank you, I told him with a smile. The two of us stared at each other not saying a word. Needing him so badly that my heart hurt, I moved my hand to his thigh and rubbed it. Today it was really great, I told him begging for him to take me. I'm glad you think so. I do. Good. I paused. Not able to hold out any longer, I asked. Hey, how did your mattress feel? What do you mean? I don't know. Mine was a little hard. Not bad or anything. I was just wondering how yours was. Nero stared at me for a second. Did you want to see? I guess for comparison, I said unable to contain my smile. Then let's go, Nero said getting up and taking my hand. As we crossed the living room to the stairs, my heart thumped. There was no question what I wanted to happen next. I was in love with Nero. I wanted him to be my first. And approaching his bedroom, electricity danced across my skin with anticipation. Flicking on the soft nightstand lights, we entered. Nero sat on the bed first. I don't know. It feels pretty good to me. What do you think? I sat next to him, allowing our arms to brush against one another. It's nice, I said suddenly at a loss for words. You know I like you, right? Nero said, leaning even closer. I've never met anyone like you. When I think of you, I think about forever. I said I was falling in love with you, but it's too late. I think I'm in love. That was when I kissed him. Throwing my legs around his waist, I sat in his lap, pushing my body against his. Wrapping my arms around his neck, I turned my attention to our kiss. Seeming thrown for a second, he quickly took control. Pushing his fingers through my hair, he gripped and tugged. I loved it. Pressing his chest against mine, he parted our lips and pushed in his tongue. Finding mine, they danced. I lost myself in the sensation. Whipped away to another world, all I could think about was our kiss. I wanted more. I wanted the two of us to become one. Without thinking, I found myself grinding my open legs against his torso. I couldn't help it. The sensation felt too good. The mix of it and the kiss was a drug that I was immediately addicted to. So when Nero reached down and stripped off my shirt, I did the same needing the full radiance of his body heat. Shirtless, Nero scooped his arm under my... Hi, it's the author. Yeah, there are more spicy bits. There are a lot of them in this story. And if you want to get the version of the audiobook narrated by sexy narrators, you can get it on Audible for free by using a link in the description or by becoming a member of this YouTube channel. I hope you consider it. Enjoy. How's that for an alarm clock? That's how I want to get up, I said with a smile. Every morning that you want it. I promise. I'll take you up on that, I said finally turning towards him and finding his lips. After Nero pulled himself out of me and reached over retrieving another cloth from the nightstand, I cleaned myself off and turned to face him. I want to do something for you, I told him wanting to make him as happy as he had me. What's that? I want to find out the situation around your birth father. I told you you can try. Thanks. But I don't think your mother will open up to me if I just ask her. Do you know what she'll be doing today? Nero paused before answering. Cage wants all of the wolves in town to do a run together. Did I tell you about that?
I don't think so. Will your mother be joining you? Not for the run. You don't understand how much of a miracle it is that she's even going to the festival. She hasn't done anything this social in about eight years. Well. Huh. Then maybe when you go do your run, I'll hang out with her. I didn't say I was running. Why wouldn't you? Isn't that what wolves do? Some do. Well if you do, and I hang back with your mother, our alone time might make her feel comfortable opening up. Do you really think you can get her to say anything more than she has the last 20 years of me asking her? It's the best idea I've got. And who knows, maybe with a little luck. You mean magic? He asked cutting me off. I mean if I am Phi, anything is possibility, right? He stared at me not saying a word. Look, magic or not, I've always been good at getting people to admit things to me. So I promise you that I'll be able to get something from her that you didn't know before. It may not be what I ask. But it will be something. Do you trust me to do that? Yeah, I trust you, he said with a smile. I leaned over and kissed him. I was excited to do this. It represented the very best I had to offer him. Showering separately, Nero stayed in bed until I was done. I wanted to head downstairs first to start putting in time with his mother. Morning. Everyone said looking like they had been up for hours. Morning. Are we late for breakfast? A little. Where's Nero? I can scrabble a few more eggs to go along with the French toast I've cooked, Cage suggested. You made French toast. I turned to Quinn. How are you still so thin? Believe me, it's all genetics, Quinn said with a smile. Nero will probably be down in a few minutes. He was right behind me. I'll get started, Cage said going to work. Miss Roman, you must love having a son who cooks like this. I asked the woman I sat next to. I just love having my son back. I don't care how he cooks, she said looking at Cage with joy. I could tell that she wasn't going to be hard to get to know. Since I don't know anyone and everyone else is going to be running, do you mind if I hang out with you today? I asked her casually. It would be my pleasure, the dark-haired woman said wrapping my hand in hers. Once Nero joined us, we sat around the table and planned our day. Most of the planning was Cage and Nero gently teasing Quinn about the mascot costume he agreed to wear. Hey, I helped him make that thing, I said defending him. It was even his idea, Quinn said. So, you're the one painting the target on my baby's back? Cage asked amused. It's a moonshine festival. I thought he should be wearing a moonshine jug. And when drunk rednecks try to pop his cork and drink him, what are you gonna do then? Nero asked playfully. Well I thought the two of you did a wonderful job, Nero's mom said coming to our defense. I grabbed her arm wrapping mine around hers. Thank you Miss Roman. I turned to the guys. See. And you should always listen to your mama. Everyone laughed, having a good time. After Nero and I cleaned up, we packed up the trucks and headed to the festival. Nero's mom rode with us. When we got there, I saw everything in a new light. Most of the booths were deserts or moonshine. But there were a few that were less clear. What is she selling? I asked Nero as he, his mother and I approached. I think she's doing palm reading. Do you need your future told? Nero said with a laugh. I looked at Nero, wondering why he was so dismissive of it. Didn't he grow up among people who could do magic? You don't want to know your future? I asked. My future is what I make it. I don't need someone to tell me what I want to hear. But knowing what's coming can guide you. 
Wouldn't you want a cheat sheet for a game if you could get one? I'm just fine taking things as they come, thank you very much. Well, I want to know. I turned to his mother. Do you mind if we go over? She seemed to share some of Nero's hesitance but agreed with a smile. Maybe it was a wolf shifter thing to shy away from magic. Whatever the case, I wasn't going to let them stop me from finding out everything I could about what I was and where I came from. I led the two of them over to the middle-aged woman who sat in front of a small table. She was dressed like an elementary school teacher, but when she saw me a light brightened in her eyes. You, the woman said staring at me. You are the one I came here to talk to. Me? Really? I asked, wondering if Dr. Tom had told her about our meeting. Sit. Give me your hand, she said gesturing to the chair across from her. I sat looking back at Nero and his mother. They weren't impressed. Holding out my hand she took it and gently rubbed my palm. You have great power around you. I chuckled. I don't feel like I have great power. It flows through you. You're connected to it. Okay. Does it say how I can access it? It's already there whenever you need it. I didn't know what to say to that. I also see great tragedy in your past. Do you see my parents? I see sadness surrounding them. They didn't want to leave you, but they had to. I was captivated. Can you see why they had to leave me? Fear. They were running from something. Can you see what? It is unclear. But you will see them again. I paused. I'll see them again. You will. I searched my mind trying to figure out how that could be possible. They died. There was no question whether or not it was them. There were dental records and a lot of evidence. Okay, I told her sure that she was mistaken. You are doubtful but it is what I see. Can I ask you a personal question? What is it? Are you a phi? Her eyes bounced up to the two people standing behind me before returning. Are you new to town? I'm visiting. Nero brought me to talk to Dr. Tom about what I am. And what did he say? I looked back at Nero wondering if I was allowed to share it. He didn't make a move to stop me, so I did. He said he wasn't sure. You have a great power around you, she repeated. It is what I see. But do you know if I'm Phi? Or my parents? I've told you all I know, she said leaning back. Assuming it was the end of my reading, I slowly stood. Okay. What do I owe you for the reading? No charge. It was a message I was meant to give you. Now that I've delivered it, I can go home. Oh. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. She nodded and got up collecting her things. When the three of us were far enough away that the woman couldn't hear us, Nero leaned over. She was my third grade teacher. Was she? Yeah. And do see why I don't like getting my fortune read? I stared at him confused. No. Why? Kendall, she didn't tell you anything. It was the same thing with Dr. Tom. No one tells you anything. Then they want all of this thanks for doing nothing and maybe making things worse. I was about to point out what she said about seeing my parents again and that I had great power, but I didn't. His opinion felt like it had more to do with his history with Dr. Tom than what the doctor and palm reader had said. So, if one day I get access to my great power and I offer to read your future, I'll say that you don't have to tell me all of the things I'm going to do to you when we're alone. Because I already know.
I looked over at his mother, embarrassed. Nero. What? I didn't say what those things were. I'm just said that there are things. And there will be a lot of them. Nero was saying it with a smile, but I was sure I was turning beet red. My face felt hot enough to fry an egg. I swatted at his shoulder, and he laughed. Intertwining my arm with his, I pulled him tight and faced ahead ignoring him. Do you think there's alcohol in those muffins? Nero's mother asked, referring to a booth ahead of us. Only one way to find out, Nero joked before leading us there. Purchasing a few of the muffins, we ate them and found Cage and Quinn. Quinn was walking around in her mascot costume posing for pictures with people while Cage attentively kept watch. It's quite the turnout, Cage said scanning the area. Dr. Sonia should be pleased. Titus should be too. He's all about these types of things, Nero said. I turned to Quinn. You all right in there? We didn't make armholes or a hole to breathe through. Oh yeah, I realized with a laugh. Sorry, it was my first moonshine jug costume. I'm dying in here. You can take it off whenever you want, you know? I think you've done your duty, Cage told him. No, I can do it. I just need some water. Quinn, why didn't you tell me that? Okay, I'm gonna get this one some water. What do you think? Pop the cork and pour it in? Cage said with a smirk. It's not funny. Quinn exclaimed. We all silently laughed. We had made eye holes, but we had covered it with a fabric that made it hard to see through. I didn't think he would catch us. You know I can see you laughing, right? It's not funny. That's right everyone, Cage said pretending he wasn't laughing too. It's not funny. Quinn is doing something very nice for everyone. We should all thank him for it. Quinn you're doing a great job, Miss Roman said. Bang up job, Nero told him. You are wearing that moonshine jug. I said enthusiastically. Whatever. Cage led me away from here. You got it gorgeous, Cage said looking back at us with a smile. Nero, let the wolves know that we're meeting beyond those trees in 30 minutes. Nero hesitated before he replied. Sure. Remembering what Dr. Tom had said about Cage's alpha power, I wondered if Nero had agreed willingly or if he didn't have a choice. In either case, it was interesting following Nero around as he did it. I would never have guessed which of the attendees were the wolf shifters. Typically they were the younger, fitter people, but not entirely. The guy Nero said he worked for was mostly belly. And there were a number of them with more gray than dark hair. I guess you're gonna join them? I asked as people headed for the trees. I guess, he said looking tired. It'll be good. You should have fun. That's what this is supposed to be, right? I don't know what this is supposed to be. I think Cage wants this to be a bonding experience or something. Then you should bond. It'll be good for you. Nero gave me a look that made me second-guess my suggestion. At least it's gonna give your mother and me a chance to talk, I said reminding him that that was the plan. I don't think it'll be more than an hour, he said resigning to going. We'll be here, I told him wondering if he was going to kiss me goodbye. He stared into my eyes seeming to consider it, but left without doing it. Maybe we weren't there yet. I'm sure that was my fault. But my heart ached that he hadn't even tried. Once he was far enough that I knew he wasn't going to look back at me, I turned to his mother. So what should we do? For the next hour we walked around spending time at each of the booths. For her it seemed like a reintroduction to old friends. Everyone mentioned how good she looked and she credited having Cage back. When she was done with that and no one was back, 
I began asking questions starting with the most basic ones possible. Hearing Nero's stories, I had an idea of what I should avoid. I think I succeeded and by the time Nero returned, she was telling me about where she grew up. It was in a nearby town. Somewhere 50 miles from here. I anxiously wanted to ask Nero how things had gone. But I knew if I asked him, I would lose the momentum I had gained with his mother. So knowing I could talk to him about his run later, I continued with our conversation only slightly acknowledging his arrival. You wanted to be a ballerina when you grew up? I asked, hoping Nero's arrival hadn't changed the mood. With tears filling her eyes, she tightened her lips and shook her head. You wanted to be a dancer, mama. I didn't know that about you, he said as if coming down from a high. I thought that his wild-eyed energy would cause his mother to withdraw, but she didn't. She turned to him with a softened look on her face and replied. I took classes and was very good. That's why you can dance around the field like you do. You got that from me. Seeing the opportunity, I asked, not from his dad. She didn't respond. I was thinking she would ignore it completely until she said, he got his athletics from his dad. He got his dancing from me. I didn't react because I was trying to keep her comfortable. But Nero, as amped as he was, couldn't help himself. He stared at her with his mouth hanging open. I got it from my dad. That's what I said. Should we get one of Dr. Sonia's coconut tarts to go? As good as they are I'm surprised she still has any left, she said changing the topic. Maybe. But what I really want to know is. I subtly put my hand on Nero's forearm to silence him. I'm sure it was hard for him considering he still hadn't completely calmed down, but he took my suggestion. Now that she unlocked the door to her past, I knew I could get her to open it. It was going to be a delicate operation, and it made me feel even closer to Nero knowing that he trusted me to execute it. After buying the last of her tarts, Nero had a brief conversation with Dr. Sonia and we headed home. The sun set as we drove. Apart from Nero still seeming a little wired, everyone was in a good mood. So when I suggested that we have drinks on the veranda, everyone agreed. When did you move here? I asked her. A long time ago. I can barely remember it anymore. What brought you here? I was pregnant with Nero, she said putting her hand on his forearm with a smile. I can't imagine raising a baby by myself. Did you know anyone here? I didn't know a soul. Then why here? When you're a shifter and you don't have a pack, there aren't a lot of options. But I had heard things here and there about this town and who lived here, so I decided to give it a try. I didn't know anyone heard about this town, Nero snipped. I held up my hand quieting him. I was getting a lot of answers, so I didn't want him to accidentally change the mood. He tensed when he saw my gesture, but he listened. That was one of the reasons I chose here, because the town wasn't well known. I hear a lot of people like small towns because it gives them a chance to be anonymous. Was that you? Her pleasant demeanor melted into deep thought. That was one of the reasons. I matched her mood. Did it have to do with what happened to Cage? I can't imagine what it must be like to be told he had died when you knew he hadn't. It was very hard on me. How did you even function after something like that? I didn't. Not for a long time. I guess it helps to have someone supporting you as you did. I didn't have anyone. What about Cage's father? He must have been there for you, wasn't he? He didn't want me to have Cage in the first place. Oh no. He was completely against it. But he knew you were pregnant. Yeah. And you told him what happened at the hospital.
I told him. And the look he gave me afterward, told me all I needed to know. What do you mean? What did his look tell you? That he had something to do with why I didn't have my baby, she said looking into my eyes with sadness. That's horrible. What do you think he did? I don't know. Do you think he had Cage kidnapped? I can't be sure. All I know was that it changed me. I couldn't get back to the person I was before, and eventually, he didn't want to have anything to do with me. That's when I came up with a plan. I was going to get back what he took from me. One day I asked to come by his place telling him, if I did, I would leave him alone forever. He agreed. When I got there, I made him his favorite drink and dropped something in it a fi had made me, she said with a smile. What was it? She paused and then said, it was something that would help me to get what I deserved from him but he wouldn't remember. Her words hung in the air, taking a moment to sink in. And that's how I was born, Nero said, putting it all together. That's how I got you, she said squeezing his forearms and staring into his eyes. You drugged him. Her tight-lipped smile dropped. She let him go and sat up. I did what I had to do to get back what he had taken from me, she said looking down. So I'm only here because you. Nero, do you mind getting me another drink, I said cutting him off. He turned to me knowing what I was doing. I stared at him wide-eyed and shook my empty glass. He looked like he was about to ignore me when headlights lit the veranda. It was Cage and Quinn pulling up. I'm feeling tired. It's been a long day. I hope you two don't mind if I head to bed early. Of course not. Do we, Nero? Nero met my unwavering glare and then relented. Of course not, Mama. She got up. And tell Cage and Quinn I said goodnight. We will. I told her before she went inside and disappeared for the night. When she was gone, Nero turned to me and snapped. What did you do that for? What did I do? You kept shutting me up like that. You wanted answers, right? I was getting you your answers. The only answer I got was that I'm here because Mama raped some man. Shiss? Keep your voice down. Don't tell me to shut up. You heard her. She was mad because my dad took what she really wanted from her so she drugged and raped him to get me. You heard her say it. I was trying to think of some other way I could frame it, but my mind wasn't moving fast enough. He was right. That was what she had just explained. How do you make someone feel better once they learn that their existence is the result of rape? What are you two drinking? Cage said standing in the doorway with a smile. Nero looked at him with anger. What? Nero stared at him for a moment, and then ripped off his shirt and shifted into a wolf. The suddenness of it startled me. Nero's wolf looked me in the eyes and fear rushed through me. When it took a step toward me, I flinched. But instead of attacking me, it leaped over the railing and disappeared into the darkness. My heart pounded. I had seen him shift before. But this time it was because he was angry at me. Could he have done to me what he had to Evan? What just happened? Cage asked me confused. I wasn't sure how much to tell him. This had to do with him as much as it did Nero. But was it my place to say anything? On the other hand, if he knew, maybe he could help Nero process it in a way I couldn't. Your mother just shared something about how Nero was born, I told him hesitantly. What? He asked approaching me. I'm not sure if I should be the one to say. What's going on? Quinn said stepping outside and seeing the tension. Kendall said that Mama just told them something about how Nero was born, and Nero shifted and took off. She told you two something about their father.
Not exactly, I said. Whatever it is, you have to tell us, Quinn insisted. This has been something Cage has been wondering about his whole life. You need to tell us, Kendall. There's no other choice you can make. I still didn't know if I should but I did. I told them what their mother had said to me and why. It was something I was hoping I could do for Nero. I thought knowing would help him. Now he's just... I don't know. You didn't know what she would say. Neither did I, Quinn said. But you had a feeling he wouldn't like it. I asked. I had a feeling. What do I do now? I asked looking between them. Nero's been through a lot in his life. He'll figure out how to deal with this. I just wish it wasn't something that made him feel he wasn't wanted. He has enough of those. Yeah he does, I confirmed remembering the horror stories he had told me. So what do I do now? The two of them looked at each other. They didn't have a clue. Neither did I. Did I stay outside waiting for him to come back? If he didn't, did I sleep in my own room tonight? Or did I climb into his bed and wait up for him, hoping we could talk this out? I didn't know. Not wanting to decide, I stayed on the veranda. Grabbing drinks, Cage and Quinn joined me. The fun time everyone had had beforehand was gone. But we continued to talk. Quinn told me about her experience as the mascot. Cage described what it was like running with such a large pack. And I told them everything I had learned about what I was. Even if I hadn't met Nero, I was pretty sure that I would have liked Quinn and Cage. They were both great people. More than that they were starting to feel like friends. When they headed to bed, I did too. I wasn't going to return to the guest bedroom. Nero might have needed space, but I didn't want to create distance between us. I loved him. I wanted to be with him. Entering his empty room, I undressed and crawled into bed. As I lied there, I decided that if he got back after I fell asleep and wanted to use my body to feel better, I would be okay with it. But he didn't. And when I woke up the next morning, there weren't any signs he had slept there. Getting dressed and going in search of him, I found him downstairs ready to leave. I was the last one down, so Quinn and Nero were waiting on me. I'm sorry. You could have woken me, I explained. That's okay, Quinn said. My first class is this afternoon. Yours is at 8 a.m., isn't it? Nero asked. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. What time is it? I asked. 6.15, Nero said looking at me like we were strangers. Yeah, I guess we should go. Is your mother up? I should say goodbye. She doesn't usually get up until 7.30, Cage told me. And she had a few drinks yesterday, so she might decide to sleep in. Then I'll get my stuff. I said goodbye to Cage, letting him know how much fun I had had. And driving back to campus, it was again Quinn and I who did all of the talking. What building is your class in? I'll drop you there. I told Nero, and we pulled up in front of it. I was only 10 minutes late. I had a lot of fun this weekend, I told Quinn who sat in the backseat. Thank you so much for inviting me. We're all really glad you came. I looked over at Nero. This weekend was nice. He didn't look at me. Yeah. I'll text you. I wanted him to kiss me by. He didn't. After being as affectionate as he had been all weekend, it couldn't be because Quinn was there. It had to be what he had learned about his birth. He was clearly having a hard time dealing with it. Okay, I told him before collecting my travel bag, getting out of the truck and watching him drive away. As much as I wanted to stand there thinking about what I should do next with Nero, 
I knew I had to get to class. Entering as quietly as I could, I found a seat in the back and pulled out my phone to take notes. When the class ended, my plan was to sneak out. Kendall, can I speak to you for a moment? Professor Nandan said as I tried. As large as the class was, I didn't think he would notice that I was late. I was readying my excuse when he brought up something else. How's your experience with Nero going? Oh, of course he was asking me about my time with Nero. The student counselor program is what he had been working on his whole career. I think it's going well. In fact, that's why I was late. He had invited me to the town where he grew up so I could get better insight into the origins of his issues. He invited you to go home with him? Yeah. There was also a festival this weekend. I had helped his brother's boyfriend build a costume for it, so he was the one who actually invited me. I mean they both did. But I went because of Quinn. Quinn. His brother's boyfriend. He has a house there. They moved into it this weekend. I thought about it and laughed. I guess there was a lot going on. Professor Nandan stared at me suspiciously. What? It's my mistake for not saying this before, but dating someone you're trying to help is never a good idea. Dating? I said feeling my face flush. No. Why would you suggest that? It's okay if you are dating him. I don't want to make it seem like there would be anything wrong with it. But if you are, I will have to assign someone else as his counselor. Why? Trust and consistency are the two bedrocks to counseling. It is often what allows people to open up and work through their feelings. I'm both of those things. And that's great. But the complexity introduced by intimate relationships often interrupts that. Again, there's nothing wrong if you two are dating. It would mean you've made progress with your bias against football players. But as a person trusted with Nero's mental health, I would be required to remove you from your role with him. I looked at my professor, not knowing what to say, but knowing I had to say something soon. Weren't Nero and I dating? Hadn't we had sex? Hadn't he told me he loved me? Didn't I love him? At the same time, I didn't want anyone else to be assigned to him. He was making tremendous progress with me as his counselor. He had opened up so much. And hadn't I gotten the answer to a question he had wondered about his whole life? Sure, we might have experienced a bump in the road as he's processing it. But I was the one who had done that for him. No one else could have. I'm the only one who could help him in the way he needs it. I'm positive about that. Don't worry, Professor Nandan. The two of us are just counselor and counseled, I said with a forced smile. And, I think he's making a lot of headway. He's opened up a lot. I think I'm helping him. Professor Nandan looked at me skeptically, but relented. Well, I'm glad to hear that. His coach did mention that he's been playing better than ever. See, I've been helping him. You can trust me, Professor Nandan. I have his best interest at heart. That's good to hear, he said, finally relaxing. But keep in mind that your counseling doesn't give you permission to be late for my class. I'm sorry about that. It'll never happen again. Or at least I'll try, I said with a smile. You do that, he said smiling back. As sure as I was that I was the one who could best help Nero, my professor's words did linger as I walked back to my room. I knew the rule against dating someone you're helping. Everyone does. I never thought I would have to worry about it, because I never thought I would date anyone much less a client. Yet here I was sleeping with the first person whose mental health I had been entrusted with. What did that say about me? 
I would like to think that this was a special circumstance. Not only did I kiss him before he had been assigned to me, but he was a supernatural being who had helped me realize that I might be able to do magic. If there's anything that gets someone on a freebie list, it's got to be that. Besides, wasn't it Nero's attraction to me that got him to open up? Would he have come out to a complete stranger? He certainly wouldn't have invited them to his place for the weekend. And if they weren't in his hometown, Nero couldn't take them to the lake and share his painful story. No, it was a good thing that the two of us had the relationship we did. It was helping him. But as his counselor, maybe it was better if I slowed things down. I wanted to be his boyfriend. I wanted to rush to his side and wrap my arms around him until he felt better. However, a good counselor would give him the time and space he needed to process it all. He said that he would text me. So instead of pushing him, I would wait for his text. It would be what a typical therapist would have to do. And it wasn't like I needed to hear from him every day. It wasn't like I needed him to breathe or anything. Evan Carter. Prickle shot through my body like jagged rocks. I whipped around replaying the image in my mind. I saw Evan Carter. It took me a moment to realize it but I had. At least I thought I had. I thought I had seen him standing in the quad staring at me. I didn't see him now. Scanning everywhere, I didn't even see someone trying to hide or get away. Had it just been in my head? Double-checking my surroundings, I considered that it could have been. Thinking I had seen Evan when I hadn't wasn't a new thing. It used to happen a lot, especially my freshman year. I used to think I saw him everywhere. He was the boogeyman, sitting in my periphery. Whenever I looked for him though, he was never there. But all that had stopped. I had barely thought about him after Nero beat the shit out of him. I had gotten my justice. What Nero had done had allowed me to move on. Recentering myself, I took a deep breath and continued to my room. I reminded myself that I didn't have to be scared of Evan Carter anymore. Nero had taken care of it for me. Nero had put the fear of God in him. There was no way he would dare show his face here even if he knew where I was. But I was sure that he didn't. And I knew Nero would keep me safe, that is if we were still together. Initially, I thought questioning how Nero felt about me was me being insecure. After all, we had spent the weekend together opening up about the most intimate parts of our lives and having sex. No one could go cold that quickly. But as the days passed and I hadn't heard from him, I began to wonder. Could I really mean so little to him that he could disappear for days without a word? Sure, he was dealing with some heavy stuff about how he was born, but didn't he love me? Why didn't he want to share what he was thinking with me? What are you doing? Corey asked me as I stared at my phone. I'm trying to make my phone ring with my mind, I explained. That's what I thought you were doing. You know that you could just text him, right? I can't. Why not? Because he said he would text me. So that means you can't text him. Kind of. And you've determined this how? I don't know. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Is there a rule book somewhere I didn't see? Corey joked. Isn't there? Huh? Corey said getting into bed. What? I thought a relationship between two guys would be different. What do you mean? I guess I thought that it was only with a guy and girl that someone wished the other person would text instead of just texting. Are you saying that I'm the girl in this relationship, or whatever is going on between Nero and me? Corey sat up defensively. I did not say that. Your words. Not mine. He paused. 
but now that you've said it, aren't you kinda acting that way? I didn't know how to respond. I didn't find it insulting that he was implying I was the girl, and I didn't think Corey meant it to be. But what he was also implying was that I wasn't being active in the creation of my life. That didn't sit well with me. Since getting back to campus, I had thought a lot about what Dr. Tom had told me. There was a spell cast on me. Who had done it and why? Was it supposed to protect me from danger? It didn't save me from Evan. So as far as I could tell, all it did was hide me from the world. What if I had casted it on myself? What would that say about me? Did I want to be a person who ran and hid from things, and who waited for things to happen to me? Or was I someone who faced life head-on and controlled my own destiny? You're right. If I want to talk to him, I should just text him. I don't know why I was waiting. I stared at my phone. Then why aren't you texting him? Give me a second. I could feel Corey's hot gaze on me as I sat there. You're still not texting him. All right. I'll text him. I just need to figure out what to say. Hi. Hello. Why haven't you texted me all week, you inconsiderate asshole? Those are all good options. I stared at Corey surprised. You should not be more upset about this than I am. It's just that you said things happened between you two last weekend, and then he ghosted you. That's bullshit. First of all, he didn't ghost me. At least, I don't think he did. And second of all, he's got stuff going on. You've got stuff going on. Hasn't he thought about that? You deserve to be happy too, you know. As grateful as I was for Corey's righteous anger, I hadn't told him anything about what I learned about myself or my new supernatural world. He didn't know what I was dealing with. So where was this coming from? Is everything alright, Corey? He froze. What do you mean? You seem animated tonight. Is everything good between you and Kelly? He stared at me like a deer caught in headlights. No. Everything's fine. I'm just worried about you. That's all. He paused and stared at me. I must not have given him the response he was looking for, because when he spoke again, he spit fire. When a person is going through something, the guy he's with should be there for him. It's not right. You shouldn't have to put up with that. You don't deserve that. You don't, he insisted. Okay, I'll text Nero. See, I'm texting him, I said exaggerating my typing while reading aloud. Hey Nero, long time no hear from. Did you want to get together to talk about what happened? I pressed the button. See, I sent it. It's done. You don't have to be mad at me. I'm not mad at you. It's. My phone dinged stopping him mid-sentence. We both looked at each other. Is that him? Corey asked. I checked. Yeah. Corey sat next to me on my bed and looked at my screen as I read it. He says he's flying out for an away game tomorrow morning. Did you know he had an away game this weekend? No. Ask him if he wants to get together tonight, Corey suggested. I looked at Corey to figure out what was going on. You are awfully invested in this. What? I just want to see you happy. Text it. I did what he said and quickly got a reply. Can't. Getting up early, I read. What do I text now? I asked with a hint of snark. Corey leaned back deep in thought. He really was invested in this more than I was. I wasn't sure what it was but something was going on with Corey. Maybe you wish him luck on the game and ask if you could get together when he gets back. 
I shrugged and typed it, figuring it was as good of a reply as any. Sent. Okay, was what followed. Corey returned to his bed looking more nervous than I was. It felt like he was living vicariously through me. What was up with that? I certainly appreciated not going through this alone. But he was a happily married man, or something close to it. Why would he want to vicariously live my gay relationship? I set that mystery aside and returned my thoughts to Nero. He had replied to my texts very quickly. It didn't seem like he was playing games. Then why hadn't I heard from him? Had he just been waiting for me to reach out? Knowing that I needed a fix of Nero one way or another, I sent a text to Quinn. Are you around this weekend? He didn't reply as quickly as Nero, but I didn't have to wait long to hear back from him. I have to work this weekend so I'll be around. Dinner Saturday night? Sure. I would have preferred to have Nero, but Quinn was a great consolation prize. I liked spending time with Quinn. He was the first guy they first felt I had a lot in common with. Corey was great and had been a lifesaver over the years. But he was popular in high school. He grew up with a loving family and has been in a relationship since birth. He was probably even human. The biggest challenge Corey has ever had to deal with was choosing the picture for his family's Christmas card. I was terrorized in high school by a wolf shifter and lacked a scent. There weren't too many areas we could connect on. Looking forward to our dinner almost as much as a date, I was excited when our meeting time rolled around. Frankly, I was also a little nervous. If it wasn't for Nero and the fact that Quinn wasn't my physical type, I would think I was developing a crush on him. This is a nice place, I told him when we arrived at the Italian restaurant. It was one of the first places I went with Lou and Cage. I don't think I've met Lou. He's my roommate. I know. Nero's mentioned him. Really? Quinn asked confused. He came up in a conversation about Titus. About Titus? Yeah. Aren't they dating or something? Quinn laughed. Why would you think they're dating? His reaction surprised me. I don't know. Maybe it was something that Nero said. I think they're just friends. Okay. I would still like to meet him sometime. Maybe I'll book a slot in his schedule for a game night. That is, as long as you and Nero are free. Sounds good. By the way, have you heard from Nero? From Nero? Not really. He doesn't reach out to me like that. Oh. He's not a texter? He's pretty good at replying. But I don't think I've ever gotten a text from him asking me how I was doing. That sounds like him, I said feeling relieved. By the way, how are things going with him? You two seemed snuggly last weekend. You know, before he shifted and ran into the woods. I thought things were going great. But then his mom said what she did and now he's MIA. I wouldn't worry about it. He can get like that. If you give him a few days, I'm sure things will settle, Quinn said as he pulled his phone out of his pocket. Flicking the screen on, Quinn squinted as he read a text. With a few more swipes, I heard the audio from a video. As soon as someone woohooed, he lowered the volume. Continuing to watch, Quinn looked more uncomfortable. What is it? Quinn opened his mouth to speak then stopped and watched the video to the end. You're freaking me out a little, Quinn. What's going on? Quinn looked up at me rattled. Cage just sent me a video that his old teammate posted on one of his socials. What was the video? Um, Quinn's eyes bounced around. Seriously, Quinn. You're freaking me out. Sorry. 
Maybe you should just watch it. Quinn handed me his phone. The first frame of the video filled the screen. It was of Nero. He had a woman dancing on his lap, and she was butt-ass naked. I looked up at Quinn who was stone-faced. Returning to the phone I pressed play. I couldn't tell if he was in a strip club or somewhere else. But there were other football player-looking guys standing around watching as Nero motorboated the naked woman's huge breasts. What was most upsetting was that he seemed to love it. He stared at her body wide-eyed. When she moved her naked hips to grind inches from his face, his head dipped in as if he wanted to take her into his mouth. It was as he dipped forward a second time that the video cut off. I'm sorry, Quinn said looking at me heartbroken. But it's important to remember that it could have been worse. How? He could have shifted into a wolf and killed everyone there. Quinn suggested with an empathetic shrug. I thought about it. Would that have been worse? At least I wouldn't have had to see it, because there wouldn't have been anyone alive to post it. Okay fine. That would have been worse. But not for the person who loved him. Did he have naked women dance on him every time he had a road trip? Was she the type of girl he really wanted? Had I been a fool to fall for Nero? I had walked away from him the day at the pond because he was a football player. I had thought that it was football players who hurt me. But was it football players or wolf shifters? Because after watching the video, I felt as bad as I had from anything Evan did to me. And the thing the two people who had hurt me the most had in common was the wild animal that lived inside of them. Kendall, I don't think this is Nero. You don't think that's him in the video? No, it's him. But I don't see him choosing to do something like that. Yet there he is doing it. Where did you say Cage found it? I think it was on an ex-teammate's Instagram account. So everyone has seen this? Not everyone. I'm sure it's just a few people. I'm going to ask Cage to ask his teammate to take it down. As Quinn texted, I thought about what I had just seen. Hadn't Nero talked about wanting to go pro? Why would he put himself in this situation? Do you think Nero knows the video was posted? I asked Quinn. I don't know. Cage didn't say whether he sent it to him. I'll text him about it, I said curious about what Nero would say. After I hit send, I waited for a response. If nothing else, Nero was always a fast responder. But this time nothing. I stared at the phone waiting for it. When it became clear that nothing was coming, I placed my phone beside my plate face up. It was possible that whatever was developing between Nero and me was over. Maybe this was his way of telling me. It would be an insanely self-destructive way. But if he wasn't in a good place, he could do anything. Cage sent the video to Nero. I told him to let me know if he hears back from him. Quinn and I continued to eat dinner, but the night was clearly ruined. It felt like neither of us had anything to say. If things were over between Nero and me, didn't that mean that Nero would take Quinn with him? They were practically family. Who was I past a guy Nero had sex with? When dinner was over, I reached for the check to split it, and Quinn insisted on paying. I led him. Nero had told me Quinn's background and I had spent the weekend in his home. If he wanted to treat me to dinner, I was fine with it. So I'll see you soon? I asked him as we stood in front of the restaurant. Yeah. We should do this again. Absolutely. Whatever weekend you're in town. Sure, Quinn said with a smile. I wanted to hug him, but I didn't think he was a hugging sort of guy. I wasn't sure I was either. So instead we went our separate ways and I walked home. 
Crossing back onto campus, I checked my phone. Nero still hadn't replied. Was it because he was on a plane? Was he just ignoring me? The worst version of every scenario raced through my mind when I suddenly spun around. With the door to my dorm room feet in front of me, I thought I saw someone in my periphery. Evan Carter. I had been distracted, but thinking back on the last ten minutes, I remembered the feeling that someone had been following me. With my heart racing, I checked the shadows. Was I just being paranoid? Why would he be here? Hadn't Nero made clear what would happen if he ever came looking for me? And with Nero slipping out of my life, what protection would I have if it was Evan? Not finding anyone, I jogged to my building never taking my eyes off of the darkness behind me. When I was safely inside, I peered through the small glass in the door searching for him. Nothing moved. Maybe I was going insane. Had the shaky connection between Nero and me triggered something? I thought I was over this. I thought I had worked past my Evan Carter nightmares. You okay? Corey asked when I entered our dorm room. I don't know. What's going on? He said giving me his full attention. I wasn't sure what I should tell him. There's a video of Nero getting a lap dance at a strip club. Oh. Is that why he punched his friend? I stared at Corey and froze. My brain backfired processing what he said. Where did that come from? I didn't say he punched a friend. Did you mean Evan? Evan wasn't his friend. I'm sorry. I don't know why I asked that. Sorry. Corey looked away panicked. He scanned the room and then got up as if he were about to run out. Wait. Stop. Why did you ask that question? Corey slowed and then looked at me. I got confused I guess. I must have mixed up the two stories, he said nervously. And then as if changing the topic he added, what an asshole. You're the most handsome guy the first know. He's an idiot for doing anything at a strip club. He doesn't deserve you. I did not know what was going on with Corey. He was definitely acting weird again. It felt like he was lying. But why and about what? Not having the energy to think about it, I let it go. Thinking about my situation, again tears filled my eyes. I think I might be losing him, I admitted. Oh Kendall, Corey said wrapping his arms around me. What is it about me that no one can love? I asked. Having asked the question that had haunted me for so long, I couldn't pretend any longer. I melted into tears. As Corey gripped me tighter, I put my head on his shoulder. Corey didn't let me go the entire night. Falling asleep, I even dreamed of him. In the dream, I was telling him about Nero's hometown and everyone I met there. But it was less like I was telling him and more like the images were slipping out of me and I was trying to explain them. That was the dream I was having when I woke up. Once I was awake, Corey woke up too. He quickly pulled away. Bolting out of my bed he said, sorry, and scrambled unable to look me in the eyes. Collecting his towel and bath supplies, he scurried towards the door. Was he acting like this because we had just spent the night cuddling? Should we talk about? No. He said startling me. Realizing how harsh he had said it, he calmed himself. I told Kelly I would meet up with her for breakfast. I gotta go, he told me before exiting for the showers. Figuring out what was going on with Corey was a good distraction. But eventually, my mind turned back to what was going on with Nero. Picking up my phone, I still didn't find a reply. He wasn't going to text me back. What we had had really was over. I had no idea what had gone wrong between us. My chest ached thinking about it.
Getting out of bed to get breakfast, I went through my day like a zombie. I didn't understand. It was just a week ago that I was lying in Nero's arms. Why had this happened? Mercifully, the day eventually ended and I fell asleep. I was not looking forward to seeing Professor Nandan for my 8 a.m. class. Trying to hide in back, there was a moment when our eyes connected. Crap. He had seen me. Please reference your syllabus for this week's reading. And Kendall, can I see you before you go? The professor said collecting his notes and packing his bag. I did not want to speak to him. Last week he had warned me about mixing counseling with relationships. It didn't even take a week for him to be proven right. I thought I had it all under control. But now Nero wasn't even texting me back. Everything was a mess. There's a video with Nero circulating online. Have you seen it? What? I think it's from the away trip he just took. Anyway, it's become a national story. Really? Why? Because Nero is considered to be the best draft prospect at his position. ESPN has been keeping an eye on him for a while. So when they found the video, it gave them something to talk about. I... I didn't know. You haven't spoken to him recently. The last time was on Thursday. Huh. Well, to do a little damage control on Nero's career, the university's public relations team has set up an interview with a news outlet. Considering you're his student counselor, I thought it would be good if you were there. Me? Yeah. Would you be okay with that? I considered it. As I did, it became clear why separating emotions and therapy was so important. I hurt thinking about how big of a mistake I had made. Now the question was, would I admit to my professor that Nero and I had had sex so he could replace me and I could fight for our relationship? Or would I prove to myself that I could be a professional by pushing my feelings for Nero aside and being there for him like I was supposed to be? Chapter 10 Nero Everything was spinning. It was like life had become a merry-go-round. I wasn't meant to have been born. My mother had drugged whoever the unlucky man was and had raped him. And she had done it because she had lost the son she really wanted. Where did that leave me? I was a mistake. I should never have existed. How was I supposed to live knowing the world would be better off if I wasn't here? Ever since I had learned the truth from my mother, things around me became more and more hazy. It was like I was losing control of the steering wheel of my life. I hadn't meant to let Kendall slip away but I had. I hadn't wanted to go to a New Orleans strip club, but I went. And I certainly didn't want a lap dance. But once my teammates pushed her on me, my wolf took over. Now everyone's pissed and it doesn't matter how awful my wolf and I felt about it afterwards. Cage is texting me about it. Coach is telling me that I might not get drafted because of it. And I'm pretty sure I've lost my boyfriend. I'm not 100% on that because I still hadn't replied to him sending me the video. I couldn't handle knowing that the only guy I've ever loved hated me. There was a limit to how much I could take. Are you ready to do this? Coach asked when he joined me in his office. Yeah. Whatever. He paused and stared down at me on the couch. Do you not want to be here? Because let me remind you that we're only here to salvage your professional career. But if you don't give a shit about it, then we could tell everyone to go home and be done with it right now. No. I want to do this. I just... It's not fair. What's not fair? That everyone is bending over backward to save your reputation. 
Well, sometimes life isn't fair. But I didn't want the lap dance. I didn't ask for it. And if you acted like that in the video, then we wouldn't be here. Look, what's happened has happened. Do you want to deal with it head on, or let the millions of people who now only know you as the strip club guy on East Tennessee's football team define how the rest of your life goes? You want to take charge of your future, or let your past dictate what happens next? I thought about that. Yeah, my life was spinning out of control, and not for the first time. But even when I was a kid, the one thing I knew I could count on was football. I was good at it. And it didn't matter what my mother was doing or not doing. It didn't matter how lonely I felt. All that ever mattered was how well I could catch a pass and how fast I could get down the field. The rest of my life faded into the background when that was happening. Shifter or not, football was the only thing that had always been there for me. If I were going to fight for anything, it had to be that. I want to take charge of my future. Good. Because you could have a bright one. It was a tragedy what happened to your brother. I can't help but think of his draft-ending injury as my fault somehow. I didn't want to let you down too, he said putting his hand on my shoulder. Thanks coach, I said meaning it. Now. I'm gonna need to ask you a personal question. Are you dating anyone? What does that matter? I asked feeling my wolf tense as I thought about Kendall. Because what you did isn't illegal. You're young. You're an alpha male. Right or wrong, people will accept if you were just following your impulses. So, if you told the world that you're single, and subtly reminded them that you didn't violate any moral code, they'll forgive you. Yeah, some people are always looking to feel superior, so not everyone will give you a pass. But if you say it in the right way, the boys will be boys narrative could take hold. So I'm asking you Nero, are you single right now? I sat listening to everything he had to say. If I understood him right, he was saying that life was fucked up. Boys will be boys? What type of shit was that? But it wasn't like I ever believed that life was fair. I was turned into the worst person I could think of to survive. Was that fair? So if this was the break I got in exchange for my messed up childhood, I was gonna take it. There's nobody, I told him sure it was true. Even if there was a chance that Kendall didn't hate me, it wasn't like he would want to be with me again. I was a fucked up piece of shit mess. I wouldn't want to be with me if I could help it. So there was no way a guy as great as Kendall would. Good. So in the interview, I want you to focus on that. Say that it was innocent fun blowing off steam after a game, and that as a single guy, you hadn't meant it to hurt or embarrass anyone. But really hit the fact that you're single. And be as humble as you can be. Can you do that? Yeah. I'm serious, Roman. This is important. Not just for you but for the football program. Can you do that? Yes sir. I can do it, I said stealing my heart to what saying those words meant. Good, he said again squeezing my shoulder but this time with a smile. You're gonna do a great job out there. The interview is with the Nashville Channel 5 sports reporter. But we expect it to go viral. So try to be relaxed but don't forget that millions will be watching. So act like I'm on the field. Coach smiled. You got this. Come on, he said ushering me out of his office towards an improvised media room. By the way, the guy in charge of that program you're in for your temper insisted that I invite your student counselor. So he'll be there too. Kendall? I asked as a bolt of pain shot through my wolf. Is that his name? Coach asked before opening a door and ushering me through. In a full panic, I scanned the room. 
There he was standing next to the guy behind the camera. When our eyes met, I saw his pain. Had I done that to him? I'm sure I had. Everything in me wanted to rush over and throw my arms around him. I couldn't. And when I didn't, his gaze fell to the floor. You ready, Nero? Coach asked me, pointing me in front of a large green screen. Nero. Yeah, I'm ready, I said slowly remembering what I had to do. I didn't know what it meant that Kendall was here. Maybe he was forced to be here like I was. I couldn't let him distract me though. His presence didn't mean anything. No matter how I felt about him or who he was to me, football was still the only thing I could count on in my life, and I was going to do whatever I had to to hold onto it. The guy behind the camera approached me and gave me an earpiece. On the other end of that is a producer at the station. He'll give you a countdown to when you go live with Jill Walsh. The sports reporter's a woman? I asked turning to coach, wondering how it was going to change things. He nodded encouragingly. You know they have those now? The cameraman said before returning next to Kendall. Of course I knew there were female sports reporters, I wanted to yell. I wasn't a stupid thug. I was tired of dealing with the way everyone saw me. I couldn't take it anymore. I was going to show them. You there? You ready? The guy in the earpiece asked. I'm here. I'm ready. Standing by. We're going live in 5432. Tonight we have a special interview with Nero Roman, the East Tennessee football player, in the center of a far-reaching scandal. Nero, thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure to talk to you. I just wish it was under more pleasant circumstances like a game-winning play. And just to let the audience know, you've had a lot of those, the most of any freshman in Tennessee state history. I didn't know that, I said sincerely. I just play the game the best I can. If I'm blessed with stats like that, then it's thanks to the teammates I've been lucky to play with. So, you seem like you have your life together. How did you end up in the middle of a scandal like this? I honestly don't know. After the game, someone suggested that we go out. One thing led to another, and I guess one of my teammates recorded it. And posted it online. And posted it. But I'd like to point out that, we were just blowing off steam. It wasn't like I was cheating on anyone. There's no one. I'm single. We were just having a little fun. So this is a case of boys being boys? She suggested to my surprise. I guess. Though I can now see how I was showing poor judgment. I deeply regret the embarrassment I brought to the East Tennessee football program and the school's community. If I regain the trust of everyone around me, I think I could make everyone proud, I said speaking out of my ass. I'm sure you will. As for East Tennessee's perfect record so far this season. We're gonna do everything we can to maintain it, and bring another national championship to East Tennessee. There you have it. The sincere words of a present and future star in Tennessee football. And we're clear, the producer said returning to the earpiece. Great interview. Even I believed you. Good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you, I told him before handing the earpiece back to the cameraman whose inner asshole had softened. Roman that was fantastic. I didn't know you had it in you, coach said with a smile. You are gonna go far in this world. Very far. I smiled and subtly looked around for Kendall. He looked as devastated as I thought he would be. Looking like he would burst into tears, he rushed out of the room. I didn't go after him. Why not? I don't know. With the coach releasing me, 
he told me to stay out of trouble, at least until the interview airs. He said it in a way that made it sound like it would be hard for me. I didn't know what to think about that. Luckily, there were other things on my mind. Mostly it was Kendall and what I had let slip through my fingers. The closer I got to my room, the more agitated my wolf got and the more rage I felt towards myself. I was such an incredible fuck-up. Everything about my life was a shit show, probably because I was the mistake who never should have been born. By the time I had made it back to my place, I was ready to explode. I tried to think of something that would calm me, but the one person who centered me was the reason I was so furious. Fighting not to shift and kill everyone around me, I grabbed my heavy wooden bed frame and flipped it. It slammed into the wall with a crash. Nothing I owned was safe after that. Anything I had that could break, I smashed against the wall. Anything that could tear I tore apart. The place was a mess with torn paper and shattered glass when I ran out of stuff. That was when I looked across the room and marched towards Titus's side. It was at that moment that the door unlocked and Titus stepped in. He scanned the room in shock. Seeing how out of control I was, he rushed to me. That was when my wolf reacted. In a flash I shifted. Locked behind my wolf's eyes, I watched as he lunged. I thought he was going for the open door, but he instead went after Titus. Before Titus could stop him my wolf's jaws were around his throat. The only thing that saved him was Titus shifting. In the confusion my wolf let him go. But in moments I tasted Titus's blood again. Tearing at him shaking him wildly Titus's wolf yelped in pain. It was madness. I was out of control. And the only thing that stopped me was when Titus's wolf fell lifeless. That was when my wolf released him and slowly backed away. Staring at the body, I froze. What had I done? He wasn't moving. Had I finally killed somebody? Was this the moment I had always been afraid would happen? It had to be. With him still limp, my wolf rushed to the open door and escaped. I could smell people in the hallway but my wolf wasn't focused on that. I knew where it was taking me. It was out of the building to my truck. It wasn't until I was in front of it that he released control and shifted back. Naked, I collected the spare keys I hid behind the wheel for situations like this. Getting in I threw on the clothes I kept in the back seat. I needed to get as far away as I could. Maybe I would drive to the lake I ran to as a kid, and this time cross it. Maybe I would drive into it and bring my miserable life to an end. I wasn't meant to be here. I wasn't meant to be alive. And the only question now was if I would have the courage to put an end to the mistake my mother had made so long ago. Chapter 11 Kendall I ran out of the media room, leaving Nero behind. I couldn't believe he had said that. Had I meant nothing to him? I thought I had. Didn't he say he loved me? I could only hold back my tears until I was outside running back to campus. With no one around, I bawled. I had been such a fool. I was an idiot to think that someone like him could love me. And it was a mistake to give someone like him a chance. Whether it was because they were football players or wolf shifters, it didn't matter. They were all the same. Perhaps Nero had found a different way to hurt me. But in every way, this was worse. At least I had my protective barrier around me in high school. Nero had gotten me to bear my heart. With it exposed, he had reached in and ripped it from my chest. As the thoughts overwhelmed me, I slowed looking for a place to collect myself. Looking around, I realized where I was. This was where Nero and I had escaped to, after I panicked realizing who I had been assigned. I found the bench we had chosen and sat down. The tears didn't stop. 
with my elbow on my knees, I cried into my hands. I had tried to push my feelings for him aside and be a professional, but how could he be so cruel? Didn't he have a heart? Hadn't he cared about me at all? Kendall, are you okay? It took a second for the words to register. Someone was standing in front of me. They were in arm's reach, and the voice sounded familiar. It took me a moment to place it, but when I did, terror tore through me like a fireball. Evan Carter. I looked up, finding the vision from my nightmares staring back at me naked. This was it. He was going to kill me for what Nero did to him. I needed to get away. Leave me alone. I said jumping up and backing off. No wait. I'm not here to hurt you. I just want to talk, he said holding up his hands. Sure you are. Just like in high school. What are you going to do this time, turn into a wolf and kill me? Jesus no. Why would you say that? Why would I say that? I asked shocked. You're standing in front of me naked. I heard you crying. I didn't think. I just shifted and ran to you. To do what? I remember all of the things you did to me in high school. I still dream about them. I can't get them out of my head. Horror flashed across Evan's face hearing my words. He was stunned. Stopping his pursuit he yelled, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, he said before falling to his knees overwhelmed. Wait, what? I didn't understand what was going on. It startled me so much that I slowed to a stop. Had he just apologized to me? He did. And it sounded like he meant it. I stood staring at him, wondering what I should do. I could walk away, but Evan had just given me what I had dreamed about for so long. And he had without a threat to his life. I was such an asshole to you. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that I'm only here because you broke into my house with that guy, and now I regret what happened. But no. I've always regretted it. There hasn't been a second I haven't hated myself for doing those things to you. Now I was really confused. I don't understand. If you regretted doing them, then why did you? Evan looked up. There were tears in his eyes. Actual tears. I didn't think he was capable of human emotions. You have to have known. Out of everyone, you had to know. There's no way you didn't. I hate to tell you this, but I don't know what the hell you're talking about, I said approaching him. Kendall, you're a wolf spy. A wolf spy? Yeah. He stared at me, waiting for some type of realization. When it didn't come, he said, Wait, how could you not know that? Didn't your parents tell you? I could have told him that it was because the people who raised me might not have known. But he didn't need to know any more about me than he already did. How about you not worry about that and explain to me what a wolf's fi is? Evan searched his mind for words. It's called a wolf's fi, but it's not just wolves, it's any type of shifter. You're like catnip for us. Once we're around you or get a whiff of you, you're hard to resist. But why? I was told it was because of your kind's access to magic. Apparently there are different types of magic. And the kind you have access to is the kind that made shifters, so we're drawn to it. But you had to have known that. Why would you say that? Because of the scent barrier. You know about it. Of course I know about it. Didn't you put it up because of me? Why would you think that? Evan twitched his head as if confused by why he would have to tell me. Freshman year. We were in the same art class. I thought back. Mr. Adderley. Yeah. So. Evan flinched painfully. 
it confused me even more. I was so insecure back then. I hadn't shifted for the first time. I hadn't found my pack yet. I was still trying to figure things out. But when I first saw you, I knew I liked. All I wanted was to talk to you. I couldn't talk to you though, because I couldn't talk to anyone. At least not easily. I would open my mouth and what was in my head wouldn't come out. And even when it did, I would stutter. But I really liked you and could barely get you out of my mind, so for weeks I practiced what I would say to you. Hey Kendall, I really like your art. Hey Kendall, I really like your art. I said it a thousand times before I walked up to you in art class. But when I was standing in front of you, you just stared at me making that motion like you were going to throw up, I suddenly remembered. I couldn't get the words out of my mouth. I had practiced so many times and I was trying so hard. And I responded by, shitting on you, I admitted. You said you and told me to get away from you. Evan froze as if locked in a stutter. He fought to say the words. You, you. Creeper, he finally spit out. It all came rushing back to me. Now I understood. Evan was a stutterer. I didn't know. I hadn't seen you stutter before. I worked really hard to hide it. But when I got nervous it came out, he spit. But I liked you. I just wanted to tell you that I liked you. And what you said destroyed me. But that's not all you did. Because the next time I saw you, there was something different about you. I couldn't explain it but it disturbed me. It affected me at the deepest level. Eventually, I mentioned it to my dad. He told me he had known about you for a long time and explained what you were and what you had done. He told me that you had cast it so I wouldn't smell you. He said you were disgusted by the way I talked and wanted me to stay away from you. Knowing what you had done and why hurt me more than I knew what to do with. I hated you so much after that. Evan, I'm sorry I made fun of you for stuttering. I didn't know. But I didn't know about the spell. I didn't cast it consciously. I didn't even know what I was. Consciously, unconsciously, does it matter? You put it up to keep me away from you. The realization of what Evan was telling me flicked on like a light. As soon as it did, everything that happened made sense. Wait, you're gay. Evan lowered his head. And you made my life hell because I rejected you. I was so in love with you. But I was the only out gay guy in the school. If you were gay too, why would you do that to me? Because you were the only out gay guy in the school. Kendall, you didn't make accepting who I was easy. Not as a wolf shifter. Not as a boy who liked boys. Not as a guy who was in love with you. I looked at him stunned. I didn't make your self-acceptance easy. I don't even know where to begin with that. You made everything about my self-acceptance the hardest thing in the world. I know. And I'm so sorry about that. But please see it from my perspective. I stared at him pissed. Which is? You made my life hell. Not only did you reject me, but do you remember what you used to wear? You were the only out gay guy at our school, and you showed up every day wearing dresses and makeup. Did you have to do that? Yes I did. Because people like you were telling me that I couldn't. I had to prove that I wasn't going to give in to your bullshit. I wasn't gonna be ashamed of myself. Evan lowered his head. I get it. It just didn't make things easy for me. That's all. I didn't want to wear dresses. I didn't want to wear makeup. I just liked guys. I just liked you. And since you were the only gay guy I'd ever met. 
You thought there was only one way to be gay, I suddenly realized. So you hated yourself because who you felt like didn't match what you thought you had to be. Exactly. Evans said excitedly. I looked at him blankly. Lifting my hands, palms open in front of me, I slowly turned them until my fingertips were pointed at me. What? I emphasized that my fingers were pointed at me. I don't get it. Evan, that's what I was going through. Do you think I had it any easier than you did? You didn't. How could you not? Your parents had to have accepted who you were. Tolerating it isn't the same thing as accepting it. Why do you think I kept doing the things I did? I was trying to create a space large enough for me to be myself without people looking at me strangely for it. That's why I wore dresses and makeup, so that whatever else I did, it wouldn't compare. I get that now, Evan said nodding his head. But that doesn't mean you made things easy for the rest of us. The rest of us? Yeah. I wasn't the only other gay guy at our school. I had a buddy on the football team that would help me out when I needed relief. So two of the assholes making my life hell were gay. He had a girlfriend. I don't know if he was gay. He would just help me out sometimes. Because that's what friends do. I asked him sarcastically. Yeah. Jesus. What? I opened my mouth about to tell him how stupid he was when I stopped. He really didn't know. And how could he? How could anyone know what they don't know? Wasn't that the purpose of a therapist, to share insights that clients wouldn't have gained any other way? How different would my life have been if someone had helped Evan to accept himself? I probably wouldn't be the person I am today. I didn't know if I would be better or worse, but I sure would have liked to find out. Evan, have you ever thought about seeing someone? Like a therapist? I don't need to see a therapist, he responded defensively. First of all, you absolutely do. I can barely think of anyone who needs to see one more. Evan lowered his eyes. I know. You do. Yeah. I might be dumb. But I ain't stupid. So why haven't you? I don't know. I'm a wolf shifter, who am I supposed to see? He paused and looked at me. But maybe if you were willing to grab something to eat with me, we could talk about it some more? Okay, that's never gonna happen, ever. There's too much that has gone on between us. Yeah, you're right. But there are a lot of people out there who are willing to help you. Some of them have got to know about shifters and this world. What I'm saying is, there's a way out of anger and pain. You just have to look for it. Evan's gaze dipped. A moment of silence went by before he spoke again. Can I ask you something? What's that? Why were you so mean to me that first day? Because it really hurt. I thought back. I didn't remember much of it. For the most part, it was just another day. Was this how he remembered all of the days he hurt me? I don't know. I was probably just being insecure. Or maybe I was just being a D, I admitted. I was dealing with a lot back then. Evan held out his hands in front of him and slowly pointed his fingers towards himself mirroring my gesture. He didn't do it as forcefully as I had, but I got his point. Can I ask you another question? What? Do you forgive me? I stared at him. Did I forgive Evan Carter, star of my nightmares and terrorizer of my youth? Evan, you hurt me. I'm still dealing with the scars. If it makes you feel any better, so am I. I wake up screaming having dreamed about what I did to you back then. You have nightmares about what you did to me. All the time. It haunts me.
I was kinda glad when you had your friend beat the shit out of me. I thought I would be able to consider us even. But it didn't change anything. Which is why you came here. Yeah. And why I've been seeing you around campus. Evan looked away. And why I saw you around campus so much my freshman year. He looked at the ground. So I wasn't going insane. That really was you. I was here but I never saw you. The campus is big and I couldn't smell you. This was the first time I had any idea where you were, and it was because I heard you. But I've seen you on campus staring at me. I don't know what to tell you. Could it be a Phi thing? I thought about that. Maybe it was a Phi thing. Could I have been sensing that he was around and having a vision about it? Was that something FaZe did? So do you. Evan said sheepishly. Do I what? Do you forgive me? I looked at the guy they first had thought about so much throughout my life. For the first time in a long time, I didn't see him as a monster. He was human. Evan Carter, I forgive you, I said surprised to hear it come out of my mouth. He got off his knees. Really? He asked excitedly. Yay. With a smile on his face, he threw his arms open about to hug me. No. I said coldly. I forgive you. But we aren't friends. And you need to get help. You owe it to me and everyone else you've hurt. I paused catching myself. More than that, you owe it to yourself. You don't have to feel like this, and there could be a really great life waiting for you on the other side. Evan settled himself. I appreciate you saying that. I never want to see you again, Evan. Is that clear? He took a deep breath. It's clear. Good. And good luck, I said sincerely. Thank you, Kendall, for everything, he said before turning around and walking off. I couldn't have imagined how cathartic my conversation with Evan could have been. Watching him walk away, I felt different. Everything felt different. As if a weight had been removed from my shoulders, I suddenly felt lighter. I don't mean it figuratively. I was literally lighter. More than that, there was a glow that was surrounding me. It made my skin tingle. I felt alive. The veil that had covered me my whole life was gone. I could see colors I had never noticed before. I could hear sounds that hadn't existed moments before. And through all of it, I saw the face of two people who I had only seen in pictures. Mom. Dad. They didn't respond. They just smiled. It was enough. I didn't need anything more to know that it really was them. I could have stayed in that bliss forever if something hadn't rattled in the back of my mind. Whipped back into the real world, I realized what had done it. Charging towards me with a wild look in its eyes was Evan's wolf. The spell that had masked my scent was gone. He could smell me again. I should have been scared but I wasn't. Watching him as if he were moving in slow motion, I waited until he was in range and then lifted my arms and brought the world down on him. It wasn't actually the world. In fact it was nothing anyone could see. But visible or not, the weight of it landed on him like a boulder. In an instant he was being crushed under it like a spider under a rock. I calmly held it there for him to feel it. I didn't want him to forget what it felt like. Then finally when his howls of pain became more than I could bear, I released him. Staggering to his paws he ran off. This would be the last time I saw Evan Carter and this time I was sure of it. When Evan was gone neither my parents nor the bliss returned. I wasn't quite back to my old self but I was close. I could still see colors I hadn't seen before and occasionally hear new sounds.
but the majesty I had experienced was gone. I was Kendall Sears again. As my mind settled, I remembered casting the spell that hid my scent. It had been a little more than a wish. I had wanted to be left alone. And because I must have sensed what Evan was, a barrier that knows blinded shifters was the result. Standing there thinking about what I had done to Evan as a kid and why, I was never sure about what I was going to do with my life. I had hurt him and he had hurt me in return. None of it would have happened if either of us had someone to help us deal with our pain. I wanted to help little boys like Evan. Intervening with them early could change their lives and the lives of everyone around them. But it wasn't just LGBT kids I wanted to help. There were adults. A lot of people in this world were in pain. I thought about it. Wasn't Nero one of them? I was never meant to be with Nero. That wasn't why we had been put together. I was there to help him. I knew he was having a rough time with life. I knew he was inclined to make bad decisions. Yet, I allowed things to develop between us. It was wrong of me. If I cared about him, if I truly cared about him, then I had to do better. If I loved him like I claimed to, then I had to make a decision for him. We couldn't be together. Not if I cared about him. And not if I'm going to help him. I knew what his problem was, and he wouldn't be having it if I hadn't stuck my nose in where it didn't belong. When I heard his mother's story, it broke my heart so it had to have devastated Nero. Someone had to tell him that he mattered to them. A lot of someones had to tell him. Marching back to my room to come up with a plan, I got a phone call from somebody I hadn't expected. Quinn. What's up? I asked, happy to hear from him. Have you seen Nero? Yeah, I left him about 30 minutes ago. He had an interview with a Nashville reporter. I think he's still at the sports facility. I don't think he is. What's going on? I just got a call from Titus. He walked in on him tearing apart their room and when Titus went to stop him, Nero attacked him. He said when he woke up, Nero was gone. Kendall, I don't see him doing anything good. Shit. Do you have any idea where he might be? Quinn pushed. None. Really? Because I was counting on you knowing something. I'm sorry, I don't. As soon as I said it, an image flashed into my mind. It was of us standing at the edge of the lake. It was where he ran to when he was a kid. I don't know why I thought about it, but remembering the moment I fell in love with him wasn't helpful right now. Okay. Cage is trying to call him. Hopefully he'll pick up. Let me know he's alright if you hear from him. I will, Quinn said before ending the call. This was my fault. There was the reason Professor Nandan wanted me there. I was supposed to be his support. Instead, I got lost in my melodrama bullshit. Now he was out there somewhere hurting others and probably himself. I again thought about our time at the lake. What had made me think of it? I wasn't sure. But I had to get my head in the game. I had to think of where he could be. At some point, he must have shared something that would help now. Continuing to think about it, I headed back to my room. I was kind of hoping that Corey wasn't there. I loved him, but he had been acting very weirdly ever since the cuddling incident. I had tried to tell him that nothing that had happened was a big deal. Yay, he held me all night, and it was so intimate that I dreamed about him. But it wasn't that big of a deal. Life goes on. I was going through a hard time. I was appreciative that he was there for me. I told him that. He grunted something unintelligible and then got all twitchy. Like I said, he was being weird.
I really wished he wasn't because it would have been nice to tell him everything that had just happened. How many horror stories had I shared with him about Evan Carter? How many times had I woke him up with my screaming? Well stop the presses. Evan and I are good now. Okay, we weren't really good. But I think I'm good. At least, I would be if it wasn't for what Quinn told me about Nero. I had to think of what I could do to help. Maybe what he needed was an intervention. But instead of dragging him off to rehab, it could be people telling him how much they loved him. They could all, person after person, repeat that they loved him and how happy they are to have him in their life. I stopped walking and pressed my fingers against my eyes. What that reminded me of was that I couldn't be one of those people. I could never be one of those people. I couldn't love him the way I so desperately wanted to. Not if I was going to give him the help that he so clearly needed. We can't all get what we want, and the person who won't be able to get it this time is. Kneeling before I fell to the ground, I sat on my ass and cried. These weren't like the tears I shed an hour ago. This time I knew why we weren't going to be together, and it was out of love. This was how I could prove to him that I loved him, by putting his needs over mine. And these weren't just words and empty promises anymore. I knew what I needed to do, even if knowing didn't make things easier. I sat on the ground crying things out. It was a while before I was able to get up and continue to my room. By the time I got there, I felt better. Okay, I didn't feel better but I did feel stronger. Hey, I said to Corey who ended up being home. Hey, he said still not able to look me in the eyes. This is ridiculous Corey and has to stop. So you big spooned me all night. So what? I don't know why you have to be so weird about this. Kendall, I'm not human, he said cutting me off. I paused to make sure I heard what I did. I'm sorry what? I'm not human. I'm a phi. And I know that doesn't sound crazy to you, because that wasn't just a dream you had about me that night. It was actually me. I was in your head. I wasn't trying to do it, but sometimes when I sleep I do things I wouldn't do when I'm awake. I know about Nero and all of the wolf shifters in the town. And I know about you. I knew before that Phi doctor told you, he said looking at me with his big puppy dog eyes. I stared at Corey not saying a word. I was shocked. How was I supposed to respond to all of this? Aren't you gonna say anything, he asked looking terrified. What was I doing? This was Corey. He had been there for me more than anyone has. I loved him. So I walked up to him, threw my arms around him, and squeezed. I get it. I get all of it. Sometimes we do things we can't control. I forgive you, I told him meaning it. Thank you. I let him go and held his shoulders in my hands. Since you know, I guess I can tell you something else. I know what I am too. I had unknowingly cast a spell on myself and when I released it, it all came back. I know things now. Like the future because that's what I can see. At least I can get glimpses of it. I looked at Corey confused and amazed. I don't think I can see the future. But I might be able to contact the dead. Well. It's all very new. Maybe I got it wrong. And it just happened so I'm still trying to work it out. Corey grabbed my forearm and squeezed. I can help you figure it out. We can do it together, he said with a smile. I'd like that because a lot's been going on. What do you mean? Telling Corey everything that had happened since the last time we spoke took the rest of the day. When it became dark outside and I still hadn't heard from Quinn, I texted him. Any word yet? Nothing. 
He didn't attend practice. Everyone's still looking. This is insane. Where could he have gone? Thinking about it again, I drew a blank. All I could think about was looking down at him as he threw up at the mention that he could hurt me. How could someone be so tough yet so sensitive? I was barely able to fall asleep that night, but when I did, I kept dreaming of one location over and over again. It was of the lake. In one dream, I was asking him why he had left me. In another, I had asked him why he would hurt himself. So when I woke up, the first thing I did was call Quinn. Did you hear from him? Quinn asked desperately. Maybe. I don't know. But I think I know where he is. It was somewhere he took me when I was visiting your place. Cage has been looking everywhere there. He's been asking everyone. It's not in town. I'll tell you how to get there. But before I do, I need you to do something. It's important. It's a matter of life and death. Chapter 12 Nero I sat in my truck staring at the lake in front of me. It stared back unchanging. I had been here all night. Yet, I was no closer to deciding where I was going or what I was doing next. The first time I was here, things had quickly become clear. What I had to do was protect Mama. That meant that I had to return and become the person I did. What about now? There was no one I had to return for. I had betrayed Kendall and he had watched me do it. I got to see how much it had hurt him. I had thought that football could be enough for me. It isn't. Yet it was now all I had. How could my life have turned out like this? It was just a few weeks ago that I thought I had it all. But realizing that no one ever wanted me, I saw just how much of a lie that was. I had nothing and no one. I didn't know what was holding me back from ending it all. Starting the truck and staring the lake down in one last battle of wills, I was about to shift the truck into drive when something in my periphery moved. My eyes flashed up to the rearview mirror. There was a truck approaching. I recognized it. It was Cage's. What was he doing here? Before I had time to think about it, another truck appeared behind it. It was Titus's. Behind that were trucks I recognized from around town. What the hell was going on? Of all of the places in the world, why were they here? Why now? Turning off my engine, I got out and watched them park. Cage was the first to get out of his truck and race to me. Nero, we found you. We were so worried. Why the hell didn't you answer your phone? We didn't know what to think, he told me before throwing his arms around me locking me into a hug. I? I stammered. Before I could answer, Titus joined us. It was a relief to see that I hadn't killed him. Although his shifting hadn't completely healed the marks I had left on his neck. I lost my strength reminded of what I had done. I really was the ultimate fucked up mistake. Look what I had done to my friend. I didn't deserve to live. Nero. Quinn said joining his boyfriend hugging me. We're so happy you're safe. Titus didn't get as close. Neither did Dr. Sonia's son Callie, or Claude, one of the football players from my high school team. None of the two dozen familiar faces who poured out of their truck did. The funny thing was that everyone won there was a wolf shifter who had been on Cage's run. I pulled away and watched them arrive when I realized it. I don't get it. Why is everyone here? Cage and Quinn stared at me. Because we were worried about you, bro. I had a hard time processing that. And even if that were true. Callie, why are you here? The kid turned bright red after I put him on the spot. It wasn't an accident. 
I was trying to scare him off. Once he backed away maybe the rest would follow. But he didn't. And after a big swallow, he found the courage to speak. Like he said. We were worried about you. And you're a member of our pack. I looked at Cage for an explanation. We knew you were going through something and everyone's here to help. How do you know I'm going through something? Titus stepped forward. You weren't exactly subtle about it, he said with a painful smirk. I tried to gather the strength to apologize to him but couldn't. Instead, I fell back onto my truck sitting on the bumper. Seated, I couldn't hold any of it back any longer. I cried. I wept for the mistakes I had made. I wept for the people I had hurt. And I wept because so many people were standing in front of me now. How many of them had I hurt as much as Titus? Maybe I hadn't torn at their throat. But I had never been a good student or teammate. Lord knows I was a shit employee. I could never get anything right. I don't understand. Why are you here? I begged through the tears. Because we care about you, Cage insisted. Yes, Quinn confirmed. That's why we're here, Titus said confidently. But you don't understand. None of you do. Then tell us, Cage said softly. I scanned the faces of the more than twenty people staring at me, and then leaned into Cage. Mama didn't want me. She only had me as a replacement for you. I know that's not true. But it is. If you don't believe me, then she can tell you. Cage turned and yelled back at his truck. Mama! She wasn't sure you'd want her here. I watched as my mother got out of the back seat. I didn't know what I was expecting, but the woman approaching me wasn't the same one I had had to take care of for so many years. She was even different from the one who had told me about my conception. She looked stronger, more confident. Mama? As she approached, she opened her arms inviting me into them. I went. I wasn't sure when the last time was that she hugged me. She wasn't a hugging type even before her brain crashed. But I was beginning to realize that I never knew who my mother was. I'm so sorry baby. I'm sorry for so many reasons. That was when I again lost it. You are the strongest man I know. The things that you have had to endure. I could never make it up to you my son, my beautiful baby boy. I grabbed my mother and bawled. Years of pain flooded out of me. I howled with anguish. With the gates open there was no stopping it. She just stood there holding me. I never wanted to let her go. I don't know how long it was before I was able to again gain control of myself. Realizing that everyone I knew was watching, I looked up embarrassed. I'm sorry, I said wiping my raw eyes. Don't be bro. Everyone here is someone who cares about you. There's no need to be ashamed of who you are. We all know what pain feels like. We're here for you. Whatever you need. I looked around at the nodding heads. I didn't have the strength to figure out if what he was saying was true, so I believed him. It felt good to believe that I wasn't alone, so I did. Why here? Mama asked looking around. I looked at her and got a flash from seven years ago. My chest clenched. She must have noticed because she took my hand. I looked down at it again realizing how different she was. I don't know if I can tell you mama. You don't think I can handle it? I looked her in the eyes not wanting to tell her that I didn't. Nero, you have been strong for me for so long. Let me be strong for you now. Tell me. Why here? What made you come here? I thought about it and then scanned the faces in front of me. 
there was no one there who knew who I had been or why. All they knew was that I was a kid who got into fights and had a temper. But they didn't know about my life as my landlord's enforcer. My greatest accomplishment had been keeping my two lives separate. Maybe it was time to link the two. Mama, I had to do a lot of things to keep you safe, I began before telling all of them the gritty details of my life. When my last story was told, I felt empty. I had never felt more raw. Everyone was looking at me with new eyes. I didn't know what to make of it. The longer they stared, the less sure I became about sharing my monster. I opened my mouth to apologize for saying too much when Cage cut me off. I can't tell you how grateful I am that you told me that. I always knew there was a part of you that you never let me touch. I understand it now. You were trying to protect us. Yeah, thank you for sharing, Titus said. So many things make sense now. I finally know who you are, he said with a smile. Yes, thank you for telling us, Quinn said followed by a chorus of voices saying the same thing. The only person who remained silent was the woman standing in front of me. She was staring at me blankly. I didn't know what to say to her, or if I should say anything at all. Maybe I shouldn't have told her any of what I had. It was too late now. The only question was whether or not finding out what I had done would cause her to retreat into her dream world. As I thought about it, Mama lunged forward and threw her arms around me. I'm sorry. I'm so so sorry. My baby. What did I do? I don't blame you Mama. You were sick. You needed help. I was willing to do anything I had to to keep you safe. I love you Mama. Baby, I love you so much. You are my entire world, she said silently crying. I held my mother for as long as she needed me to. Once she let me go, I decided to bring whatever this was to an end. I can't tell you what it means that y'all did this for me. It blows my mind. Thank you. Faces smiled back. I'm better now. I think I'll be heading home. You should too. Unless you can't get enough of the view, I said gesturing towards the haunting lake. A few people laughed. I didn't think so. But thank you for being here for me. Seriously, I said putting my hand on my heart. We're your pack, Callie said gaining confidence with every word. I didn't know if I wanted a pack yet, but I wasn't about to say that after everyone had done this for me. I owed them. And I let them know by saying bye to everyone individually. That took a while. When I got to Claude I promised to catch up with him. Unlike most of the people in our high school class, he went to university immediately after graduation. He told me he had moved back and that we had a lot to catch up on. I told him I was looking forward to it and thanked him again for coming. When it was finally just me, my brothers, my mother and Titus, I stated the obvious. It was like everyone I ever knew was here, except Kendall. He was the one who organized this, Quinn said. What? Yeah. He was the one who told us you'd be here. And he told us that this was what you needed most. He did. Yes. Then why isn't he here? I asked my exhausted heart thumping painfully. Quinn looked around at everyone. As soon as he did they drifted away. The two of us were alone. My heart pounded afraid of what was coming next. He said he wouldn't have the courage to say this to you directly, so he asked me to. Okay, I said with building terror. He said that he loves you. He loves you so much that he's willing to do whatever he has to to help you. And that means that the two of you can't be together. He wants to help you. He wants to be there for you. 
but it can't be as anything more than counselor student. Quinn stared into my eyes with sympathy. I'm so sorry, Nero. I know that you love him. What are you gonna do? I stared at Quinn thinking about Kendall's message. How was someone supposed to respond to that? What was I going to do now? Chapter 13 Kendall I stood in front of the door leading to Commons, wondering if I would be able to do this. This would be the first time I spoke to Nero since arranging the intervention at the lake. Quinn told me that he delivered my message and that Nero accepted it. I could tell that he had because he hadn't reached out to me since then. Though I was half expecting that he would. I figured that it would be to thank me. I didn't need the gratitude. It was enough to know that it had helped. But I guess I thought he wouldn't be able to stop himself. There was also a part of me that hoped he wouldn't respect my request. Maybe it was the romantic in me, but I was partially hoping he would refuse to keep things professional and would sweep me off my feet. In my heart, I knew that would be the worst possible decision he could make. I could help him so much more in this capacity. So in the end, I guess I'm glad he didn't. But didn't every boy want to feel wanted so badly that someone says, the hell with all of the rules. I'll have you no matter what. I can admit that I am such a boy, even if I know it's for the best that he didn't. Taking a final deep breath, I pushed open the large metal door and entered the building. Sending the stairs, I looked around at the tables. We had agreed to grab dinner at the cafe and eat it while doing what would become our twice-a-month counseling session. I tried to come up with the most boring arrangement possible. And again, to my surprise, Nero had agreed. Spotting him as he spotted me, I pointed towards the cafe telling him I would grab my food. Luckily, he already had a sandwich in front of him. It would allow him to hold the table. They were hard to find at this hour. I guess that meant that he had arrived a little early. Charging my food to my meal plan, I took my tray to his table and settled myself across the two-top from him. I tried not to think about how beautiful he was. I also tried not to think about what it was like making love to him. I tried not to think about what it felt like as he pushed into me. This was going to be harder than I thought. Hi, I said awkwardly. Hi, he said without his usual charming smile. I knew I was supposed to be the one driving this conversation, but it had never been our dynamic. He was always the one trying to get me to talk. Everything seemed out of whack between us now. But, I was going to figure out how to make this work. So Quinn said that things went well by the lake. Would you agree with that? Would I agree? Sure. The silence drew out when he didn't say any more. Good. Do you want to share anything from the experience? Like what? Anything that stands out. Anything that might be helpful for me to know. Nero thought for a second. I told everyone the story I told you about being my landlord's enforcer. Really? And how did that go over? Pretty good. They thanked me for sharing it. There were a few people there who I had been a real dick to in high school and even they thanked me. I looked at him confused. How many people were there? Twenty. Twenty-five. I tried not to react. I had told Quinn that it was important to get as many people there as he could. But I was picturing six or seven. Twenty was an army. I would have given anything to see everyone or even be there. After all, I had been the one to arrange it for the man I love. That's excellent. I'm happy it was so successful. What about practice? How has that been going? Nero gave me a rundown of the trivial things he had been dealing with, 
and then looked at me for my next question. The truth was that I didn't have anything else to ask him. I looked down at my half-eaten sandwich and wondered if I should wrap it up and take it to go. What about you? Nero asked me. How have you been? Or am I not supposed to ask? I'm not sure what the rules are. I thought about that. I was making things up as I went along, so I didn't know what the rules were either. No, you can ask, I said with a tight-lipped smile. Then how have you been? I considered what I should tell him. I certainly couldn't say how much I had been struggling since requesting we keep things professional. He certainly didn't have to hear about that. And he probably didn't need to know that I had released the spell, only to recast it. It wasn't just that I started getting unusual looks from people around campus, it was that I didn't want to make things harder for him. Oh. I saw someone unexpected recently. Who's that? Evan Carter. As soon as I said the name, Nero's body tensed. He went from soft puppy dog to fearsome protector in an instant. Don't worry, it was all good. It was good. How? He actually found me on campus. I told him if he came looking for you. No, Nero. Trust me. It was a good thing. Turns out, the reason he was so awful to me in high school was because he's gay too, and I was forcing him to confront his sexuality before he was ready. He actually fell to his knees and begged for my forgiveness. And it wasn't because he was scared of you. He felt that bad about it. The fact that you're smiling tells me that you got a kick out of it, Nero observed. Am I smiling? A lot. I was smiling. Oh. Well the experience was everything I dreamed would happen. I thought my beating the crap out of him was everything you dreamed of. Before I knew that your beating him up was an option, him on his knees begging for forgiveness was the dream. But I don't think he would have done it if you hadn't balanced the scales a little. So thank you again for that. It feels good knowing I was able to play at least a small part in your happiness, he said rediscovering his smile, as bittersweet as it was. You've played a large part in it, I admitted vulnerably. Maybe I can again. He asked putting his heart in his hands. God did I want to say yes. But instead I adverted my eyes. Of course, he said suddenly collecting his stuff. Was there anything else that we needed to discuss? No. As long as everything's going well with you, and you haven't felt any impulses to lash out. I haven't. And I don't think I've ever been so clear about what I want and how to get it. Oh. What is it that you want? Nero looked at me and got up. You said that we aren't allowed to talk about it, he told me before giving me a steely gaze then walking away. I wasn't sure what he meant by that. What did I say that we weren't allowed to talk about? Although there were things that it was clear to me we should let go of, I didn't remember placing any limits on our discussions. I hadn't realized how hard it would be watching him walk away from me, but it was. A shot of pain flashed through me. I was losing myself to him, and without thinking about it, I felt my protection spell drop. I wasn't sure why it happened but when it did, Nero turned around. For a second he looked at me wild-eyed. I froze half expecting him to shift into his wolf and sprint back like Evan had. But quickly he caught himself, straightened his back and relaxed into a smile. When he continued his journey away from me, my heart throbbed in agony. As the days and weeks passed things didn't get much easier. He and I met every other week for our sessions. And although I turned off the spell whenever we were together, to his credit, Nero kept our time together as professional as our first. When I had switched off the spell initially, it had been something beyond my control. 
but doing it now was a choice. I wasn't sure what I was hoping to get from doing it, but the only thing I gained was a truth about myself, I was lonely. Sure, Corey was great. And having someone I could explore my Phi abilities with was nice. But with Nero had come a family, and an interesting new best friend who I desperately wanted to see again. So when I got a text from Quinn inviting me to dinner, I couldn't accept it fast enough. How have you been? I asked as we sat down at the Thai restaurant. Good. I think we're completely moved in. Finally. Have you been heading up more often? Unfortunately not. I was up last weekend but I can't this weekend. By the way, we're doing a game night at my place on either Saturday or Sunday night. Would you like to come? I didn't have to think about it. Of course I did. Is Nero gonna be there? He has an away game this weekend, so probably not. But it's an important game for him, so depending on which day we do it, we might have it on in the background. I thought about it. I missed hanging out with Quinn nearly as much as I missed being with Nero. At least I got to talk to Nero every two weeks. Quinn had disappeared from my life. I understood. I had drawn a line in the sand and Nero was his future brother-in-law. But the idea of spending time with him while watching Nero do what he did best was near irresistible. Can I let you know? Sure, Quinn said falling silent. He looked disappointed. It's not that I don't want to come. I just don't know if I should. You know, I once thought Cage and I couldn't be together. What do you mean? For a long time, I thought I needed to find a cure that would stop me from shifting. And since Cage liked being a shifter, my working to get rid of it meant that we couldn't be together. What changed? Someone wiser than me explained that I was overthinking it. All I had to do was choose to be with him, and everything else would take care of itself. You know our situations are different, right? Of course. You believe that you have to give up being with Nero, because it's the only way you can help him. It is. It is a long accepted rule in therapy, that you can't have a personal relationship with the person you're trying to help. But you're not his therapist. Call it whatever you want. I'm the one who will do whatever it takes to help him be happy. Have you considered that the happiest he's ever been was when he was with you? I saw the way he was when the two of you were together. I've never seen him happier. I thought back to that time. I had to agree with Quinn. Not only was that weekend the happiest I had ever seen Nero, but it was also the happiest I had ever been. I really want to help him get everything he's ever wanted, Quinn. What if everything he ever wanted was you? I wanted to believe what Quinn was suggesting. I think we both know how much football means to him. Quinn looked away and nodded his head in thought. Do you love him, Kendall? What? I'm saying all these things, but I guess it wouldn't matter if you didn't love him. What did I tell him? Of course I loved Nero. I loved him so much I ached thinking about him. Knowing that I have an appointment to see him is what gets me out of bed in the morning. It doesn't matter how far in the future it is. The fact that I will eventually get to see him allows me to breathe. Yeah, I love him. The same wise man once told me that when you're lucky enough to find love, you have to choose it. Haven't I though? I've chosen his happiness over my own. Have you? Or are you running from it? You haven't told me much about your past. But is it possible that you've been hurt before, and you're using professional distance as a way not to be hurt again? I tried not to feel what Quinn was saying, but the dagger of his words sank deep. I had been hurt before. 
Evan Carter had filled my childhood with nothing but pain and mistrust. The fog of it was so thick I could barely see beyond it. So was Quinn right? Was I using professional distance as a way of protecting myself from getting hurt again? Was it just a spell of a different type? Was I just scared? Although Quinn changed the topic, I thought about what he had said for the rest of the night. When we were about to leave, he reminded me about game night. You said Nero won't be there. He has a big away game that weekend. I don't think he could be there, even if he wanted to. Would you not come if he was? I don't know. But I guess it doesn't matter since he won't be. Text me when it is. I'll try to make it, I said leaving myself some wiggle room to change my mind. Quinn wasn't shy about expressing his joy. I'm glad. You haven't met my roommate Lou yet. He's going to be there. Will Titus? I asked, remembering what Nero had told me about Titus and Quinn's roommate. Quinn laughed. Oh right. You know about the two of them. I don't know why those two won't just get together and get it over with. Lou likes him too. Who can tell with that one? I think he's too busy trying to figure out what he's missing out on to realize what he has. So much drama. I feel like I'm living in a gay soap opera, he said with a smirk. Well, I'm ready for my close-up, I said knowing the role I was playing. I didn't mean you. Yeah, you did. And that's fine. I get it. I just think you two could be happy together. Maybe we could be, I admitted realizing it for the first time. But how about we start with game night, I said with a smile. By the time I left Quinn, I was in a really good mood. I had missed him a lot. I couldn't wait to reconnect with everyone I had met through him and Nero. However, a strange thing happened. As soon as I thought about Nero and me being together, I felt a clench in my chest. I hadn't felt this before. Of course, I had also never truly considered the two of us being together. Sure, there was hardly a day when I didn't imagine having sex with him. I also thought about the warmth and safety I felt lying in his arms. But opening up and showing him my heart. Making myself vulnerable. Giving him the power to hurt me like the others had. Maybe I had put distance between Nero and me out of fear. If that was the case, could I change things even if I wanted to? Not only would I have to fight my own resistance, but hadn't I succeeded at pushing him away? Hadn't Nero moved on? Realizing that I might have lost him for good sent a wave of fire through me. I had really messed things up. What was I supposed to do now? When I was back in my room, I stared at my phone. I wanted to call Nero. I needed to hear his voice. Could I though? On the other hand, why shouldn't I? I found his number and was about to dial it. I stopped. I couldn't. It was too much. It would be too scary. Good luck on your game this weekend, I texted him instead. His reply came immediately. Thanks. It's a big one. You're gonna crush it. I know you will. There was a pause. If you want, I'll win it for you, he eventually wrote. I stared at the words. How was I supposed to respond to that? As a counselor, I knew what I should say. I should tell him that he should win it for himself. But I didn't want to. Win it for me, I wrote back before I realized what I was writing. Anything for you, he replied followed by a smiley face that melted my heart. My skin tingled rereading his words. My insides were a tornado of sensations. Fear. Joy. Apprehension. I wanted to escape into the night and run to him. I felt everything. 
This was what I had been afraid of from the moment I met him. What if he pushed me away now? How would I survive it with my defenses down? I don't think I could. What was I supposed to do? I didn't sleep for a second that night. I could barely sleep the night after that. I was exhausted and yet I wasn't tired. It was like I had been chugging Red Bulls. My heart pounded like it would explode. The only thing that gave it any relief was when Quinn texted telling me game night would be Sunday. Are we gonna watch Nero's game? Isn't that Saturday? Quinn didn't write back immediately. We all promised not to watch it until game night Sunday. Do you promise? I didn't know how to respond. I wasn't a football fan, but I was a fan of Nero. Hadn't he said he was going to win the game for me? Shouldn't I at least congratulate him if he wins? Does Nero know you all are waiting to watch it? Yes. And I told him that you would be joining us. So do you promise? As long as he knows. He does. Okay. I'll avoid any news about it until game night. I thought about Nero from the moment I woke up Saturday morning to when I thought the game would have ended. Did you hear about your friend's football game? Corey said when he returned to our room. No. Don't tell me. I'm gonna be watching it tomorrow with Quinn and Nero's friends. Since when are you into football? I'm not. He stared at me weirdly before continuing. It was just an interesting game, that's all. It was interesting, even though you're not into football. I guess, he said hesitantly. By the way, you're probably not gonna want to leave this room if you don't want to hear anything about it. Seriously? Yeah. Well, luckily my only plan is to grab something to eat at the cafe. You're not gonna want to do that either. But luckily, I'm going there now. Do you want me to bring you back something? Ah, uh, sure. Okay, what happened at this game? Corey stared at me with his eyes sparkling. Seriously, it was nothing. You'll see it tomorrow. It'll probably be more fun to find out that way. I'll bring you back something, he said dropping off his stuff and heading back out. Although he hadn't meant to say, I was now pretty sure that East Tennessee had won. He knew how I felt about Nero. There was no way he would smile that much if the guy the first was in love with had lost. Watching Netflix on my phone, all I wanted to do was text Nero. Resisting was the hardest thing I ever had to do. The only thing that made it bearable was knowing he hadn't texted me. Since he knew I wouldn't be watching it, he knew he had to text me if he wanted me to know. When Corey came back with my food, he was acting completely differently. He no longer seemed like he was holding in a secret. At the same time, he was clearly avoiding my eyes. Why was he being so weird? The next morning, things weren't that different. It was nice having him get my food for me again though. It wasn't like I loved sitting awkwardly by myself in the cafeteria. Whatever it took for me not to have to deal with that, I was fine with. Emerging from my room only to shower, when the time came, I got ready for game night and headed out. Maybe I was being paranoid, but it felt like people were staring at me. I made sure my spell was up and it was. So why would people be looking at me? Ignoring it, I put my head down and headed to Quinn's. At least when I got there, everyone was acting normally. I wanted to tell them about how weird Corey was being, but I was afraid to spoil the game's outcome. So instead, I found a seat next to Quinn and enjoyed the moment. Are we gonna play Wavelength or watch the game? If we're playing Wavelength, Lou and I will kick your asses, Titus announced with a beaming smile. I turned to the puckish-looking guy sitting next to Titus. I don't think we've met. Kendall, I said offering him my hand.
Lu, he said with a smile. Don't even think about it, Lu, Quinn said quickly. What? I was saying hello. Sure you were. Seriously, who do you all think I am? He asked, genuinely offended. Think. Quinn asked with a smile. Lu looked at him shocked. Don't worry, Lu. I have your back, Titus said throwing his arm around him and giving Quinn a disapproving look. At least someone does, he said hurt. Quinn looked at me and mouthed the word drama. I chuckled. When Titus and Lu became lost in conversation, I turned to Quinn and whispered, isn't Titus on the football team? He got cut a couple of games ago. Don't ask him about it. It's still a sensitive topic. I was going to ask about Nero's team when Quinn's intercom buzzed as if using Morse code. That's Cage, Quinn said getting up and buzzing him in. Everyone's here, he said into the intercom before opening the living room door. Cage entered carrying a couple of pizzas. Quinn kissed him. You said you were bringing a surprise. What is it? Quinn asked looking at him confused. Cage looked up at me and then at the others. One of the pizzas is pineapple. Titus laughed. How is that a surprise? You bring that every time. Quinn looked at Titus. It's a surprise because I had gently suggested that he switch it to something else. Did you, baby? I'm so sorry about that. I forgot. Lou laughed. Sure you did. The next thing you're gonna say is that you conveniently forgot to bring the hot friend you keep talking about. Who, Claude? Was I supposed to invite him? Cage asked surveying the room. Lou gave Cage the side eye. I'm gonna forgive you because you're cute. I looked over at Titus. He still had his usual smile, but it was much dimmer and he was looking away. Anyway, how about we start the football game? I'll set up wavelength. I'll help you, I told Quinn, already having a good time. Quinn turned on the TV. As soon as he did, the announcer mentioned Nero. I was taken by surprise. He's breaking records as a freshman and is nearly a sure thing to enter the draft this year, the gray-haired burly man said. Entering the draft and being picked high enough to get playing time on an NFL team are two different things, the younger more athletic announcer replied. Well, we'll see what he has today. He is just one of many young hopefuls wanting tonight's game to be their introduction onto the national stage. So, this is a really important game for Nero. I asked Quinn not having realized how big of a game it was. It's his first chance at getting national attention. If he enters the draft, he'll still have to go through tryouts where they'll see how fast he runs and all of that. But if he plays well here, he'll show everyone how he performs under pressure. That counts a lot, Quinn explained. Once Quinn told me that, I was hooked. Sure, I helped set up and then played the board game, but most of my focus was on the TV. When the teams exited the tunnels, my heart thumped. That's him. It's Nero, I told everyone when they showed him warming up on the sidelines. My god was he beautiful. I had seen him in his football uniform, but only from the nosebleed seats of the university stadium. Seeing him close up, I had to bend over to hide how happy I was. The first time he stepped onto the field I could barely breathe, I was so nervous. It didn't take long for him to get into position and fall back. In a second, he was running with the ball in his hand. I hadn't even seen the handoff from the quarterback. And running into a wall of 200-pound men, somehow he found a crack. Oh my god! I said springing to my feet. He's got it. He's got it. I said as he spun past one defender after another. Eventually, he was running in an open field. He passed the 20-yard line, then the 10. There was only one defender left in view. 
that one was sure to take Nero down before he reached the goal line. The opponent dove. Nero jumped. As if he were an acrobat, Nero flipped over his opponent's head and somersaulted into the end zone. It was the most amazing thing I had ever seen. He did it. I screamed with excitement. Everyone around me cheered. I had never felt more elated. I felt drunk without having had a drink. I wanted more of what I had just seen. Having avoided football my whole life, I hadn't realized how thrilling it could be. There was no way I could pay attention to the board game after that. The only two people who could were Titus and Lou. Eventually, they started playing a game on their own. The rest of us sat glued to the TV, as if our lives depended on it. I wondered how much of mine did. Nero had said that he would win this game for me. What would it mean if he won it? What would happen if he got drafted? Wouldn't that mean he would have to move? And would he want to be with a guy while playing professional football? It wasn't exactly the most open-minded sport. Although they were all legitimate concerns, I didn't have time to think about them now. Because as amazing as the first play of the game was, there were a lot more that followed. The football didn't always end up in Nero's hands. But when it did, it was an automatic touchdown. It was the most incredible thing I had ever seen. I wasn't alone. The announcers couldn't stop talking about it. They called him a star in the making. He was. And with every play, I fell more in love with the guy who had already changed my world. At halftime Nero's team was up by 12. The announcer said that Nero had broken the record for most yards run in a half. I was so proud of him that my heart hurt. I could have cried just thinking about it. When the second half started, Nero picked up where he left off. Spinning, diving, dodging, he was practically dancing on the field. No one could stop him. By the end, the announcer said that he had shattered every record in college football history. So when they cut to a post-game interview with him, I had to wipe the tears from my cheeks. Nero Roman, you just broke the NCAA records for yards run, connected passes, and touchdowns in a game, and you did it as a freshman. Your name will be cemented in college football history as one of the greatest ever. I have to ask what inspired this performance. Nero looked at the woman interviewing him with a light in his eyes. It was like he had been waiting for this moment. Love. Love inspired this. Your love for football. No, he said with a smile. Football is great. But I told someone that I would come out here and do everything I could to win this game for them. So I did. Kendall, everything I did I did for you. I know you think we shouldn't be together. But I want you to know that I'm gonna do anything and run through any line I have to to be with you. Because you make me better. You make me wanna be better. And when I get you back in my life, you're gonna make me the happiest person on the planet. I love you, Kendall. I have from the first moment I saw you. And nothing anyone will do or say will ever change that, he said, his eyes tearing up as he stared into the camera at me. Well there you have it, Frank. A historic game by a freshman, all done not for the love of the game, but the love of a girl. Back to you. Nero reached over and pulled the microphone back to him cutting her off. Kendall's a guy. The person I won this game for is a guy. I just wanted everyone to know that. And I could never love anyone more. The interviewer looked at him dumbstruck. It took a moment before she turned back to the camera and said, There you have it. A game won for love. None of us have ever seen anything like it. Back to you, Frank. I stared at the TV stunned. I was speechless. It took a moment to realize that tears were rolling down my cheeks. 
looking around, I wasn't alone. The only one not crying was Cage. He was smiling and looking at me like he knew something I didn't. That was when he got up, walked to the door, and opened it. Now for my surprise, Cage said revealing Nero standing in the doorway with a bouquet of roses. Nero. You're here. I said springing to my feet. I heard you were gonna be at game night. I couldn't stay away, he said with a smile. My heart melted. I couldn't speak. Nero stepped into the room. With him standing in front of me, everyone stared at us. I bought these for you, he said handing me the beautiful flowers. This did not help my crying. But you're the one who won the game. Shouldn't I be giving you flowers? Maybe if this was about the game. But it isn't. What is this about? Did you hear what I said in my interview after the game? I tightened my lips and nodded nervously. Nero opened his mouth to speak and then looked around at everyone. You think we could have some privacy? Sure bro, Cage told him. Why don't we go grab some ice cream? He said to everyone else in the room. You want us to bring any back? Nero turned to me gazing into my eyes. I was mesmerized. We'll bring some back, Cage confirmed before heading out and leaving us alone. With everyone gone, Nero took my hand and led me to the couch. Turning off the TV, he rested my roses on the table and took both of my hands in his. I meant what I said, Kendall. No one has ever done more for me than you have. You arranged for everyone in my life to find me and tell me how much I mean to them. Who does that? You are the most incredible guy I've ever met. I would be a fool if I didn't do everything I could to have you in my life. I opened my mouth to speak but he cut me off. And I know what you're gonna say. You think that the only way you can help me is by keeping things professional between us. But if I have to choose between having a football career and you, I choose you. If it's between millions of dollars and you, I choose you. There's nothing I would choose over you. And if you just gave us a chance, I promise I'll never let you regret it. I'll work every day to make you as happy as you've already made me. And I don't care what anyone thinks about us or says. I love you. I will always love you. I want to be with you. And I'm standing here hoping to God that you'll say yes. I stared at him. I could only say one word. Yes? Yes, you'll be with me. He asked his face beaming. Yes, I love you. Yes to all of it, I said needing him. I can't believe it. I. That was when I kissed him. The feeling of his lips on mine turned my brain into melted caramel. My head spun. I needed to be a part of him. And as if reading my thoughts, Nero gripped the back of my head and parted my lips. Our tongues danced together. It was crackling flashbulbs. I was alive for the first time. Warmth wafted through me, but I wanted more. So when he slipped his hand under my shirt and found my flesh, I moaned with pleasure. Driven by my yearning desires, Nero stripped my chest bare. Pushing me back onto the couch, he took control. Pinning my wrists above me, he turned my chin and nibbled on my ear. I could barely breathe from the sensation. His thick tongue touched my... Hi. More spicy things are happening, and if you're in the US or UK and you've never had an Audible account, you can get the version of this audiobook with the spicy bits included for free by clicking on the links in the description. But if you would like to get the premium narration of this audiobook as well as past and future releases, you can become a member of this YouTube channel for less than it would be to purchase just one of these books on Google 
or Audible. Because if you're enjoying this book, you'll probably enjoy a few more from me, and why not get everything available for one low price? Please, click the Join button and learn more. You might be glad you did. Happy listening. There was nowhere in the world I would rather have been. Nero was my home. He was my protector. I was willing to do anything I had to to keep him. And I knew he would do the same. I loved Nero with everything I had in me. And I knew I was going to love him until my dying day. Sure, we were destined to have some rough patches, especially with him coming out right before the NFL draft. But there was no question about it. In the end, the two of us were going to live happily ever after. Epilogue Nero Getting to draft day turned out to be a lot more complicated than I thought it would be. But sitting in the convention center with everyone I loved around the table, it was worth it. Were the hits I got during games harder than they were before I declared my love for Kendall on national television? Some were. I also had to deal with a few more slurs. But I and my team got revenge the best way we knew how. We rolled through the rest of the season without dropping a game, and we won our first national championship since Cage led them to the same. That only made things a slight bit easier when it came to dealing with prospective NFL teams. I got far fewer invitations to pre-draft workouts than anyone else would with my prospect grading. I had a 7.1. That's insanely high for a running back. Yet only 7 teams worked me out. That wasn't a good sign. Every outlet was saying my declaration of love for a guy had destroyed my chances of finding a team. I didn't care. Whatever I got, it was going to be more than I had before my brother and his incredible boyfriend entered my life. Before him, I was hosting fight clubs for money and working as a busboy. Because of my man-loving brother, I got a scholarship, found the love of my life, and had a chance at a career in professional football. It was now looking like it was going to be as a video coordinator or something. But as long as I had my family and Kendall by my side, I didn't care. I looked over at the love of my life. He was sitting beside me dressed in a tuxedo. Not only did he look hot, but he smelled incredible. The first whiff I had had of him almost made me lose my mind. But instead it focused me making me do anything I had to to have him. Reaching for his hand I took it and kissed it. He smiled reminding me once again about the only important thing. For the first pick in this year's NFL draft, the football commissioner said before reading the name off of a card. Todd Percy. A quarterback, imagine that. I said to Cage who gave a sarcastic chuckle. That could have been you. I'm happy right where I am thank you very much, he said intertwining his fingers with Quinn's. Maybe Cage had it right all along. He had chosen a life with Quinn over all of this draft bullshit. And working as a high school football coach in Snowtip Falls, he couldn't be happier. Seriously, I didn't know anyone happier than my brother. Not even Titus, and it was like he put drugs in his morning coffee. Staring at Titus, I decided that no matter what happened today, I was going to do whatever I had to help him find his love. Seeing him at the intervention after what I did, told me everything I needed to know about him. A guy like that deserved happiness. He was the best friend I had ever had. I was going to help him get Lou. That was who would make him happy, wasn't it? Even if he still wouldn't admit it, or what he was. My agent's phone rang snapping me out of my thoughts. It was sitting on the table in front of him. Looking over he looked back at me and picked it up. For the second pick in this year's NFL draft, the commissioner said picking up the envelope in front of him. Absolutely, 
my agent said with a look of shock on his face. He ended the call and stared at me. I don't believe it. What? I asked confused. Nero Roman, the commissioner said calling my name. That was the team that just drafted you. You just got drafted second overall in this year's NFL draft, he told me not clearing up my confusion. Nero, you just got drafted to the NFL, Kendall said grabbing my face and kissing me. I didn't understand what Kendall was talking about. My agent had told me to not expect to go earlier than the later rounds. Besides running backs didn't go second in the draft. It didn't happen. Nero get your ass up there. You just went second in the draft, Cage yelled beaming. I was stunned. I couldn't move. I looked over at my mother. She looked so beautiful in her dress. She had tears in her eyes and she clapped for me. Nero, you have to go on stage, Kendall reminded me finally getting me to move. Still in a daze, I stood up. My wobbling legs almost collapsed beneath me. I fought to keep myself together. I wasn't about to fumble the play now. Approaching the stage one realized that my life was about to exceed my wildest dreams. Not only did I have a family and an insane career, I had someone I would love until the end of time. My wolf and I really were going to do whatever we had to, to make Kendall happy. I loved him with all of my heart. And as I stepped onto stage feeling the bright lights shine down on me, all I could feel was gratitude. The only thing missing was having a father to share it with. Maybe now that I was about to be rich and famous, I would figure out a way to have that too. Either way, I was grateful for my life. I had it all. And Kendall and I were definitely about to live happily ever after. The end. I hope you enjoyed that story. And here's something else you might enjoy. Would you like to talk to one of the characters from this story? You know, the sexy one? Well, I've created an AI chatbot for my sexiest characters, and you can now chat with them, or flirt, or have him treat you like he did that character in the story. And you can do it by following the link in the description to either my author website, which is alexandersbooks.com, or my website, bookishboyfriend.com. You should give it a try. It's pretty fun. Also, as a reminder, if you would like to listen to another of my audiobooks, this time with the spicy bits included, you can find the books on Google or the version of the book with a premium narration on Audible. And if you're in the US or UK and have never had an Audible account, you can use my links in the description to sign up for a free trial and get the books for free. Free is always the best option. But if you're not eligible for the free trial because of where you live or because you already have an Audible account, then by far the best option is to become a member of this YouTube channel. Here's why. Not only is the price of membership cheaper than buying one of my books on Google or Audible, but you will get access to all of the audiobooks previously added to the membership program as well as the new ones I'll be releasing every month. I've written in a lot of genres, male-male contemporary, male-female contemporary, male-female wolf shifter, male-male wolf shifter, male-male-female, which is reverse harem menage, and a lot of extreme spice, if you know what I mean. There's so much steamy stuff, and that doesn't include the 12 new books I release every year. As a member, 
you'll eventually get access to all of it. And you'll get it at a price cheaper than you can get anywhere else, while directly supporting me, the author, instead of giving most of what you pay to Amazon. So consider clicking on the Join button on any page of my YouTube channel to learn more about it. And whether or not you choose to become a member, consider chatting with one of my sexy characters at bookishboyfriend.com. Because if you liked this book, you'll probably like chatting with one of my characters as well. Enjoy.